ladies and gentlemen, our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get it. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does. I think we're listening to 10. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Ethan. Is that the lag we have? Oh, no. Is that bad or good? Well, I don't, I don't know. know. You, were, you, were, you were better there, but there was like an eternity between my name's Ian and I'm Ethan. It's just going to be a very long half an hour. Yeah, it will be. So, uh, not in the sense of, we're not starting to promise the BFE will be 30 minutes in length, far from <laughs> it, because uh, that would be a very long half an hour. But in reality, what we're looking at instead is, uh, right now, it's just me and Ethan. And uh, that yeah. was the case for, we think, about 30 minutes, at which point Liam shall be joining us. But it is quite distinctly, for the time being anyway, a boy's night. Boys night. Very good. There we are. So, um, oh, your you, man, your video feed's glitching for me now. All sorts of technical difficulties. Off. The yeah, I here. saw that. Yeah, it's this is this is weird. Some, I think I've got like a, a a computer demon. Someone's just entered the matrix. So I got to turn on our 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 recording sign, lest <laughs> I be lying. So go ahead and just talk for two seconds. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, today we're recording this on the 6th of August, and when this comes out, it'll be the 8th of August, uh, so I will be seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer and eating some ramen as well, because that's my film day. Your film day? Is it your birthday tomorrow, or is it your birthday on Tuesday? Uh, my birthday's on Tuesday, so my, my birthday gift to myself is I, I sit in a dark room probably six hours in total. Wow. <laughs> Uh, no, it sounds like a fun way. I spent uh, a couple of years back. I did that. Actually, oh. way more than a couple of years back now. Uh, a number of years back, I went and saw Ant-Man on my birthday. I came out feeling just really oh, depressed. Oh, no. The gift that does not keep on giving Ant-Man. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a definite shame, uh, but happy birthday from everybody here at the BFE, and I'm sure everybody listening, uh, to Ethan on his 16th birthday. We're very excited. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I just realized, uh, we'll, 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 mention, we'll mention it in a, in a second. I'll, I'll let you get to that in, in your own pacing. I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm going to go ahead and just keep going, and you jump in yeah. if I miss it, okay? Um, yeah. Big shout out. Last week, we did Robin Hood Men in Tights, and on Friday... Uh, I dropped uh, Oppenheimer, our theater skip it on Oppenheimer, which uh, Liam joined me for as well. Some uh, members of the uh, friends of the podcast, including one making their BFE debut. That's all I'm going to say. One member Ooh, of the of the friends of the podcast made their BFE debut. Catch what that was by going and listening to Oppenheimer. Uh, you got to join me for the uh, for the for the thanks because this is a nice way to segue into all the people who keep the literal lights on. As I just turned our recording uh, light on uh, here at the, at the studio of awesomeness, that's our Patreon backers. I'm talking about Julene. Hermes, Ooh. James de Guzman, Lena Ooh. Oberholzer, Ensign Davies, Whoa. Chris Peterson, Randall Let's let's see how bad the lag is here. Dwayne Smith. Uh. 
Yeah, it's not small. The Yeetmeister, Reverend Bruce, Nate Yeet. the Great, Andy <laughs> Dixon, Holly Collins, Cheesy with a fish on a bike. With a fish on a bike. Richard, our resident curmudgeon, the cool cat himself. Ryan, cool, cute, cute cats. I'm never going to be just, able to say that correctly. Just, I'm so sorry, Ryan. Cuquettes. 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 I don't know why I'm so bad at it. Yeah, I think I there's an L for some reason. Uh, Dirk, but his friends call him Diggler, the shy guy himself, shy Burgerfreund, and AJ from Nova Scotia. Oh, Canada. Good job not uh, singing along. It would have been a, a blasphemy to my uh, homeland. I, I wasn't even going to attempt that. Uh, I knew it would be bad. Had it been that discordant. Uh, as always, if you want to know, if you're a listener here at the BFE and you want to know how you can keep the lights on here at the Studio of Austin and help keep that sweet, sweet BFE content coming from our microphone to your ears about two times a week. Please consider joining the Patreon. You can get in the door for as little as three British pounds. That's less than four U.S. dollars and about five Canadian dollars. Other currencies are available. Uh, if Liam was here, I'd have to tell him, I think it's 541 yen and 64 Mexican pesos. So there, yeah. There we are. Uh, Patreon <laughs> gifts. Uh, the North American I was trying to remember stuff. remember which currency came first. The North American stuff for the Patreon gifts should be more or less out and about and in your hands, I'm guessing. Uh, the stuff that's uh, Europe-based, Liam's got to do some hard posting, and he'll be doing that this week. Uh, if he was here, I would get him to commit to that with a verbal assent. I'm hoping I'll remember when he gets here to do likewise. But there we go. A couple teases. We still have the Larry Hankin interview. It's like the white whale. I promise we've done it. Uh, it will be dropping. I'm assuming for a week where we got nothing else dropping on the Friday. So, uh, you know, and then we've also got our films of the mcu which i also want to get dropped down at some point so we'll uh that's our media madness we'll drop those up imminently so there we are uh let's do some reflections okay and corrections would be the other half of that uh, i don't know if ethan's oh, still okay no he's just asleep at the wheel Ask the, uh, i need you to do reviews buddy let me give you a <laughs> lot of time for that i need you to look up reviews this week so here we are um no Oh, and I've now flat out lost Ethan here uh, halfway through a statement. It wouldn't surprise me if he clicked his own button and knocked himself out. So I'm flying solo. Doesn't happen that often, but let's go ahead and give it a go. Uh, we've got some reflections and corrections on Saving Private Ryan. The first would be from Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith, who says, I'm a week behind as I was on holiday last week, but I'm 55 minutes in and the film is yet to start. And he wishes us all a very happy 100,000 downloads to everybody. Hey, thanks a lot, Dwayne. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, we want to say, he says, it was also lovely to hear Ellie and Debbie, too. You all have been on such an amazing journey. Y yeah. Uh, I hope we didn't come across as overly self-indulgent on that episode. But I do think 100K is a benchmark, which... It, it, it's humbling to say this, but very few podcasts get to a number like that. And therefore, we wanted to uh, show our appreciation for um, the listenership, for helping us, because we don't get here without the listenership. But also, I wanted to give my appreciation to people who sit around the table with me, whether real or, in Ethan's case, a virtual um to say we don't get to 100k without all of them jumping on board it would have been a, otherwise it's just me and a silly idea and a microphone and some people have the power to keep doing it week on week out with just them and a microphone and a laptop i ain't that guy i'm a little bit too adhd for that so uh yeah so thanks a lot for that message Dwayne. really appreciate that 
And uh, to everybody, like I said, who helped get us to 100K, thank you so much. Uh, he says he's just finished the Saving Private Ryan episode and can confirm his head has just exploded. Uh, I'll let you go back, everybody, <laughs> and uh, see what it was that prompted me to say Dwayne's head is exploding right now. Uh, I won't make reference to it in this moment. I may have told the person it refers to uh, that you said that, and that was a big, good chuckle there. Uh, he also thanked us for incentivizing him to watch the film Saving Private Ryan. Quote, I am glad I finally checked this one off. I'm not a massive fan of war films. But this one is more than that. And he has, a, he has a mindset similar to myself where he doesn't let himself do a score unless, A, he's seen it, which well, that should be bare minimum, and B, unless he's seen it recently or fresh enough mm. that he feels he can give a truly objective viewpoint. Because sometimes, Ethan, we've said it, we go back and we think a film, maybe more so for the old guys, me, me, me and Liam, but maybe yourself, where you've seen the film before <laughs> and you go, I remember this being better than it was. And so I appreciate well, I Dwayne. Go- last week. I appreciate Dwayne going ahead and 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 mm-hmm. giving that um, sort of quality check to himself. Thanks a lot for that. I appreciate that, Ethan. You were saying something about last week and yourself. Yeah, I had that last week. Like, I remember this film being like so much better, and I think I it's just like memories are going this this snippet here, this snippet here. I can't remember there was there was another film we covered while you know it might have been on the Disney podcast when we did Brother Bear, and I was like, I remember this being like so so good and all these great things. And it was oh. like no, no, I was like seven years old and just had not seen many films. So we're definitely having some audio gremlins with Ethan. I mean, we, we, we caught 98% of what you said there, but there is some of the sort of computer garble stutter going on at the start and the, and the end of that. Um, just in case we lose Ethan again, I think that's kind of the message I, I want to shout out. Uh, yeah, my only memory of Brother Bear was being, like, I really gave it no regard going in, so I have a slight better than I thought memory about that film, <laughs> which isn't much because I was expecting very little. Um, where are we at here? Uh, Carlos says, I'm just catching up with the Saving Private Ryan episode. And can you believe I was tearing up in the car as you described the D-Day scene? Well, there we go. Wow. Uh, he says, I hate war. It's senseless chaos. And the film depicts that perfectly. Hey, I mean, you're definitely on board with, with George's perspective on war. But secondly, I'm going to come back and go, I'm going to use my, my best, like, Brad Pitt thing here. But we're hunting Nazis. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm with you on war in most cases. But when you're hunting Nazis, I think there's an exception to be made. Yeah. Just a thought. Um, Where else are we at here? He says he's catching up on this. Maybe it was cleared in the last episode, but Lady in the Water was indeed Paul Giamatti and M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I'm not sure where we landed on that in the end. I cannot remember. I cannot remember where we went on that one either. So I'll hold back on my yellow button. I think I pivoted and said it was Lady in the Water. Um, I don't know if I went back and confirmed it, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I landed there. Uh, Also, the extra dose of morphine is what kills Wade, and he knew it. That's why he asked for it, and that's why they have the looks. Uh, One of the toughest film deaths he's ever seen. I'll tell you what, um, Carlo hadn't considered that as an option, but yeah, absolutely. What a a great... uh, what a great shout for him to go. Look, I know I'm not getting out of this. End me here. Um, on a total, total tonal shift from that, Robin Hood men in tights last week. <laughs> I want to do a bit where I talk about how I felt it went. It's really weird. I, I sat there and I went, okay, we got there's certain episodes you go in when you're done. You're going, good, either great movie or great episode or we sat down and we recorded for three hours. And last week I was kind yeah. of, we sat down and we, and we, we, we recorded for three hours. And when we got up, I didn't, I wasn't left thinking we'd done anything, all that, uh, 
all that groundbreaking. There's a hell of a hell of a, a pitch to go listen to it if you want if you haven't didn't catch last week's. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's just what I, you sit there and you go, okay, yeah, that, that was an episode. I think we did badly. I just didn't think it was especially uh, anything. And the numbers have been kind of slow, not not horrendously slow. Um, like as as it is the pod in generals on an upswing from where we were at the start of the year, which is great. Growth growth is, is a wonderful mm. thing. But um, yeah, so it's definitely a downswing from things like Saving Private Ryan and things from the last few years. But again, it was ninety three, and we do notice that as we get sort of the other side of 1995 um, numbers tend to slow because unless it's like those massive, massive, that makes films. sense, but it makes sense because yeah. less people will have actually seen that and have memories of, of their being. I mean, as it is even at 93, I mean, Liam and I are still pretty young to catch that out. I'd have been 14. He'd have been 13. If we caught it when it first came out, that's pretty young. In your, and if you don't get around to it, you don't get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, David from Scriptical, though, uh, caught up and said, for Ian's benefit, Panto was a staple of holidays in Australia when his kids were little about 10 years ago. Probably still are. Yeah, I did sort of say I don't really know about Australia. I knew about Canada. And so I was trying to touch on colonial areas. What would be, where would Panto be a a big deal? Uh, Ethan, I don't know. How much time did you spend in in New Zealand around childhood age? I I spent like two or three Christmases, but like, I we we never went and did like panto stuff. It was more just hey, it's go go have a barbecue or go just like watch some Christmas right. stuff. Summertime, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. What a wacky world! Crazy down under barbecue and, turkey. It's great. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a crazy idea to do. Like, I don't know what you do. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. I don't know what you do with uh with that down under. What do you do instead? Something else, obviously. <laughs> Is it so called summer? Yeah. Okay. So summer is hot weather, no matter what time of year it is. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just like, uh, th- like in in that area, it's like, yeah, it's going to be a great summer this Christmas, or like it's going to be uh, wow. a a crazy winter around Easter time, or what? Like, it's yeah. great. It's like a little bizarro world. It is I love a bizarro it. world. Um, Nate the Great says, "I haven't seen Prince of Thieves." And I didn't get a chance to watch Men in Tights, but you made it seem like the funniest movie there's ever been. Great episode. And this is what prompted me to go. I really hadn't get, and there's a few times where either I go back and listen to it for, for the, for the quality control check at the end after it's published. I, I always listen to the pod and go, okay, if I'm a consumer of this pod now, what's working? What's funny? Whose voice is getting heard? Whose voice isn't getting heard? Is there anything that we should have done? Is there anything we could have done differently? How's the audio? Yada, yada, yada. Little tip for podcasters out there. If you're not listening to your own stuff after it gets published, what are you doing? You absolutely need to be listening to your own stuff. Because uh, if you think you're being funny and on relist and you're like, yeah, we're not. <laughs> Somebody's got to change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying all my jokes land, but you know what I'm. You, you kind of got to go. If I'm not me sitting in my chair, is this still funny to the other person, or is this interesting, or did we do our remit? So uh, I was listening, and sometimes I go, "Oh, this is better than I remember." And I hadn't gotten there with this, but it was nice to hear. Uh, I, I did hear me quite enjoying some of the jokes, similar to I, I sort of viewed this, Ethan, the way I view the Austin Powers <laughs> movies. I have a lot of fun telling the jokes back. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, I can see that. It's a quotable movie. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's a quotable movie. Oh, I still this think- episode. Go ahead. I was gonna say this episode for me. I kind of had that first, like I need to go back and listen because I. Oh. I, I- 
e- Ethan's audio that, strikes um, again. Um, I'm gonna, let's see how long I the Garberly Kings can. Oh, he's still, he's still talking. It's really grumpy. We here at the BFE do apologize Fuck. for um, the, the the robots taking over and uh, controlling your feed. Obviously, something's going on with our connection with Ethan again. I'm going to mm. see if I can get him to go ahead and try that. Um, Ethan, dare I dare I tempt fate by going? Huh. I say you dare. I don't know what's going on with my internet today. I'm very sorry. Um, no, I went back and listened because I was like, I feel I was real grumpy this episode. I still think I was. Um, and I don't think I sounded good coming out of it. Okay. Um, and some of that's important to go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because there's things we, 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 is, uh, causes and remits and ideologies that we all feel very, very strongly about. And sometimes you listen to it and go, I don't regret the fact I said this, or I don't regret the fact that I'm standing up for this, or I don't regret the fact that I have this opinion. Did it come off in the best way? And, and that, that, that's a challenge. It's a challenge every time I sit back and listen to anything that, that I've ever said. And on more than one occasion, I'll look at someone around the table after the mic's been turned off <laughs> and go, when I said this, how was I? Was I all right? And they'll go, yeah. Or sometimes they'll go, you might want to give it another listen. I'm going, okay, cool. Uh, more often than not, I get the, yeah, yeah, you're fine. What are you talking about? But it's about being uh, aware of how you're coming off because it doesn't matter what your intent is. That's the, because I think I've learned teaching media and film studies love as many years. It's that your encoding is irrelevant. What your intention is, is irrelevant. If someone decodes it in a manner that you didn't intend, that's how they now now that's assuming a they're not just being aberrant and getting it just flat wrong or b um they don't have an axe to grind but if someone just honestly decoding it in a way that wasn't what you intended that's on you for not making that clear enough to sort of you know uh deconstruct we've lost ethan again so his internet's clearly an issue today but i'm going to keep going hoping that liam's promise of 30 minutes is true because a whole three-hour episode with just yours truly. I know some of you think that would be my absolute dream come true. It's really not, because I need people to laugh at my Jesus jokes. Jesus Christ. Ethan, when you come back on, can you... Ethan, Ethan, when, when you come back on, can you just keep it quiet till I throw it back to you? Because I, I'm in the middle of a thought, yeah? Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and mute him until uh, he's ready and set up again. Um, Where are we at here? Uh, oh, Nathan Wright continues. Very good stuff. Also, my, he's referring to me. Ex- uh, uh, so Ian's, I'll say it that way. Very, very pretentious, but I'm referring to myself in the third person. Also, Ian explaining the references to Liam in Georgia is like him, Nate, uh, explaining his wrestling shirts to his coworkers after they ask what it is. At least your coworkers are brave enough to ask what it is. You want to talk embarrassing, try and tell a room full of female English teachers that you're off to see the wrestling with any sort of like yes i consider myself an academic like consider that because it really is quite out there and then i, I want to finish by talking about barbenheimer and our numbers for for barbenheimer because we did release a see it or skip it on barbie and we did release a see it or skip it on oppenheimer and uh, i talked about slow numbers for robin hood it couldn't be any different for oppenheimer and for barbie because uh oppenheimer well barbie was first and it did okay on the first week it was all right but then as uh as sort of time picked up it, it's like a snowball it's it's gathering numbers where its numbers are greater than that of uh, saving private ryan which is insane to me the fact that barbie our see our senior skip it's typically do about 60 percent of what a main episode does and saving private ryan which has been a strong episode 
is being beat by our see it or skip it on Barbie. So my oh. first thought is that Meg's equals ratings. That's my first thought because <laughs> Meg's first go and it's blown out of the water. But then Oppenheimer did something even a step further beyond that. And that Oppenheimer had day one numbers that were better than a Tuesday release, which was insane, which is insane. And I think it speaks to um, sort of an appetite amongst the public for um, fresh cinema and whether you liked or didn't like the Barbie movie, whether you liked or didn't like Oppenheimer, there's no question. I think that we're on a return to, Maybe not a return, but how the public has responded very positively to two films that you didn't have to already know a cinematic universe or you haven't already seen this just a remake of that, Mm. you know, two new movies based off new ideas. Yeah, one existed. One was based on a true life story and one was based off some IP that we're all familiar with. But regardless, two sort of new, fresher feeling films. And the public has responded in kind, going, we want big summer blockbusters. Do they all have to be from comic books? Can we please pivot a bit? And it's gone really, really well. So uh, if you checked any of those out, uh, thank you very much. Really quite uh, appreciative. I'm looking forward to it. If you said to me, like, when would you say, like, the height of the superhero film was? Like, 2018, 2019? I think those were, like... Endgame, 2018. Yeah, Oh, that, that's I'm going to 2019. I'm going to go okay. like that that sort of two-ish year period because there there was like a superhero film every other month, which was kind of. If you said to me then, one of the highest grossing films of 2023 will make over 500 million dollars, and it will be a three-hour drama about uh, Robert Oppenheimer. I have a bit of a chuckle because I didn't think we'd get to that kind of ah, thing again. Ah, two words, Christopher Nolan. Two words. True. True. Tenet, Tenet would have done it if Tenet wasn't released in pandemic era. Mm. Nolan's okay. immune. Nolan's immune. What was Dunkirk? I can't even remember Dunkirk's numbers. Oh, Dunkirk's a bit of a different one. I'll give you that one. Dunkirk's yeah, that's a very Dunkirk. British film. It's a very British film. So, like, Inception? Yeah. What was Inception? You know what I mean? Um, I, I, yeah. I haven't seen, so no, no spoilers, please. I still actually have to watch it for the pod one day, Interstellar. Um, but oh, pres- I've not seen that one either. And the prestige wasn't exactly box office gold, but that was in the middle of his Dark Knight run. So, uh, mm. yeah, I mean, he is. And there's a guy who you know he dipped his toe in the comic mo- uh, sort of zone and went, okay, good. Now I'm gonna do other things. And so I appreciate that. Uh, let's do some general shout outs. General shout outs. Um, a tan hut. Oh, I need to get that. Some general shout outs. Tan. Oh yeah, hut. that's what I need to get. Um, there's some. <laughs> Forrest Gumper. I think it's got like a typical drill sergeant kind of thing going on. Um, Josh, from next favorite movie, says, alert, alert, alert. We're officially kicking off best month ever, ever three. Best month with a vengeance with Ethan from the BFE talking me. Taika Waititi's second film, Boy. Yeah. And I've realized, I was going to say earlier, but I've realized uh, Tuesday might just be the Ethan day because it's my birthday. I'm doing this episode, but also my episode with Josh will be releasing. So I'm I'm officially calling this one Ethan Day. There we go. Ethan Day. So if you're done with this, go ahead and uh, check out Ethan on Best Month of the Vengeance. We are on a mission, and we need everybody listening who lives in the microphone to help us out. We are on a mission to dominate, to dominate Josh's charts. Right yeah. now, the closest we've got is from season one of Best Month Ever. My episode on Little Miss Sunshine was fourth. 
Whew. So it is of his all-time rankings. So my mission is that we mobilize the friends of the podcast, the fledgling fandom, together, the BFE army, if you will. We mobilize them as we head to the beach of Best Month Ever 3. And we want to see you on the beach. We want to have a beach off, okay? And we want to take down those top spots. So go ahead, listen to all the stuff we got going on this month over at your next favorite movie. And then go back and check out the archives. Like I said, I got me the number four ranking. Number one is the stupid sequel to The Crow. <laughs> Surely we can make it so a film of cinematic merit has that top spot. So, I did the first ever Star Wars. We did some solid films. Also, I promise my internet connection was much better than it was the last 20 minutes. Good. You, uh, you, you do sound a, it does sound a lot better. I smacked my router, and for some reason, my computer decided to start downloading currencies uh, like of the last week and how well the, um, the Dow did. Cool. Um, we want to thank Carlo. For the love, not being down on us, but up. We want to thank AJ for the love. I want to show some love for M from Verbal Diorama, who did an episode on There's Something About Mary this week. So uh, she shared our link. And if if you've been listening at all, you know, I I, I rate what what M does over at Verbal Diorama. So go give her episode a listen, even if it is on a fairly underwhelming movie, as we discovered. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that should best month ever for A New Hope. <laughs> take place. We'll have to get Megan in. We'll have to get five. We'll have to get five oh, episodes. Yeah. She can be the new hope. The five week month. <laughs> the five week month. I'll have to be one of those ones for five, whatever it is, days. Uh, yeah. get Josh, I'm, I'm pitching it. A new hope. Uh, <laughs> um, but when, uh, you know, we will, I don't think you're going to have any. Actually, Megan really likes the something about Mary. It might be something. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> now there is no hope. Okay, I'm not doing it for, for, for anything I'm doing, so that's all right. Uh, Stu from uh, Stu World Order Productions for all the love. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Uh, our friends over at Shipwreck Comedy have just started an audio drama being released via podcast. So uh, go check them out. It's the case of the Greater Gatsby. I believe they're going back to their murder mystery roots a little bit, which they do very, very well. Uh, we're big fans of Sean Persaud, K- uh, Sinead Persaud, Mary-Kate Wiles. Uh, oh, I believe it's Richard Stribling. I apologize if it's William Stribling. It might be William Stribling. I apologize on that. And Dylan Gladhorn, of course, who joined us to talk about the music uh, of the series. They're all back for another go at this. And I love the comedic voice of uh, Prasad and Prasad, if you will. I'll let you figure <laughs> out which one's which. I'm looking at this cast. Oh, these are these are sick. This is great. I need to listen to this. It's got Kurt Mega, too, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah I like Kurt Mega. I love Kurt Mega. Yeah. And it's got uh, Lauren and Joey from Starkid. Nice. Lauren. What's Lauren's surname? Uh, Lopez. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Lauren Lopez. She's very talented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to say Joey's not. I just don't know Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, if you're listening to this, uh, not a slight, my friend. Not a slight. So there we go. Um, but no, go check our friends at Shipwrecked Out. Um, they're really talented. And I just have a belief yeah. system that really talented people in a world where we can create access should be found out. There's oh, every reason for them to be found out. And if talent means anything, if talent means anything, these guys should blow up big. So, or whatever it is that they want to do. But yeah, um, go check out uh, Shipwrecked, the, the case of the Greater Gatsby. Uh, but once you're done listening to this and Ethan on uh, your <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot to do today, guys. 
A hundred things we learned from film challenged us because they listened to a podcast and said, BFE, you need to retake your crown as longest episode ever. At which point I went, is this what we're known for? (laughs) 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 But I went ahead and looked at it and it didn't say on the tweet that he quote tweeted. Uh, It's from a podcast called The Terrace, which they do Scottish football. Oh, okay. And I said, well, how long is their episode? I said, you know, how do we know that we haven't already beaten them? And they came back and said, uh, the, the terrorists came back and t- quote tweeted their own tweet, a different one, six hours. And I oh. went, you know what the sad part is? We could. We, we could, could if we really wanted to. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, I could find, uh, you take any of our like, Christmas episodes or things like that, or we're <laughs> stacking stuff on top of stuff. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm so lazy and we do everything in one sitting, if we can help it, and I don't like to edit components together. I'll tell you what we could do for sure, because post-wrestling do it, and we do something very similar ourselves, mm. actually. Like, our Christmas shows could easily be seven hours. We could. I could. I was going to say. I, I'm not, a, but I don't want to create length just for creating length. <laughs> I never want to get in a competition yeah, my, with a Scottish football podcast. My thoughts always, what's the right length for what we do? Because very early on, we received a piece of feedback from someone saying, you guys take too long. Mm. And uh, I remember. Uh, they would hate us now. Yeah, yeah, we've got longer since. And I remember, I think it was, we we, we, we had a meeting of the pod. And one member, um, who's no longer with the pod, I'll just say I'll just say it like that, not because of any bad beef, but just um, went, maybe we should listen and we should do less of this and maybe we should change the dynamic. And I went, nope. I sort of pulled rank and went, no. I said, I'm always thinking about the pod. And I went, no, I think what we do works. It doesn't work for that person. And that's okay. That's okay. If that person doesn't like us and that person's not into what we do, that's okay. But there are people who listen every week, and that tells me that they do like what we do and what we're doing works. So, uh, no, as long as that works and people who are willing to go, I find time for this. It's always humbling to find an audience. Mm. And I know that our we could be a much easier to de- – we could be more popular, theoretically, if we locked it down to 45 minutes. We really, really could. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be us. No. It wouldn't be us at all. No. So um, – if it makes you feel better, there's a podcast I listen to called The Clone Cast, and uh, they they every episode they cover a single episode of an animated Star Wars show, be it The Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever. And those TV episodes are like twenty two minutes. Their shortest episode is usually two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't feel bad about about how long we yeah. take because I think it works for our format. I think our format works, and it's the right length for what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two and a half hours for a twenty-minute episode. It it's be- like an hour. It's well, like an hour doing some sort of bullshit, just talking yeah. about. It's like what we do. We have like a, a bit of preamble, and then it just sort of, and then there's like an end game style thing. And it's just, it's just two guys having fun. It's, yeah. it's great. That's what I love about a podcast. They just, it's like we just happen to be talking about a film that week. They just happen to be talking about a Star Wars show that week. I started listening to. Well, I didn't. So it implies I'm going to listen to the whole run. I'll, I'll listen to more. <laughs> I found some time to listen to a podcast called Pop, Pop Culture Pastor, of all things. <laughs> it popped up. I don't know if they followed us or what the deal was. And I looked at some of their titles, and I went, all right, I'll give it a listen. And it was an interesting conversation they had about, in this case, it was, does angry music make you angry? That was their sort of concept. Um, And, you know, and, but while they were there, they also had about an hour's worth of, uh, or 45 minutes worth of... Uh, preamble where they're talking about sort mm. of hot topics of the day and it was just two guys and i found it very engaging they're two very interesting um th- you can you can pick out the guy who's sort of driving the bus 
as you can yeah. with, with, with any podcast. You know who's done the formatting and the planning and the guy who's there just sort of riffing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and there'll always yeah. be one. That's all. I always say that. There'll always be one person um, who died. Now, depending on what the format was, mm. like when Ethan and I used to do Who Do You Think You Are, I got to be the guy who got to riff. And that, that, that was good fun. And we got to yeah. talk about Loki season two and what we're going to do with that, actually, come to think of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's a show that's coming out. It is. Yeah. Um, because we did Loki season one, so I'm, yeah. just, I'm just thinking about that. I feel dutifully it's the only thing in the MCU I've been currently going, okay, I'm interested. Then I remember <sighs> one of the actors. That's going well, yeah, yeah. to be fun. But yeah. it's the thing where I went, we did season one, so it's the only yeah. thing that's made me go, do we do this? I didn't feel that way for yeah. anything else they've done since. What was the last one? Was it Loki the last one? Yeah, I think Loki was the last one we did. It was either Loki or was Moon Knight. We did Moon, Knight, Moon Knight, and we both Moon got Knight's a real right. sour taste in our well, mouth Moon after that. all right, but I was like... Yeah. They're coming out with such speed. I was like, are these events anymore? I know, I, I know, I, I haven't touched Secret Invasion, and I probably nah, won't. I've heard nothing because, about that thing, so. Yeah, well, it, every, people were pissed because the, the opening title was our AI, oh, which okay. is, it's, it's, it's this whole other thing. And then there's all the, I've, there's some shit that came out about WandaVision because the, uh, the contracts people signed in that, uh, the extras, They've basically had like digital husks made of them without consent, without pay. So everyone's going, I'm not too fond of like Marvel stuff right now, but it's just, there's so much. There's just too much. Well, the guys at Pop Culture Pastor, yeah. um, actually are, are asked themselves, is the comic book movie bubble about to burst? And I went, Oh, interesting concept. Uh, hmm. as a way to frame it as a bubble. As opposed to yeah. me where I'm going, Marvel fatigue's been something in the zeitgeist for a while. Yeah. It's been in the conversation for a while. But the idea of it, it was a bubble and they fed it with too much. And bubbles happen in all sorts of things. It happens in business. It happens in and with cowboy movies years ago. Yeah. So what is that yeah. thing by which you pump it full of too much stuff and then it bursts and everyone's left holding the bag? Uh, there's an interesting movie. I haven't had a chance to see it on Apple TV about the Beanie Baby uh, bubble oh. and how it bursts. And people were actually buying these things thinking they were investments. And it's like, I remember, hearing I remember, those, yeah. I remember when Beanie Babies were big. I looked around going, you serious? It's like, I mean, I remember the sporting card bubble, which was in the early 90s in North America. Yeah. And it was this idea that people, bubbles only work if someone's willing to buy it off you eventually. Yeah, we and, had we had this like five years ago with the, the Pop Funko bubble. And now yeah. ne- now there's millions in, in garbage heaps because everyone's like, I don't want random guy from Shazam or whatever because no one cares enough. Yeah, they overproduce them, but because people yeah. are buying them ravenously. And I mean, HMV. I remember here in ta- uh, up in town. Ta- oh there. my god! Yeah, I hate half, going in there half, sometimes. Half of their stock at one point was like Funko Pops. Yeah, the, the second they remove that with vinyls, oh, it's much better. And then the bubble burst on the Funkos. Yeah. And now it's like, whoa. Now, I still like Funko Pops around the house. Mm. Uh, I, I do want to get, ideally, a little four-pack, five-pack of the pod team and get them uh, up in the cabinet here. Mm. Uh, I think that would be good to get some custom pops. That'd be a fun sort of little That'd be uh, neat. token to have. Yeah. I have two, but I made sure the ones that they have like really specific, there's a Tamatoa one, which you like, you wouldn't believe it's a pop Funko because there's so much detailing and like design. Cause there's one that was like, of um, one, one of the adults and stranger things. And it's just like a guy with gray hair and a suit and tiny went, I've seen the show. I still don't know who the hell that's supposed to be, but like, I like a bit of notoriety because yeah. you've got the uh, you've got the was it Princess Buttercup and Marty McFly, right? Uh, over here, I got I got, I got yeah. a bunch around, but the ones that you can see, yeah, yeah. I've got Marty McFly because uh, episode one, the pod, right? Yeah, episode yeah. one was uh, that I think Princess Buttercup. I think that's a gift from Liam. Uh huh. Memory serves, I believe. I believe. Mm. Uh, what do I got here? 
I got a couple Game of Thrones ones over there. I got Thor wielding, uh, not Mjolnir, but the uh, the. What oh, is it? Stone, Stonebreaker. Stonebreaker. That? That's yeah. it. Uh, I've got the Tenth Doctor over on the side, and then I've got uh, oh, I've got Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park. I've, those I've, like really iconic looks as well, which always helps with like, those. It's once you look at it, yeah. you, you, you can place. You, you, you look, immediately, you know, yeah. yeah. Like my David Tennant one was one of the first ones I had. I had him in my in my classroom at, at my old mm. school down at the sixth form, and he would sort of stand on top of the whiteboard looking down at the students, mm. and uh, and I like that. But it was never about collectibles, or at least yeah. maybe collectible, but not about value i wasn't making an investment yeah. i was buying something cool because i like the aesthetic of a funko pop i like the minimalism but with certain key elements they all look the same but they can all look different if you've done a good job so mm. such as uh, that's a long diatribe in our uh, <laughs> shout outs um let's go with this our gift of the week the i wish Liam was ooh, here ooh, because ooh, i need ooh. to embarrass him about this he's late. <laughs> he's late. for this arrow arrow um, very quickly, Ian Davies got a hold of us and went, this was your word 10 episodes ago. And Which I'm like, episodes that two towers. Of course. So, uh, Ian Davies pointed that out. Thank you very much. Uh, Anthony and Davies therefore did the same gift he did back on the, uh, the last episode, <laughs> which was Star Trek, the next generation doing Robin hood in the holodeck and data gets an arrow, I think shot into his chest or through his head or something like that. He's Friar tuck. Uh, AJ, oh, AJ did a, a shot of uh, Zelda, sorry, link from, from the Zelda franchise shooting an arrow. Uh, Dirk, Colin Diggler, did a bad shot. Someone breaking their arrow or shooting it backwards or some nonsense like that. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be someone special. I'm sorry, dude. I don't get it. Uh, your next favorite movie, Steve Martin and the Muppets. And he's got one of those sort of like arrow through the head little gag gifts, gag props. Oh, I love I love those. Uh, Russell the Posty, the kid who shoots backwards on purpose and hits a target if it's thrown in the air. Very cool. Chris Peterson did... Uh, a kid shooting inside the house. Uh, also a repeat from 10 episodes ago, if I recognize correctly. <laughs> and Kev Dog did a pitcher who's just given up a homer, then sort of turns around, and he actually is trying to knock the ball out of the sky with an arrow. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give third place to Russell the Posty and the kid who shoots backwards and hits the target. Definitely the most impressive of any of the gifts. Mm. They made me laugh necessarily, but I was like, oh, neat. Uh, cool feet. Second place, your next favorite movie, Josh from your next favorite movie, Steve Martin uh, and the Muppets with the arrow through the head. By first, Scooter as well. And Scooter. But first place, how can it not be the characters of Star Trek The Next Generation doing Robin Hood with an arrow going into Friar Tuck's chest? <laughs> Win goes to the man who counts the votes anyway, Ensign Ian Davies. Last year's winner. Sounds rigged. Sounds yeah. rigged to me. Hashtag rigged. Hey, you got to be in it to win it. Where's yours, <laughs> Hermes? Where's your arrow? Broken arrow. It's more fun when you don't win when I have to actually help. When you just don't participate. <laughs> it's the point of that. On that note, Hermes will be joining us next week. Just thought I'd Oh uh, nice. Thought I'd mention that. We got a BFF at the BFE episode coming next week. Oh, it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a, a good or divisive film, and those are always my favorites. Yeah, I know what it is. It'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, why not give us a review? Apple or Spotify. I hear five stars is a nice number. Five is a magic number. Oh, I didn't have it set up. I thought I did. Checking in with the morning report. X marks the spot. My phone is officially, it's no longer Twitter. 
It is now. Oh, uh, I don't see myself saying get a hold of us on the X anytime soon. I think. Oh God, no! I, I still call it Twitter. I think culturally, we're still going to call it Twitter for a while, yeah. aren't we? What's well, that? Like Facebook and Meta. I I, I never hear anyone say because it's just a weird thing. I don't like the look because when I get a notification, it looks like my Uber app is sending me a notification about like someone really liked something you said. It's just a weird choice. Yeah, so. I mean, it's this ugly X. This morning, I noticed it said X, but it's still the bird. And I was yeah. like, ooh. And then about like, I took a picture. And then as soon as I was done taking the picture of, of the, the sort of screen cap, um, what happened instead was then I got um, the X popped up. And I was like, oh, drat. <laughs> so, oh, drat feels like an apt metaphor because Liam's just arrived. Hey. So uh, we'll go ahead and... Uh, let him get ready there. He has been out. I did. I thought I, I, I thought you were out shooting today. Were you out shooting today? I was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I just got changed on the way back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully in. Oh, yeah. Chrome Dome's back. Yeah. Kojak in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, Liam, do I get in your head? So, so I feel like I still into him to, to hold him to task here. Uh, <laughs> Anthony and Davies brought up that your gift of the week word, Arrow, was uh, oh sorry, let me unmute you. I just wanted to have there. So yeah, there oh, we are. We are, we are. Uh, your gift of the week word arrow was the same word used ten episodes ago. <laughs> dun, dun. Two towers. Oh, <laughs> once some of the gifts came back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this being something <laughs> the first time. <laughs> so if anything, you got Anthony and Davies a win because I think it came in second last time, so he was able to use it again and get the win. Oh, Which fantastic. to be fair, it should have won for Robin Hood anyway. So it's a better it's a better choice than the two towers. <laughs> so, Sorry about that. Uh, weight game, weight game. Let's all play the weight game. Ooh. Ooh. So I didn't weigh in a couple weeks ago because I went, okay, I had the birthday and I had this and I had this and I had this. And I was really busy. I was thinking around to going in and, uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Um, doesn't matter what, something that's red or black or anything in the fridge. Yeah. And so, uh, I didn't weigh in. And so I was up a bit. I knew I was up a bit. And then, uh, but I worked really hard on the week. Uh, I went back to running. I said I was doing some running. I did go back running. And, uh, yeah, I was down another three pounds. So, uh, and that's Ooh. three pounds from where I last officially weighed in. So, um, anything that I gained the previous week, um, gone plus three more. So that's, well uh, done you. Wow. that's a good step. Yeah. 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 yeah so, uh, I think officially on their books, I'm like one and a half pounds away from being two stone down. Oh, okay. Cool. That's um, incredible. Oh my God. And then I think it was a couple down before I even start. So I'm about 30. I'm coming up on about 30 down. Hang on a minute. Have it, I just noticed something? Yeah. 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 <laughs> my phone told me that was level that's not level no, <laughs> no. i got the level out now i'm looking at it here it's very clearly like angling towards this i will have to reposition that's funny sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no. i just no, I saw the poster up i haven't scratched it yet yeah that happened just before uh we we started recording i was just doing that to sort of keep myself busy so oh nice yeah well done you though for the nearly two yeah, great yeah, yeah. so Brilliant. not to sabotage that because i do believe in because i found i found out i was down so i went to uh i went to cambridge that day and uh, wanted to have some sushi so i went ahead and uh and got on because i believe you know you still if there's going to be something more than just a diet yeah then you have to have opportunities where you're going to go ahead and live your life as you uh, as you would yeah yeah, yeah. So I went to get some sushi, and so there was a all-you-can-eat sort of sushi place in Cambridge. I was like, all right, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this. You I'm do gonna, like your sushi. I'm going to go do that. So it's a place called, I'm going to name it and shame it. Sushi Mania. I'm naming it. Name it's, it. it. Oh, it, is it that is, the one by, uh, is it Jesus Greed? Is that what it's called? I have no idea what it's by. I know <laughs> where I went. I'm not in Cambridge nearly as much as you are, buddy. So, um, but it's, the, it's, it's by the Starbucks, but it's flipping Cambridge. It was like 19 Starbucks there. So I don't know where else it was. But it's not too far from, from actually, it's really close to, 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 to the mall. 
Oh yeah, the main shopping center. Oh, I yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the one I thought it was cool. So I go in there and I looked all over all of its stuff, and I'm like, okay, what hours is it available all day? Okay, cool. Looking all over all sorts of stuff. Got to figure it figured out. I go in. They direct me. I'm I'm, I'm I'm by myself. Just cut the train down, right? Yep. So I go in, sit down. I've gone on the train for about 40 minutes to get there. And then I've walked 25 minutes into town. Mm-hmm. I sit down and I go ahead and they go, oh, there's a little place where if you're uh, sort of a lunch solo guest, there's like a little bar that's facing the windows that look outside. Yep. So I'm like, yep, yeah, cool. And they give me little QR codes, bring up the menu. I say, great. And I look it up and it's got bottomless, which is their the buffet all you can eat option. Yep. And then a la carte and then drinks and then you desserts or something. Like that. But the bottomless is grayed out. And so I try a couple different ways. And I'm like, why is this grayed out? Hmm. Oh, and so I call the person over, the, the waitress. And I go, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, I want to do the bottomless, but it's, but it's grayed out on my phone. And she goes, oh, you have, to be, you have to be a group of two in order to do the bottomless. And I go, oh, that's unfair. That is really unfair. And I go, why? Because that's my, yeah. it, it just makes no sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. I go, why? She goes, oh, it's just the rule. I said, yes, but why is it a rule? <laughs> I said, it's not mentioned. There's a poster right in front of me. I said, it's not mentioned there. It doesn't say minimum two people. No. I'm on your app. It doesn't say minimum two people there. I'm on your Facebook. It doesn't say minimum two people there. Why are you not telling me? I said, it's not her fault that I got on a train and went there. But I, still, I went on a train. I, I came into town for this purpose, for this special. But you are actively yes. advertising. And you shouldn't be persecuted because you're a solo person. Uh, persecuted. But yeah, but it's, it's definitely an unfair. There's two people um, beside mm, me. They're yeah. tucking in. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the difference between them and me? Like, if, if I eat, if I order more than I eat, charge me for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the system which every other all you can eat sushi place I know kind of works under. They're just as likely to, to have leftover food. You could argue double as much leftover food yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as I will solo. And she doesn't know me from Adam, but I've never walked away from a sushi place with any food on the table. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're collecting clean plates. I love me some sushi. So I call the sushi. Can you get the manager? I said, sure, sure, sure. Uh, right, brings the manager over. And unfortunately his, um, yeah, I, I think dismissive was he? Pardon me? Dismissive. Not dismissive. Um, I felt that, um, yeah, I I don't, I don't know if my ability to communicate to him was was as effective as the other person. I felt oh, like, okay. to be honest, I felt like his English wasn't as strong as the first person I was talking to. Yeah. So I imagine his staff. He he's obviously bilingual, and I imagine his ability to speak to the staff is probably really really good. Mm-hmm. But his ability to speak to me, I felt like I just. And he said, "You can't." And he looked at me and pointed at the menu and said, "You can't put on all provisions on the poster." I said, "I don't want." I said, "You make it sound like there's a laundry list of 50. <laughs> I just want. Minimum two people. That's it. Three words. And there's a nice little indent there. You can easily put it there with the rest of the copy. It's not like it's not. I went. I, I'm on your Facebook. Forget the ad. Like there's a little blurb you write above your ad. Yeah. It, it's not there. And you've got you've got limitless text there. You can and write this, whatever this, you want. This can't be the first time. That's oh, happened. so I even reached out and tweeted them. No response. Wow. From like the big corporate version of it because they have like 15 restaurants across the UK or maybe more than that. I have no idea. Who are they again? Sushi mania. Sushi mania. Right. Boycott. Sushi mania. <laughs> so I, I think there's something fishy going on. He said you can do half price a la carte. And I said, but that's not why I'm That's not why I'm, I can't think of any other place. If I went to McDonald's, they went, no, no, you can't order for 20 nuggets because there's one of you. <laughs> nah, true. And I'm like, what? So, but you can have this instead. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I want that. Something. So I got up and went somewhere else. Good and it you. wasn't. That's an a real can, weird it, choice. It wasn't all you can eat place, but it was a place from like, 
it's a place that hadn't ticked me off. <laughs> so I, I walk spent, past them almost every time I go to uni. That's such a shame. So I spent more money out of spite. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you my business on you or whatever, because this is what I, I'll spend more than the sticker price you got in the window. That, that's my issue. Yeah. Is I will mm. spend more than the, the, what they're going to get. And I don't think that's fair. Why am I paying a premium on what? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Didn't make no sense at all. No. So there we go. You watch, next time we go by there, oh. there'll be a minimum of two people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Sushi Mania asterisk minimum of two people. <laughs> That's the new name of the restaurant. <laughs> hey, we've got our uh, thing coming up this week, haven't we? We do, we do. So, yeah. Ethan, you're still in, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, talk to Georgia as long as this has been an emergency at her work, but she's, as long as she doesn't get called in to work, she's 100% in. Cool. So, we're going to be down there. Uh, I think... I've said we're going to be there from 12.30 to 2 o'clock. Okay. We'll be eating wings chicken wing time. at the Brewdog. In, uh, if we change that, we'll put it up on the Twitter and the Patreon and all that stuff. But right now, it looks like 12.30 to 2 o'clock, we will be at the Brewdog. Fantastic. i got to go ahead and order that. Mm. So, yeah, there we are. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Actually, I, it's a shame Megan can't join us because there was a time when years, years, and years ago, where we went to support Georgia when she was in a show at college. Oh, we did, yeah. Chimes. And afterwards, we all went out into a, to a, a local pub, which has changed ownership like nine times since. It's reopening soon. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's always, it's always <laughs> shutting down and reopening <laughs> down management. And they had, it wasn't like eating chicken wings thing, but it was like you get a whole load of wings for not much money. Yeah. And so we did the whole like, let's just get like 50 chicken wings or some stupid <laughs> number. That was great. And we started with chicken wings, chicken wings, chicken, chicken wings. wings, chicken wings. That's brilliant. So they burnt like a whole batch oh, of them. Didn't they? Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> I was like, if it wasn't so cheap, I would have sent them back. Yeah. Because I was like, these are, oh, it was just God burnt awful. flavor yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> That's probably why they didn't last. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> a little bit of practice. I had some chicken wings the other night, but I got those real shit uh, Tesco, was it like TGI's? Oh, really? Uh, they are not good. They are real bad. It's almost, it's, hey, just one last announcement before we get into it. It's that time of year. Fantasy football comes back to the BFE. Ooh. Woo, 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 woo. I think I'm announcing uh, the the tentative date for the draft as being September the Sunday, September the 3rd. Sunday, September the 3rd. After our regular recording episode, I've pushed a couple of things around to make sure we have the after time available. Is that a work for everybody? That yeah. works for me. Okay. I'll just make sure with Georgia, but it shouldn't be an issue, I think, for her. Um, so, yeah. yeah, back to work, back to school. But, yeah, we'll have to go ahead and knock that down. I do yeah. want to talk to you about maybe a slightly earlier start time. Yeah, we could do that. Maybe like an hour earlier rather than six, go to five. No, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Early. All right, thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and do The Fugitive. Why are we doing this? 30 years? Oh, wow. 30 years? I remember this This one out. feels more like 30 years to me than Robin Hood Men and Tights It does. does watching it, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Oh, if you look at that. This feels like a movie that was hung over from the 80s. Oh. It does. <laughs> it does. You're not wrong. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and hit the pitch. Felix, uh, I got to come in and record this week. Here's what he had to say. Ooh. Dr. Richard Kimball, unjustly accused of murdering his wife, must find the real killer while being the target of a nationwide manhunt led by a seasoned U.S. Marshal. 
Ooh. Yep. That was longer than usual. Lot, like, hey, I think he's been here when we said last week he mailed it in. <laughs> he's basically, he went Robin Hood's like Robin Hood Men in Tides. Robin Men in Tides like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yeah. <laughs> but funny. Um, Mike Trump. Um, yeah. So, uh, written and directed by Andrew Davis. Uh, no, that's not true. Directed by Andrew Davis, uh, who also did Under Siege. Oh, I love that film. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Chain Reaction. Oh, was that Keanu? Yeah, and Morgan Freeman, and they're on like yeah. they're on like boats in like the frozen Minnesota lakes. Weird. Yeah, not a good movie. No. And then Holes. Wait, the the Shia LaBeouf one, the children's film Holes. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh is my that, god, is that Shia LaBeouf? That's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I've never seen it. Shia LaBeouf. Uh, we we we. Uh, I've never had to teach it, but it, I don't know how I've avoided it because it feels like every other class around me was always doing holes, but I've never had to do it. <laughs> Everyone was obsessed with the book as a kid, and then they were always like, we need to watch the film. We need to watch the yeah. film now. And I was like, yeah, it's all right. Co-written by Jeb Stewart, who also did Die Hard. Ooh. Oh. And another 48 Hours. Oh, I like Not the original. Well, I don't mind the second either. I don't really have memories of either one of them that solid. It was early... Uh, uh, very early Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 I remember I've seen them. I probably thought they were all right. Yeah. But I haven't seen them. They're, they're, they're not great movies, but they're just fun movies. Yeah. Movies of their time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And David Tuohy, who did G.I. Jane <laughs> and Waterworld. Oh, okay. Two, two bombs. <laughs> On a story by... David Tui, he came up with a story. Cinematography by Michael Chapman, who did Taxi Driver. Oh, good film. Oh. Raging Bull. Oh, another good movie. Ooh, the Lost Euro. Boys. Oh, great movie. Uh, Scrooged. That's not so uh, bad. Space Jam. Space Jam. Oh. <laughs> so like, he starts off so strong with Taxi Driver. It's and like Raging a roller coaster. Yeah. It's like the plummets. Once, once his buddy Marty didn't want to work with him anymore, he's <laughs> kind of exposed to it. <laughs> Lost Boys. I mean, the, the cinematography in Lost Boys is, it's all right. It's a great little movie. We'll do it someday, I'm sure. I hope so, because I love it. Music by James Newton Howard, who'd also done my uh, Prince of Tides. Yeah. My Best Friend's Wedding, which yep. which I really like. I don't mm. know about the, I don't remember the music that well, but. I've seen that one. Oh, Julia Roberts? Is that Kenny Everett? Not Kenny Everett. Um, Rupert Everett. Yeah. Yeah. Seen bits. Oh, funny. Funny movie. Yeah, seen bits. And Michael Clayton. Oh, okay. Which you haven't seen, but I, I really want to, because I really rate. It took me a while, but I've come around on Clooney as an actor. Ah. Had years yeah. ago. Probably when I saw Up in the Air. In, in cinemas the first time. Oh, okay. I probably walked out and went, okay, I got to give it to him. Clooney can act. <laughs> yeah, so, I like Clooney. First time I saw this. Ethan, was it uh, today? Today. Okay. Like literally today. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. um, my only knowledge of this was my dad had it on DVD and just for some reason, had, my dad was obsessed with Harrison Ford. So he had like all of his sort of 90s movies, Fugitive Air Force One. Was it, is it Witness? Is Witness the uh, Witness. the w- one where he's like the Amish guy? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Harrison Ford. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's just that. And my dad going, oh, one day you're going to have to see The Fugitive. It's going to be really good. So I uh, guess I did that. There we go. <laughs> I watched this. Not for the first time. I watched this Friday night because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Because <laughs> summer vacation, I always have a hell of a time falling asleep. Always, mm-hmm. always, 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 always. My sleep pattern you gets You do because your sleep pattern goes out wrecked, of doesn't it? And so I w- I've been up to like 4 or 5 a.m. every night. And so around 1 a.m. the other night, I went, yeah, I may as well watch Fugitive Friday night. I may as well watch it. I'm going to go to bed and toss and turn for two hours and come out anyway. Because uh, I'd come on out and then I watch or I play a video game or something. And, sh- and then I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'll go back to bed. I, the I, problem I, is I'm sleeping. I'm, I, I'm not waking up with my alarms. I'm sleeping through them until like 11, 12 o'clock. So you're not staying um, in any outhouse and henhouse? And- no, <laughs> First time you saw this, man. 
Oh, uh, I definitely didn't see it at the cinema because I was only 13. Um, ooh, probably late 90s, actually. My late teens, I probably saw this. I remember seeing it round that time. So probably mid to late teens. I'd have seen this probably the Christmas of the year it came out on VHS. Oh, okay. So you, we yeah, were a movie. We were a movie. No, probably. Uh, if it was, oh, it would have been out in time. No, it would have out in time. So probably, yeah, probably winter of 94. Yeah, okay. Uh, because we were a big uh, movie-given family at Christmas time. It was, you know, movies got given out. We spent the next couple of days just watching movies. It was great. Cool. But we'd give gifts of movies that we hadn't seen before. So, <laughs> we, so we, some we, terrible we, ones. We mostly do all right, but there's some crap on our shelves back home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, context corner. I was a fair bit of context and uh, some information. I, I'm leaning heavily in some portions there. Rolling Stone on, on their website uh, has published an oral history of uh, Fugitive for its 30-year anniversary. Oh, okay. So they went back oh, and wow. talked to a lot of the principal players. The only one they really don't have is Harrison Ford, but they have almost everybody else talking about it on, on the record. Wow. So I will put some stuff in throughout the, the deep dive from oh, it. Oh, cool, cool. So maybe a little bit more about it than usual. But uh, yeah, here we go. So on September 17, 1963, the television show The Fugitive premiered on ABC. So Ethan, were you aware of this? Was a TV show first? No, I okay. was not. So yes, I was. It was inspired. Did you know it was inspired by a real-life story? No, I didn't. No. Cleveland neurosurgeon Sam Shepard was arrested in 1954 for murdering his pregnant wife and ultimately exonerated. So, uh, let go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it centered around Richard Kimball, played by, at this point, David Jansen, a doctor convicted of murdering his wife. He escaped prison, and when a train taken him to death row derails, and throughout the four-season row of the show, run of the show, he would track down the one-armed man he saw commit the crime while being pursued by uh, by uh, dogged police detective Philip Gerard, played by a guy called Barry Morse. Mm-hmm. And the series finale was used by 78 million people. So that's 67. So we're talking 26 years later. Yep. Um, so I knew it had been a TV show, but I'd never seen an episode of the TV show. I used to watch it. Did you? Yeah, because back well, in... Well, actually, over in England, I mean, if it ended in 1967, you're probably just starting to get the new episodes over here when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there was a big thing in the um, mid to late 80s, early 90s, when um, Sunday morning, Saturday morning TV was old repeats of things like Land of the Giants, um, Mission Impossible. Really? Yeah, Space Invaders, okay. or whatever it was called, the Invaders with the little finger, and all these different programs from the 60s okay. were being played in early hours of the morning. Well, I say early hours, like early morning TV. You mean like kids' TV hours, or you mean like three in the morning? No, no like kids' TV, okay, gotcha. TV hours. Like the monkeys was one of them. Okay, yeah, gotcha. You know, you used yeah. to get to see the monkeys. Happy days. Shows. I happy saw a lot day. of happy days when I was but, a kid yeah. over here. And that was more like <clears throat> evening. Um, some of them might even have been the evening, yep. that, from what I recall, but maybe... But they'd be like six, six in the evening that sort of time. Have you ever seen a little old Tobo? Yes, Ethan. You ever see a little old Tobo? There's a voice keeps on calling no. me down the road. Wait, repeat. I, I thought you said do you say little Miss Tugpoke? Maybe tomorrow I'll try to settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. No, no. <laughs> That's, that's a style. I think, I think that's a Canadian show. That's gr- that yeah. was great back in the day. So Little Tobo. I promise this links. <laughs> Little Tobo. It's about this dog. I have no idea what the dog's backstory is, but the dog wanders into a town. Here's any episode of Little Tobo. Yeah. Dog wanders into a town, is adopted by nice people. Yeah. And the nice people are about to become the victims of some of ruthless something. scheme by some bad people. And the dog... 
the littlest hobo will like fight <laughs> off the bad guys and follow the crime alert the cops <laughs> like drag the cocaine out with it like, <laughs> leave it on the body of like the, the unconscious mugger and then like go like and like you know say goodbye to the family well not they don't know it's goodbye and they turn around and he's he's at the horizon go mom hobo and they'll be like it's okay honey he wasn't He's just got to keep going. And he'd look back, wouldn't he? He'd look back and give him a look, and then he'd just <laughs> plot down the road. And he'd jump on the train and get yeah, to the next stop. Yeah, and that was a little sober. Television has not been good well, since that. The Fugitive is basically the same thing, except for the hobo's a person. Yeah. He, except for he's on the run from the cops, but while he's, wherever he's hiding that week... He, like, helps fix problems and well, solve crimes. It's like Quantum Leap. It's like the A-Team. Yeah. I mean, these, <laughs> the A-Team these are all, And these are called... They're all interlinked. They're not serials. Serials when they follow it. What's it called when it repeats? Ooh. Oh, um... I just did it. I literally did an essay on like this. Like, CSI um, is the chief example of this. What's the case of the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lexi narrative, is that what it's called? Uh, that's, the, that's the actual term i know but, it by a different term maybe yeah. pr- procedural i think i'm thinking procedural so yeah. yeah it's this concept of here's the case of the week quantum leap a team law and order <clears> little hobo maybe tomorrow <laughs> i'll try to settle down, down. until uh, tomorrow, tomorrow i'll just keep, keep moving, moving on, on. <laughs> in 1980 we should move on as well in 1986 <laughs> the rights to a show transferred from tristar to a producer called keith barish who was then pro- approached by warner brothers who then commissioned a script by uh, a guy called david tui uh some elements on that will be discussed later about what elements he had in there and then uh how, sorry i've just rubbed my eye and i've lost my spot <laughs> Uh, oh yes and then diehard screenwriter jeb stewart is brought on later to sort of clean up the script oh okay uh the script has got a lot of stuff going on throughout it wow filming begins in february wraps in mid-may of 1993 yeah so 1993 this is the 30 year anniversary that's nuts so it means it was released in august yeah and they wrapped it in may wow and that's that was the craziest fact i found no that's nuts filming had been back in the days when you actually edited it yeah, it's not digital. No, no, no. So filming locations <laughs> included North Carolina, Tennessee, and Chicago. Half the film is set in rural Illinois, but most of it is oh, those scenes are shot in North Carolina and the Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, cinematographer Michael Chapman credits Anthony Davis for the film's distinctive use of Chicago, which drew much praise upon its release. Quote, a lot of it really feels like Chicago because it has a native's eye to it. That's Andy, not me. He knew where to look. Chapman was actually hired a week into production after his predecessor was fired. <laughs> and he claims oh. he only took the job because the money was too good to turn down. Wow. Throughout the production, he'd go back and forth between documentary and theatrical methods using handheld cameras and natural light for scenes at the first house raid, and then add light sources throughout the tunnel chase uh, was, was as a realistic absence of light was deemed unfeasible. Uh, though his work was later recognized on an Academy Award nomination, Chapman said it was an unhappy experience as he never got along with Davis. Quote, I said, I hated being there and I was the wrong guy and cursed, but actually it all worked out, so you never know. <laughs> Oh, there we are. Much of the film was rewritten throughout production, and typically on the day each scene was supposed to shoot. According to Davis, he never met with credited screenwriter David Tui, whose main contribution was writing the train crash. Beyond that, Davis said he wasn't involved in anything we did. Jeb Stewart was there with us, basically responding to the things we were coming up with all the time. Uh, the studio uh, can't talk about it because of the Writers Guild, but Tommy Lee Jones, myself, and Harrison Ford, and other people <clears throat> who were close with us, we wrote the script as uncredited writers. And uh-huh. then, um, that ain't too bad though, considering one of the actresses, uh, said that, um, 
in her, their experience working with Harrison Ford, uh, they basically found out new dialogue for the scene right before right before they filmed it because Harrison didn't like the scene as it was written. <laughs> That's very Harrison. Oh, there's it's, it's a lot of everyone in this. Wow, lots <laughs> of comments of yeah, they wrote this themselves. You hear that a fair bit. Well, when you think though, right? There's some great speeches and stuff in this movie. Yep. You know, and do you think that they were just made up minutes before? No, we'll take a look. Wow. So, the deep dive. Warner Brothers, and we don't have time for any fanfare because we're into, I don't know, I thought the score was pretty good uh, overall. I thought the first 90 seconds sucked. Yeah. I got real worried when I kept hearing, boom, da 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 boom, da 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 and then this this weird black and white flashback that went into, like, inverted colors like it Ooh. felt like it felt like under siege like the score for like <laughs> it, uh, like a 1980s submarine beat up movie well um uh, it was 90s the um under siege but yeah was, yeah, I, yeah. I see, I see but under mean. siege that, that felt, felt like an age i see what you mean yeah. yeah the font choices were definitely a choice they were uh what do i have here uh blue credits and a looming score of it feels like it's and then i stop writing okay uh <laughs> even, even the graphics going across the screen weren't that great either they were very seemed low budget i've got my notes play the opening of the score for the episode i don't know if i have it maybe i can get it on my phone and we can get it uh up onto the system here let's you take should, a look here should. I, it should be connected i think let's take a look and see if it is it has bluetooth last time bluetooth yeah uh, it is it's because of the road so if i can find Ooh. the opening to the film let's see if i can uh the sound quality for that was brilliant yeah it's, it's, it's really good uh, let me see 48 i should still have access to the uh film uh on my rental because it's less than 48 hours since i watched it so if i take a look at this the fugitive if i go prime video oh get on your phone as well i should be able to yeah that's pretty nifty Oh, you know. <laughs> you know hey, I'm world. discovering new stuff every day that's been like, 10 years old or something stupid. Which again, let's you see know? if I can find this here. I have to download the app? Are you serious? Oh. How this long this, this new Apple take? update can where I, for some reason... get it on like YouTube or something? I probably can, but actually yeah. the, the app's like super quick. <laughs> download oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. There's some weird choice for some... If you don't use an app for, like oh, in, in like a week... After a week, is like we're going to uninstall the app for you without telling you. Can they do that? Apparently, Hap- keeps happening to me all the time. Oh. Let me see. I can sign in here. Prime video. I don't watch a lot of Prime video on my phone. I think George does. She is says she? she constantly watches the films. This on the small. I'm like this screen. I'm like, how do you that notice anything? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, it needs to be a big screen. Yeah, it needs to be. Well, you've, yeah. you've seen my TV. Yeah. <laughs> we got ours wall mounted. I can't imagine you ever getting yours wall mounted. It would be the wall. <laughs> I'd be looking at how to like hang the signs on it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Here we go. I think maybe I can do this. Now. Have you got it now? I think so. So, uh, no, I don't want to continue. No. Oh, here we are. So it's just very f- f- foreboding and... Uh, like, wow, watching a military like, submarine me movie. A, tell me this isn't a sub. Yeah. It, you're right, it is, isn't it? The fonts are even like blue. I'm yeah. It was, very, it was very... Yeah. If you... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and that's what's going on. It's like, Harrison yeah. Ford. <laughs> Tommy, Lo- it, Tommy Lee. Jones. Jones. <laughs> if you told me I was watching... Uh, what, what was... Um, was it Crimson Tide? If you told me I was watching Crimson Tide, I'd believe you. 
And so there we go. Yeah, we just get this. Like, I'm not that impressed with the score. Right. <laughs> Is, ooh. Oh, that's the seat. That's like the flashback of his wife getting murdered. So there it we feels are. like a remnant of a previous decade. It's like a weak version of Terminator. <laughs> it, 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 it is diet. It is the Coke Zero of Terminator scores. It really is. You're actually. right, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. So they show a cityscape and black and white footage of a woman fighting back with some effective, overly done foley. And I've just got the whole opening feels like Law and Order. <clears throat> it is didn't like it? cityscapes and like bum bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and it even does the thing where like when they show like the dead body, it like inverts into negative. Where the black oh, I hated that. I hate yeah. the inversion. I'm like, I've got my notes. Where are Lenny Briscoe? I want Lenny Briscoe, <laughs> and I want him to ask me who's responsible for this girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! So, um, I've got my notes. Why hide this from us? And then I later found out why. But it's an interesting thing because we see a bloodied man is shown the way out as a newscaster gives us the four one one. Oh, that's sorry. Four one one means information. Oh, it is. So it? if you dial four one one, you can get some information. You can go. I want the phone number for this place here, or I oh, want to know this. Okay, yeah. It's used a lot, but I, I just realized we might not get it over here. <laughs> we had one one eight, I think. Oh, really? 118, 118. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so the newscaster gives us the 118. And <laughs> he says, well, details are sketchy, but... And I've got, hold on. <laughs> Tell me that's... Why? Hang on. Okay, I want to list the things he's told us already. Okay. Okay. He's told us Dr. Kimball by name. He's told us his job. And he's told us his place of work. He's told us the details of the murder, what has happened, who is dead, and how it seems like she died. He knows what precinct Kimball will be taken to and gives out the address of where the precinct is. He knows that pre- he knows that Kimball was at a fundraiser that night, a charity fundraiser, and he even knows what charity the event was in support of. And then tells us details are sketchy. <laughs> I want to point I out this film. I put in caps. This is in a pre-internet age. Yeah. Like no one's text messaging in this information. No, no, like no, as no, far no. as 1993, that ain't sketchy. That's everything what's that um thing where they call it when they do it through a character exposition exposition no, i That's love exposition. i love exposition through 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 a news report <laughs> but 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 there was no reason to say sketchy at best well i was i would give this a hard time anyway for going you wouldn't tell him what precinct he's going no, to you wouldn't <laughs> Here's, here's, you wouldn't be able to go here's the guy we think he's been accused of murder he's murdering the, a you wouldn't know who's dead no, and a a you're lynching somebody. You don't oh, know actually, do you know what I mean? Brutal. Yeah. The murderer who lives at this address yeah. has his doors oh. unlocked from these times and goes to bed at well, like years ago. They, and they told you so when he gets released from prison, they've told yeah. you or for jail that night. They tell you what hospital he works at. So if he goes to work, <laughs> they might oh, even say what door he'll be coming out the east door at this time with no weapons. Years, years ago, they used to put your name, if you'd done something wrong, your name, your address, and everything in the newspaper. And you'd be like, <laughs> so-and-so of blank, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blank. Where now, they tend to just put so-and-so of a street. Oh, right. oh, they would tell you the exact number? But they used to tell you the exact number. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How bad is that? How does that not cause vigilantes? Yeah, I know. Now, at least then it was the newspaper. You'd be paying attention to get it. Here, if it's online once, it's online forever. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, then we go meet Dr. Richard Kimball, played by Harry Ford. Oh, I thought it was Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Jones Jr. I wonder if anybody did call him Harry. Harry Ford. Yeah, Har- I don't know. Harry Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford was not originally cast for the role of Dr. Richard Kimball. Instead, a number of actors auditioned for the part, including Nick Nolte. Yep. Kevin, oh. Kevin Costner. Yep, I can see that. Michael Douglas. 
Yeah, I can see that. I have a hard time seeing them running around. Most, like, well, if you've seen Romance in the Stone and no. Jewel of the Nile and stuff no. like that, well... Oh, Jewel of the Nile, he's very, that's very Indiana Jones, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one who I kept seeing was really close to it, Alec Baldwin. Ooh. Oh. He'd be really good at the suave, I'm your husband. I, I, actually, have you yeah. seen, what's the one with him and... Uh, oh, he's being hunted by Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins hunts men for sport. <laughs> and Baldwin's like the lead guy who's trying to escape him. Is this based familiar. on a true story? Yeah, maybe. That do sound familiar. Yeah. I can't remember. That do sound familiar. Yeah, so actually he could do it. He could. I think Kevin Costner would have been good in this. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to throw... Go oh, no, I was going to th- I was going to throw on... Because the entire time I was watching this film I was going, he looks like Carl McLaughlin. Carl McLaughlin would be really good at this. Carl McLaughlin's not a big enough star to do this. No, not the time. I know. I just love Carl McLaughlin. I don't think he was ever a big enough star to do this. <laughs> no. do, do you know what I will say? Though, I like right? Carl McLaughlin, but he's not this big a star. <laughs> do you know what I will say about this, though, right? You meet Harrison Ford looking like a scruffy tramp, <laughs> and you think to yourself, why? I'll tell you why. And now you know. <laughs> I think I know why. You're gone. Producer Keith Barish said, if you look at the stars of a time, I don't know who else could have pulled this off beside Harrison Ford. It would have felt silly to make Tom Cruise a heart surgeon, and it would have turned it into a Tom Cruise movie. Mel Gibson would have made it feel like Lethal Weapon. I didn't want to make a cartoon. I wanted to make a serious action movie with a serious foundation. Harrison Ford just always felt right. According to Ford in the 2023 interview with James Hibbert of The Hollywood Reporter, he pursued the role of Richard Kimball due to his liking to play characters who aren't like him, in addition to his desire to grow a beard or a mustache for a role. I love this man. Which Warner Brothers chairman often declined due to pain to see his face unchanged. Yeah, but uh, see, now I thought that was because later on he has a dramatic yeah. change. Well, that's, that's, that's how he gets away with it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, what if I do this and then the, my disguise is my clean-shaven face, which is really clever. Yeah, but wouldn't you have done it the other way around? Well, no, because you can grow a beard. It takes weeks to, to shave a beard. Yeah. It takes moments. Well, I shave one bloody afternoon by the evening. That's back like... I mean, he's got a big old bushy beard. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, true. Yeah. I so have found with this Anthony... You wouldn't have that big a beard, would you? Mm. That's an excellent point. You probably couldn't get away with it. Do you know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, I don't believe for a second this man is a doctor or a surgeon. He just doesn't, he doesn't look like that. But I found the Anthony Hopkins movie you're on about. It's called The Edge. Yeah. And it's on Disney+. Plus. There we go. Oh, wow. The Edge. The Edge. Uh, I just agree with Ethan wholeheartedly, though. I think Harrison Ford's really good at playing the beard actor in this. Yeah, he's... Well, yeah. With the beard, he just he looks like a grizzly mountain man, and I, I'm like, you've never seen a stethoscope in your life. Clean shaven, I believe it. Bleak, yeah, clean shaven, I believe it. Yeah. Um, Richard uh, is at this um charity event. Yep. There's women walking down to the fashion runway, and he goes to see his wife, but he's stopped by a guy who gives Kimball back the keys to his car. I've got my brackets. That's not sus at all. Because <laughs> back in this, why would you show me? Like, clearly, we know it's going to be like a murder mystery. The minute you show me this, I'm going, yeah. All right. That's a really minor detail, but you wouldn't show me it unless it was important. Yep. Yeah. Uh, meet Helen Kimball, played by Celia Ward. Um, he saves her from a bad conversation, and they've got great chemistry. Brilliant. I thought he and, he and she were fantastic mm. together. Yeah, more so than when he's on his own. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I thought on his own he was quite not as good. You no, know, 
there's other people in this cast that yep. outshines him. Absolutely. But when they're together, they're really good. Yeah. And she said, so Celia Ward, who played Helen Kimball, said, it started with an impromptu meeting on a Warner's lot while I was filming a, a television show she was working on called Sisters. I was called into a room with Harrison Ford and Andy Davis. That's the director. We just sat there and talked for a bit. Harrison is so charming. At one point, he turned to one of the producers and raised his eyebrows and grinned. It was him saying, okay, this one has my seal of approval. We can check this box. I was so grateful since I had a six-year contract with Sisters, and I'd seen so many people from the show, like George Clooney and Ashley Judd, take off and have amazing careers. I couldn't do that since I was one of the sisters, but they gave me a two-week break to fly to Chicago to work on The Fugitive. It was a big deal for me. She continues in a different um, interview. This is the Rolling Stone part. Mm. Harrison didn't like the script. Early on, I had a scene where I was driving home with them after a party. Harrison turns to me and says, okay, what are we going to say? And I went, you don't like the script as it's written? He went, nope nope so what are we gonna say you've got to remember when he did star wars i was 20 he was such a heartthrob for me i was still at the university of alabama and here i'm in this car i've got this job and i'm playing his wife and so i mean you can imagine how intimidating that was i didn't grow up doing improv in this business on sisters i wasn't allowed to change a word i was terrified i think i turned to him and said something like you look great in a tux <laughs> she did, yeah. and, and that's her she, she made that up yeah because yeah, yeah. ford was like don't like this one either uh kimball's back in interrogation now and here's a conversation from earlier in the night. Do you remember what it was called? When you hear the, the next scene before we, 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 we go to it? Um, Love can build a... Bridge. Sound bridge. Sound bridge. Oh. There we are. Um, she goes, look. That. So she looks at him and goes, I know you hate going to these things, but I love seeing you in a tux. Oh. The car phone rings. Remember car phones? Yeah, I do. I never had one. I never had one. No. I wasn't nearly rich enough to do it. <laughs> no. And he's called into surgery. And I didn't realize how clever a touch this this is important that we know he has a car phone. Yep. And uh, he calls, he's called into surgery. She says she'll wait up for him. And I've just got my notes. She's wonderful. Oh. I'll wait up for you. And I'm like, these two love you. It's so good. It you know how many couples try and play lovey-dovey opposite each other and suck at it? Yeah. That's many because they hate each other. They've <laughs> nailed this. They did. Um, we go to surgery, and uh, Harrison Ford shadowed doctors at the University of Chicago Medical Center to prepare for his role. He said it allows you to move and act as if you've done these things hundreds of times before. So I did the research before, most of it, before I watched the film. Yep. Which is typically what I do. Yep. If I've seen the film before. Otherwise, I just don't do any research because I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for me. And so I was like, so I was imagining my head like like, like a walk and talk where he's looking at charts and handing them <laughs> back. And you know, They're all literally like just stood in a circle and he's just talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, meet Detective Kelly, uh, played by Ron Dean. He's the only one of the detectives I thought was worth talking about. He's the bald guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the biggest jerk of the three. Yeah, he's in other things as well, isn't he? Uh, he, I don't I didn't look it up. No, he plays yeah. a jerk in them as well. Yep. Uh, they want to know if he has any enemies. They also float this idea of the one-armed man. This is where it first comes out. Uh, to the guy who assaulted him in his apartment as a cosmetic hand. Now, we haven't seen any of this yet. We've just seen flashbacks and, like, still shots. <clears throat> I, here's my big argument here, right, already. All right. Right? They're saying you killed your wife. Yep. They're saying he's saying it was a guy with one arm. Yep. Right? Now, if you were the one who actually killed your wife... Would you make something very generic, not something very specific? I agree. So when you go... The more specific this gets, the more it's like, why would you choose this? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what I mean? So wouldn't one of them go, hang on a minute, maybe we should look into this. (laughs) No, you're guilty. You're going to prison, man. No, you're not going to prison. You're going to be death by lethal injection, man. 
You know, that's what my mum thinks. Like, Jesus Christ. Is that a cop voice? <laughs> I think that was Liam's, ju- Liam's judge voice. <laughs> no, that's, that's a little bit more working class than a judge. Uh, <laughs> but it really wound me up. I'm like, the guy never got no, a chance. But you, you can't go. On the flip side, though, you can't go, hey, let's go ahead and bo- hold on, hold on. It's an outlandish story, Chief. We should look into this. <laughs> I will say, if somewhere, if if you're found Something in a house, specific. Jesus, if you're found in a house after your wife's skull has been crushed, and you're the only one there, and you're like, what? What happened? The metal arm man, the 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 one arm man did it. I'm I'm gonna like, I will be hesitant and next just time, say, next this man's saying, delirious. He's a one arm bandit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, where are we at here? <laughs> Kimball, it turns out, owned a gun. Uh, Discount Morgan Freeman tells us that Kimball's fingerprints are this guy who played like the chief. I don't know if you saw him. It's like they went, give me Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He's busy or he's too expensive. Yeah. All right. Give me someone who looks like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You know, an old guy, kind of graying hair, beard, kind of slightly freckly face. It's like, yep, this is you. You're just trying to find me a Morgan Freeman. And uh, says that, uh, his fingerprints are everywhere, and, his, and her skin's under his fingernails. And we also find out he has motive. She was loaded. I've got my notes. He's a fancy heart surgeon yes. in America. I think he's doing okay, yes, which taught me I could be a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> I thought exactly the same. Luckily, they, they bring it up later. But, yeah. I mean, do you know what I mean? He's a surgeon. Why? I don't want to get murdered in Chicago because I have no faith that these people are going to get no, anything right. No, 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 no. Kimball clocks in that he's the one being fingered for this, and they say, <laughs> book him. And he, he breaks down and cries a bit. And according to the DVD commentary, the, uh, commentary, the scene in which the Chicago police interrogate Richard Kimball was improvised. Harrison Ford had no idea what questions he would be asked. Huh. It's hard because I don't really rate Harrison Ford as an actor. I rate him as a movie star. Same. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Same. And I've seen, I've seen him in things like... Uh, um, Witness, which is his only Academy Award nomination. That was good. And it's good in it. And there's other things he's done over the years that are pretty good, but uh, I think the scene where he's being interrogated is probably the best stuff of him in the movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting-wise. Yeah. yeah. But again, he's opposite other people, isn't he? Rather than he's on his own on the run. Oh, I think he's the strongest actor in the room. Do you? In that one? Yeah. Not many rooms in this movie, but this room. I was going to say, yeah. This room. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where were you that day yeah do you know what happened to her did she have insurance <laughs> oh you're probably in to be the oh who's the are you a sole beneficiary i'm like yeah. oh and then he clocks in way too late now granted he's just had his wife murdered so maybe but i'm like it's pretty obvious for a while they think you did it harrison yeah just saying. are you saying i murdered my wife yeah, he's better than that in this scene. <laughs> we smash cut to the trial. They say they'll hear Helen's voice calling Richard Kimball the murderer. Detective Kelly takes the stand and gives us the flashback. Uh, before that, just an interesting story about Richard Kimball's apartment. It's modeled after that of an actual Dr. Harrison Ford and Andrew Davis met in a Chicago bar shortly before filming. Ford felt the doctor was somewhat eccentric and reclusive, was exactly how he wanted to portray Kimball. Because I didn't get that he was eccentric or reclusive in the slightest of his performance. What do you mean? All the times he pranced about and went, it's a secret what happened to the wife. The only time he's reclusive is when he's trying not to get caught by (laughs) U.S. Marshals. Anyway, so they went and uh, they went and checked his apartment out. And the doctor was also treated to a drink by Harrison Ford. That's a nice story you'll have for the rest of your life. And did you notice that... um, 
even in like um, the film Ghost and stuff, there's always that same like stairs stairs with like the sort of see through like glass the see through kind of yeah, yeah, banister yeah, yeah. thing you know yeah, I mean? yeah. That's, that was the thing i think back then yeah um kimball's fixing a drink and we cross cut to his wife like bloodied like calling 911 he's so happy and she's not and he's overly saturated and she's gray and red and uh she says richard's name now technically does she go richard kimball or richard yes yeah we've also received her brain has been smashed in. Yes. And she, doesn't, she doesn't say, my murderer is Richard, or Richard attacked me. No. She says, they're in the house. And Not he's in the house, they're in the house. Yeah, and then... And then says Richard. Like, it's it's just pieces of information. It is, because she could probably hear something going on. Going, yeah. Is it Richard? We're calling out for him. Yeah. Uh, I like Shaky. they totally the lawyer they nailed him for it. The lawyer does a great job. I want to I want a, a procedural on this lawyer and the and the, the false <laughs> the false convictions they got. <laughs> He's found guilty and sentenced to death by lethal injection. We are thirteen minutes into the film. Yeah, uh, there was a big debate about whether it should be lethal injection or lifetime in prison, and I think Harrison Ford was pushing for. I think he was pushing for life in prison. Okay. Yeah. So I guess he's kind of a pacifist or something like that, or against it. Like, I mean, there can be ideologically, you can be for or against. At the end of a day, it's a more interesting movie. If I don't think the they had enough evidence to convict him to put him to death. No, no, no. If you're guilty, you, you're, you, no. You, if you're no. guilty, you're guilty. It just depends on what's within the, the what's within your rights as a. Uh, I just didn't. If, if if you're found guilty, because it's about the crime, it's not about how much. Because if it's you don't have enough evidence, then they're not guilty. Oh, okay. It's not that you can't go. Well, we're not guilty of death penalty, but you're guilty because well, nothing. No, because guilty though. comes before. That's found before sentencing. You don't do both at the same time. Oh, okay. So, but if a guy took his wife and took like a giant, I don't know what sculpturey sort of artifact and caves her head in with it, that's probably bad enough. If you have the ability to give <laughs> some of the death penalty, to give some of the death penalty. Yeah, like it's brutal. But Especially if you're if you're a doctor. Here's the other thing. He's a doctor. I'm kind of playing the role of the defense attorney here. He's a doctor. Like the number of ways he could have killed this woman and gotten away with it, rather than a blunt instrument. Rather than just yeah, I'm going to yeah, hit yeah. you in the head as hard as I can. For me, it just seemed like they were pinning it all on this one thing of the phone call. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The script in itself has a whole bunch of holes in it. So yeah. this is the first of it because even when they get to the end game, I'm not sure. A I don't think they're intending to frame him when, when he first goes over there, because it's what Harrison Ford tells us. Mm. They're after me. Then why'd you kill his wife? Yeah. Like, the whole thing makes no sense. No. But yeah. anyway, it's just it's just the, the conceit, as Sinead O'Connor taught me. That's uh, not Sinead O'Connor. Sinead Prasad taught me. <laughs> Nothing compares to the Prasad. Nothing compares to you. Thanks. Which is the back, <laughs> which if you reverse that, is my favorite Irish act. You too. That's right. <laughs> uh, the guard who's leading them out is the one who shoots Candy's dog out of mice and men. No. Oh. By the oh. way, for the record, that was a gunshot you could hear. <laughs> Just yeah, it's him. Um, one of the inmates on the bus starts coughing. He's developed. So they go over to get him. Of course, it's a trap. He's developed a shank. He kills the first guard, but the guy that shot Candy's dog shoots the driver as well as this guy. And it's speed before speed. Only the bus rolls down an embankment and on some train tracks. Carlson knows Kimball was a doctor. 
Uh, Do something. Must, You're a doctor, aren't he, you? He must have seen the, the, the news report from the start of the film. Um, <laughs> there's a train in the distance, and no one's willing to help Kimball, including the uh, the guard who's now scurried away. The other bad guys have gotten away. Ford jumps out of the way of a train as it hits the bus. He saved the guard, and it's a spectacular collision. Uh, mm, practical effect. Practical effect, except for Ford. Yep. Ford is jumping in front of a green screen and lands on some cushions. Yep, you can see that. Yeah, you can. Which I, clearly see that. It's weird because I was looking for it because I did the research first. I think I would have noticed it if I didn't know it. You would have noticed. I, th- I think I would have yeah, noticed yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also this train wreck. Yep. Right. You think this is done for a movie? Yep. I think this is North Carolina when they filmed this. Right. Yeah. Yep. You can still go there today. You can still go there today. See that train wreck. That's got to be on my list if I ever make it over How to that cool part of the that? states. Yeah, I'll just leave it on the side. That'd be that, right. that wouldn't be done now. It would just all be CG. Which yeah, it would also more- be CG. Of course, it would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want more practical effects where where because when I watch like an old film or something, and there's a practical effect where someone could be in danger, I'm going, oh, how are they going to get out of this one? Like actually, sort of caring. But when I watch like insert whatever movie, I'm like, I. Oh, yeah. Wayne Johnson's in front of a green. He'll be fine. Also, because of his claws where he can't get injured, but like, it's he's fine. Stupid actors with their claws is about not getting injured. Yeah. No, like, their character isn't allowed to be seen getting injured. Oh, I see. Okay. Harrison, yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford could have used a claw. Harrison Ford's always getting. That's a running joke we that have on the That man is, gonna, is, is always getting injured. Always getting injured on his film set. <laughs> uh, it proved to be cheaper to use full size locomotives at around $20,000 each rather than creating the crash scene using miniatures. As the budget was quite tight, it was impossible possible to fully rehearse the key scene and it was a one-shot deal andrew davis had only one chance to crash the train and get it right so he consulted an arm an array of engineers stunt doubles and the insurance company to predict what would happen the train was expected to crash into the bus at 35 miles an hour but the director was an error the train came in at 42 miles an hour Ooh. but despite this the scene went exactly as planned oh there we are <laughs> Uh, the wrecked train and bus remain a tourist attraction in Dillsboro, North Carolina. Oh, so if any of our listeners happen to be anywhere near Dillsboro, North Carolina. Please take photos and send them in. Oh, I will. We will send you a free T-shirt if you do this. Yeah. <laughs> Get a picture of yourself. Hold up a picture of yourself with the, the BFE logo from the podcast in front of the train crash. We will send you a free T-shirt. There we are. Uh, brilliant. Remember, this was the day before I went bankrupt, so then T-shirts out. <laughs> <laughs> the first person. <laughs> um, where are we at here? Uh, Kimball's helped up by the other bad guy. Um, Why? The other bad guy, right? He didn't want to help him. Uh, uh, probably he's scared for his life getting out on the train. But why did he then help him and then tell him to go off? I can tell you why. Okay. It's not for the stories for us. Because that makes him sound it's, like he's a good guy. No, so we know he's out there. Uh, it gives us some time. It gives us some, some face time with him, more specifically. For later, you mean? For later. Oh, mm. I see. For us to go, oh, it's him. It's like it's like it didn't seem like the same person. No, nah, that's just for us. Yeah, yeah. right here. Because um, he, he helps the mob, so he's got a little bit of compassion. It seemed, uh, yeah, but he did want to help the other guy, did he? Nope. You know, and even the guard didn't want to help the other guy, so why is Don't nobody know. relaying this information later on? Don't know. But I'll say this, in this scene, somewhere in the scene in the woods, um, Harrison Ford does his ankle or something in. Yes. And as a result, he's got a limp. Oh, here I go. I've called it. If a movie star falls in the woods. <laughs> Harrison damages some ligaments in his leg during the filming of the scenes in the woods. He refused to take surgery till the end of the filming, so the character would keep the limp. 
the limp can be seen in any subsequent scene where Richard Kimball's running. I thought he was just acting really well. It turns out he really buggered his leg up. Oh, there we this are. man he is insane, and I love him for it. I give him credit for that. Like, I'm like, good yeah. on you. There's a little bit of Tom Cruise in him where he's like, he might not be the same <laughs> level, but he's like, no, 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 let, let's just keep this. This is also the same guy that during Indiana Jones stapled the hat to his head, didn't he? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure he stayed with the two uh, dead. We got he got we got lucky in the sense that they shot the film in sequence. Oh, that's good. Because yeah, mm. yeah could have gone yeah. <laughs> the way around, and it would have been bad. Um. So and also, why only open his cuffs? You know, his handcuffs, but leave his legs. So we can have this scene with, with the prisoner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't mention that he has shackles on until uh, yeah. this happens. Uh, meet Sam Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Um. Also, I love Tommy Lee Jones. I guess we need just a more organic reason for shackles to come off. It's too much of... It gives us one more problem that has to be overcome. I suppose they mm. show him as well, don't yeah. they? Make it peace. Uh, although the role of Sammy, Sam Gerard with the Tommy Lee Jones, Gene Hackman and John Voight were both considered for the role. Gene Hackman, oh. yes. John Voight, no. What do you mean? Is, could they do it? I don't think John Voight had that star power by then. Oh, I think he had the star power. I think he'd been and gone. I think he was oh, on the... Like he's on the decline, his... whereas... He's only... I mean, Mission Impossible's 92, isn't it? Which in... Yeah, but even then he's not holding his own, is he? No, but he's, he's, just, done, he's just done Mission Impossible. Yeah, but you need someone who's going to... I think he could do it. I don't think he's as good as Tommy Lee Jones, or even as good as Hackman, but could he do Hackman the role in a vacuum? Been, yes. Have vac- oh. Different guy, though. Yeah, yeah, Gene Hackman no, would have been brilliant. He would have been the singular guy in a team of five, whereas Tommy Lee Jones leads a team. yeah, yeah. 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 Hackman Hackman could be funny I think he'd have been brilliant Hackman could have been really good didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I prefer Tommy Lee but yeah Tommy um, Lee Jones <laughs> oh what have I have not I, the drummer from Motley Crue oh why do I have a sir I don't know why I have a sir oh. uh, Tommy Lee Jones had worked with Andrew Davis on Under Siege <laughs> previously uh, which we, we talked are. about mm. yeah uh, Jeb Stewart, uh, the uh, screenwriter on set, said, In all the drafts the Warners had sent me, the Gerard character was the bad guy. He was the person behind everything. And so he had an incentive to make sure the one-armed man was never found and that Kimball stayed on the run. I kept saying, that's wrong. That's totally wrong. You need to make this guy be the guy that would never stop hunting. He has to say to himself, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Why did he come back to this area? I mean, if you make it so the guy who's the worst of the U.S. Marshal's office, then maybe you could have made him Chicago PD instead or something like that. But if you make him, it's an underwhelming movie because then it's it's just, it's just like generic bad guy 101. Yeah. There was a point, there is a line where I, where um where i went oh if he's like the the guy pulling the strings i'm gonna get real annoyed but it wasn't and it was just a character choice and i i i applaud the film for that uh his team includes joe pantoliano i thought he was did you recognize him from yeah yeah yeah. he was um the chief guy i think in um the captain in um, 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 um will smith martin lawrence bad boys bad boys i haven't seen it so i don't know um, I recognise him also from the Fratelli's brother, uh, Goonies. Oh, is he? I'm pretty sure. You're naming things I'm not as familiar with. Oh, okay. He's Cypher in the Matrix. I was about to say I yes, recognised him yes, from yes, Matrix. Yes. He's also the bad guy in Memento. I've not seen Memento. I need to. Is he the bad guy then? He, he's the partner. Yeah, but in without spoilers, isn't yeah. Thingy the bad guy? We'll just leave it there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's an antagonist. How would yeah, if we just yeah, say that? Yeah, antagonist, yeah, yeah. helper, whatever. It's a memento. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about anyway. Yeah. And there seems to be this thing amongst all the other co-stars. Why is he in every shot? Because they're like, he's in every shot. How's he doing this? 
Joe Pantoliano says, there was only one wireless mic. So I was always fighting for the wireless mic so I could be heard. I came to the conclusion if I could insert myself next to Tommy Lee Jones, they'd be forced to give me the mic and I'd be in the movie more. And the the woman, uh, L. Scott Caldwell, who was Rose from Lost, for anybody out there who watched Lost, she was like, why is he always in the shot? And then she goes, oh, he's Velcroed himself, she said to Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) Hey, that makes sense. And um, so she did say that, um, or sorry, that they did say that Tommy Lee Jones was like, saying to Joe Pontigliano specifically, you and I need to have fun in this movie. Everything we do, we need to be having fun. So if we're not having fun, we have to know how we can have fun. So he's in the background of like every shot, like making a sandwich. I like that. Or like his every yeah. thought is how can I get more screen time? I got a bunch of these. He's just always thinking, how can I get on screen more? That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'd do the same. While watching this, I was going, you know, when we do the besties, we always have best duo. I found my duo right here. And now I'm realizing it's because he just, he forcefully put yeah. himself in short and it makes my choice even better. He kind of Ethan's his way through this thing. Because <laughs> this oh. is totally what Ethan would do on a set. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carlson's retelling the story. This is the uh, prison guard. And making himself the hero. Well, I dragged him out of there. I did. <laughs> yeah. And everybody else. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're dead. And the sheriff big times the U.S. Marshals because all the prisoners are dead. So what are we going to do? And then Gerard, um, one of his uh, assistants comes up to him, played by Daniel Roebuck. And he's got the shackles. And he said, so they're all dead. So who do these belong to? <laughs> and he was, I thought you said they were all dead. And Carlson's like, uh, I, I, I. and then we get, all right, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. It gives us a radius of six miles. I want from you and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. And when he says Dr. Richard Kimball, he goes, Dr. Richard. Like, he kind of has, like, a thing against academics. Yeah. Which we talked about a little bit in our Cedar Skip on Oppenheimer. Yes. That academia can be elitist. Yeah. And therefore, you can lose focus. In this case, it was the army guy in Oppenheimer. Yep. But in in this movie, the policeman, even a U.S. marshal, is much more relatable to a lot of people than than a rich rich heart surgeon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of debate about who made this up. And some people said Tommy Lee Jones made this up and said there was a lot of improv. Tommy Lee Jones said, I don't remember a lot of improv. There might have been a word here or a word there. He said, we need to make sure we don't confuse improv. We We wrote that this morning. Oh, improv by its very nature is it just happened to you said it with the camera running and no one knew it was coming yep you just mm-hmm. felt something in the spirit yep that being said david it was david tui one of the screenwriters said i think that's in my script and someone posted one of the original drafts of the script and it's very close to that in oh there. okay so yeah. it was that was not a tommy lee jones creation at least tommy lee said himself it is very they is it, said the one who played rose in lost uh l scott caldwell said um he would eat by himself oh, okay he would he would he wouldn't socialize with anybody off set but he said he saved all that energy up for being on the set yeah and when he was on set then he would rally that energy around and carried us all through it and created this atmosphere of we were a team and she said that she reckons he was conserving all his energy socially so that when I he was, went out there he'd be okay uh, i was gonna say he seems like a guy whose social battery is very like 
waiting at points, which is why I've always thought he hated Jim Carrey when they did Batman. Oh, that he is like, Jim Carrey. Oh, he'd be yeah, exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, your your battery gets waned like, like I, before the first take is done. Because I bet you Carrey's not, not turning it off. No, yeah. not at all. Whereas he's doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, um, there was a, um, I think it's Joe Pantoliano says that like Tommy Lee Jones is like a Rhodes Scholar. Like he's like super smart. Wow. <laughs> I believe he said if Stephen Hawking's <laughs> which, which which made me twitch reading it. <laughs> Rolling Stone were faithful to how it was said by who. Oh, I don't think it was it was Joe Robuck who said it. But anyway, yeah, they said like, you know, he's the smartest guy in any room. Even if Stephen Hawking was here, he'd admit that I'm like, okay, this might be a bit hyperbolic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a stretch. What's the topic? <laughs> um so yeah. So uh, now it's daytime, and Kimball nicks a pair of coveralls from a tow truck, and he must uh, he must be his first true love because he's found just the right size. Um, movie trope fits him perfectly. Same same with like Terminator, wasn't it? You know, Everything's a perfect fit. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beats up a little guy, but his jacket yeah. fits. Uh, Gerard asks Newman. He goes, Newman. And this is the name of the kid who's helping out the whole time, and then I, I realized his character's name is Newman. New man. So there we go. That's cool. He goes, Newman, what are you doing? He goes, I'm thinking. He goes, well, why, while you're at it, why don't you think me up a cup of coffee and one of those donuts with little sprinkles on top? <laughs> Ad-libs. Oh, that's good. Apparently, Tommy Jones was script. looking at this thing saying, okay, we're waiting. But the script, that's all we're doing is waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the little hen house, fort house, all that stuff. That was one of the first things shot in the movie. And it was shot because they had to have it done first because that was going to be the PR stuff. That was going to be the, the trailer. Oh, uh, okay. So, so we have I to can, shoot this first. Yeah, yeah. And apparently Tommy Lee Jones hated that passage. Really? Which is so iconic. Yes. And it was on every Oscar reel. Yeah. Like when it was like for like, you know, the nominees for Best Supporting Actor are. Like yeah, that's yeah. the scene they use. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yet he hated it because he hated being the instrument of exposition, he said. But I'm like, dude, you're playing a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> you're addressing other, like, you're going to have to deliver some key information. You need that key information for the advert. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, Kimball breaks into a hospital room called Treatment and cleans himself up. He also hides behind a door. He shaves off his beard because it's what studios wanted to see, and he eats some old guy's lunch. And the woman didn't even see him. <laughs> So you're gonna be really surprised when the guy who's in the coma's finished his, his scrambled egg sandwich later on. I'm not being funny, right? You shut the door. The lady walks in. Yeah. She opens the door, right? He then shuts the door. You would know if you'd have left that door open. I wonder because you're assuming she's that's just guy number eight of twelve that he she's got to go and get lunch ready for and all that stuff. No, but she goes into the bar yeah. to get him a, some water yeah. because Kimball's just drunk it. I wondered if you're focused, you're just thinking about, about your day's work. But so you, you might, but it's not. How big of a deal is it to you? If you was in this room, right, and someone was behind that door and they shut that door, you'd go to yourself. Would, anyway. I, would I? Because like I left the burner on the other day, right? <laughs> and I don't think someone <laughs> broke in. And so I go, "What's the most?" So your brain goes, "What's the most logical thing?" I thought I left it open, but I clearly must have shut it because you're not thinking for a moment. Someone's behind the door, are you? No, no. You'd have so a your brain. No, your, your brain fills in. What's the most logical? Occam's razor. The most logical explanation is usually the correct one okay. so the most logical one is oh, i thought i shut it mustn't have because you're thinking about the room you got to do next you're thinking about 
what your sister's bringing you over for today. You're thinking about that man who won't return your phone calls, oh, right? No, because at work, how much room. focus are you paying attention to really when you're at work? Because mm. I'm thinking about jobs where it's repetitive, right? So teaching's different because I'm talking all the time. So I'm having to think about what I said. Mm-hmm. But if it's about where did I put that folder? Oh, I thought, oh, I left it on the photocopier. So I got to go walk back. Now, I think, now, I don't think, you know, some criminal grabbed my folder and put it over on the <laughs> no, folder. No, but it was just seemed, it was too close. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but in the same Did breath, you feel a we, 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 we all do these things every day. Mm. We do. If I was a bigger room, I could guess, but you know, smaller room. Oh, the, you choose the strangest things to go to war on sometimes. The fucking I know it's not the same as being a, a nurse or a doctor in a hospital, but like when I used to do like retail, if I had a customer, and now and now an hour later, the customer, I I I just be, who the fuck are you? To be fair though, this isn't this isn't an hour later. Yeah, this is this is thirty seconds later. Thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. If that. You talked me into it. This is totally <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this is trying to side with Ian. I've destroyed his trust. Door. You know, she was so close. That's my that's my thing. Uh, he leaves the room. There's a cop making wanted posters, copies of the wanted poster, who has a conversation with Kimball, and he describes the guy to him. <laughs> Which I'll say this like this is, the, this is the benefit of having a beard and removing it is you become blind to anybody who doesn't have a beard. Yeah, but mm. also clever. He goes, "Well, he's like me. He's tall." He said, "You ever say like that?" And he goes, "Every time I look in the mirror, pal." <laughs> yeah, and he goes, "Doc." And there's a bunch of great little stop where you think like they've, they've caught him and they haven't in this yeah. movie. And he uh, points to his fly, and uh, he's, he hasn't zipped up. Yeah, so he helps him out, and he goes, "Oh, thanks a lot." And uh, and he's just doing the right thing, right? He's he's sitting there, he's eating, he's kind of half listening. He's like, you know, he's not acting nervous. He's acting like he's just I'm cramming my food in some the next place. Um, and then he goes outside and he helps two paramedics with with a gurney. Uh, it's the shot guard from the previous uh, night. And again, he helps him. He helps him. Yep. But then he goes ahead and makes sure he gives him enough oxygen to knock him out. For a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he gives him some more advice. Make sure they know blah, blah, blah. And then he steals an ambulance, <laughs> which I would have driven a couple of miles and then gotten out of it. Yeah, got rid. Yeah, got rid. Switched it off. numbers on the top, like, so the helicopters can find them and see them. It's that. It's also the fact that an ambulance is a really yeah. like, important it, thing. It's a real not inconspicuous vehicle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Plus, they have license places. My favorite line, though, is after, like, they, they leave the gun, like, how did he know that just from seeing his, his pulse or something? Yeah, how do you know that? Because, yeah, yeah, how would you know he was shot there? But he runs with it. Um, Who was that masked man anyway? Uh, there's some chase. The man anyway. He's being chased by the U.S. Marshals, and he's in the ambulance. They're in a helicopter. And they go into a tunnel, and eventually they have him surrounded on both ends. The helicopter footage, there wasn't enough room for the cameraman to be inside the helicopter, Tommy Lee Jones. So he had to be strapped to the outside of the chopper Holy in order to get clean balls. footage of Jones. So you can give me the, the Tom Cruise hanging off the side of a jet all you want. Yeah. This is pretty out there stuff when you're not even going to be the one. You go out there so you get, am I getting a shot of Tommy Lee doing something cool? No, he's just going to be sitting in the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> holy shit yeah uh he escapes into a drainage tunnel quickly pursued by the marshals uh tommy lee jones goes because he looks he's down the storm drain and goes oh we got a gopher <laughs> ad lib oh no gerard comes down some tunnel and gets caught in the stream loses his gun to which kimball pulls it up and pulls it on gerard i remember this scene very and well so there's the outside of it where you've got like where the water's escaping 
and the ever and Tommy Lee's in sort of like the, the well the more inside portion uh, towards the rest of the tunnels, and he's sort of like, "Are you going to shoot?" Because so, he sort of goes to shoot him, and then he runs away, and then he's cornered here at the entrance by Tommy Lee. By he's he's in, the, in it on the the corner of a tunnel where he corners him with the gun. Yeah, and then he runs. He runs around. around yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. gets that bit, and then yeah. he stops him again, doesn't he? Because he's run out of real estate. Yeah, 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 and so that's when he stops him. He says, "Drop the gun." Drops the gun. Put your hands behind your head. Turn around, which is the stupidest thing he could have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it gives him his exit, right? And so. He goes, you know, do you want to get shot? And he goes, all right, on the count of three. One, two, three. And he jumps, he dives off. And I bet of some stuntman really did that. Thing. Uh, yeah, everything here is practical. So, yeah, it's not Ooh. him. He, he did a four-foot jump himself <laughs> onto <Wow>. some cushions. <laughs> wow, four foot. Yeah. Uh, a sprained ankle. That's oh, pretty dangerous. Did, did you mention <laughs> that uh, I think the best Toby Lee Jones lines of, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yeah, that's my next line. I don't kill my wife. He goes, I don't care. And Kimball backs away. According to producer Roy Huggins, Gerard's line in response to Kimball's I didn't kill my wife was originally written as that isn't my problem. At the request of Tommy Lee Jones, it was changed. Now, some places incorrectly refer to it as I don't care as being his request. Tommy Lee Jones, right from the horse's mouth. The deputy marshal I've been talking to emphasized a couple of things. One of them is that the innocence of the, peop- of, of the guilt of the people he was trying to serve warrants on was not really important to the process. He didn't care if he was chasing the people he was chasing were guilty or not. It was his job to catch them. And then it was somebody else's job to decide if they were guilty. And the thrill of the chase was something that the fellow really enjoyed. On-set screenwriter Jeb Stewart, who's the second major draft, says, Tommy did not want to say, I don't care. But he needed to tell the audience that he does not care if the guy's innocent or guilty. It was freezing cold. The water's running through. Harrison had been such a trooper. He's standing there in this opening, which is about a opening to jump about four feet to a mattress. We're all freezing. And Tommy keeps saying, nope, I don't like that line. It doesn't work. <laughs> nope, don't like that one. He says, we had I don't care in the script, but he kept trying others. And so after a while, I said, why don't you just try I don't care? And once he did it, the director went, that's it, rap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kimball go- again. I don't care. <laughs> Kimball goes to the end of a line. Uh, it's just where the water empties out into some river, and it's a hell of a way down. Remember that this is where. So it, I've got my notes. Remember they started in this tunnel, yeah, and they go down into yeah. the pipes, and they go down some more and around a bit, yeah. And then there's this giant, like, two hundred foot drop. <laughs> it's like yeah, a, that, that original tunnel is not like on like a mountain peak. It's like a. It's like a. a um, what do they call a it? A reservoir. Yeah, yeah. It's like a dam or something dam, like that. There's yeah. a reservoir, but I'm like, it was just some random tunnel. Yeah. So this is like in Goldeneye, where they keep going down, 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 and down, and then he escapes the buildings on like a mountain. <laughs> it went from being like sunny Brazil to like the Russian <laughs> peaks. Uh, slash, of course, that's got Goldeneye disease. Um, where am I at here? He says, turn around, put your hands on your head. Do, do you want to get shot? He then dives and jumps, supposedly maybe to safety. And Cosmo says, can we go home now? Um, so Andrew Davis on the dive says we shot the real water in the dam with Harrison standing above tied to a wire. Then later on, we came back to Chicago, took over an old steel fabricating place and we built this long set and had all the components of a dam and water dripping and we could light it. And so those were done in two different places. Wow. Clever. Yeah. David Toohey's contribution, the original screenwriter, he had the idea of Kimball jumping off a waterfall to escape Gerard, but he wanted Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> He says the chase through the storm drain was his homage to a musical. Oh, was it? Oh, oh, um, 
Is it? Um, 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 We've reached a point where you should say something. Guys and dolls? No, not guys and dolls. Come on, you're rocking the boat. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm joking. It's not. (laughs) Plus, that's not guys and dolls, is it? That's uh, That's, um. Now I'm two levels of of, of, (laughs) of, of, that is deep. Yeah, yeah, me too. Is it forty seconds straight? No, 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 no. Oh well. I'll find that out in a minute. The first thing, though, the thing it is an homage to Go on. is uh, we will join these people's heroes. We will follow. Oh, where of they course, Les Mis. Les Mis. I've never. There's seen actually it. a whole song where he's in where he's in the bloody he's sewers in the sewers thing. and then he jumps off yeah. and kills himself. Spoilers. Oh, oh, okay, I've never seen it. Russell Crowe. Oh, you just ruined it for me. He's Russell not, Crowe ruined that. He's not the most anyway. important character in the film. Oh. Oh, I feel Javert is a pretty. I I I rate Javert just as high as Jean Valjean. They Actually, like, you know, you know who Javert is. Javert's Tommy Lee Jones Jack? in this film. Uh, yeah, he's like, I will. As a matter of if he did it or not, I will chase you forever. Yeah, who, who would have thought? I, I wonder if I'm, in fairness, Valjean was actually guilty of the crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because he's uncompromised, and then he becomes compromised. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, um, where am I at here? Uh, David Toomey, The Chase of a Storm Dreams is my homage to the sewer sequence in Les Miserables, uh, and his jump was just a logical ascension of the chase. I said to myself, well, all this water's got to go fucking somewhere, and I've got to have him <laughs> escape in a logical way to allow him to pursue his quest of the one-armed man. So I said, what's the dramatic way possible for him to escape? That's the most dramatic way possible. <laughs> Gerard instantly has a plan. Let's do this, this, this. I want dogs there. I want this here. I want to troll the river. I want the plane to come Until down. I find a body. Yep. He said, he's dead. Should, should make him easy to find. Yeah. He goes, why is everyone turned off the water? <laughs> <laughs> and then Kimball, he's in the water, and he's, sw- and he's shivering, and he's, and he's, and it's, like, it's, this is practical. You know what I mean? This, this ain't in the studio. Yeah, no. This, this ain't, you know, that shot of, of Tom, uh, James Cameron in the water no. with uh, Rose and, uh, and Jack in Titanic. No, it's not this really. is a real thing. <laughs> and so as cold as Kimball is, he goes, I can't just get out. They'll see me. So he attaches himself to these branches. Which is clever. And goes down the river a good chunk before then he eventually sheds them as he gets closer to the bank and walks off. And I'm like, this is the most unrealistic thing. He should be dead from hypothermia is what yeah. I'm done. Because he's running through the woods. I'm like, yeah, you, you, you're dead now. And also when they look down, you'd see a head pop up. You'd see, um, you know, because he was going through before he grabbed Because there's, there's like 30 people looking. Yeah. Only one of them has to see you. Exactly. And they tell everybody, and then they all see you. That's how things work. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Kimball tries to get some sleep, and uh, he gets some sensual dreams of his relationship with with his wife, which again was nice. Their chemistry is lovely. And then we get shots of the fight with the one-armed man and the death of Richard's wife. And there's a great shot of Kimball, when he's awake now, walking into a tunnel, and it just goes black. And then we get Kimball dye in his hair. I guess it shows he's out of the woods. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a Taylor Swift song, isn't it? We're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the woods. It's from 1989. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, not there. Um, See, why did he dye his hair black when that was almost dark brown anyway? I would have gone ginger or Another blonde. level of difference. Why don't you just shave his head like you shaved his beard? I'm guessing because the movie studio wants Harrison Ford looking like Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford shows up as like a proper skinhead with like pins in his jacket and the whole nine yards. I think if he was on like a motorbike or something, much better, like proper greaser biker guy. Much I guess better the goal is you, he needs to be instantly forgettable. You see him and you don't register yeah. him. He needs to seem so plain. So. Just didn't seem such a leap though. 
Um, no, no, I guess it's just the idea that he's changed something yeah, on okay. some level. I was going to ask, you ever dye your hair yourself? But you probably have. Me? Yeah. Nah, what would I do that? Dyed my hair t- tons. Ethan? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, uh, you had that terrible jet black thing for a long time, didn't you? I had the, I had the black thing. Oh, I was looks- green for a bit. I was purple. I want to yeah. go, like, dirty blonde for a bit now that my hair's getting, like, back to, like, length, long length. I want to have that little sort of blonde look. Yeah, don't do the black thing. People just look sickly when they do the black thing. Yeah, I didn't do I looked well very ill when I my hair was black. I tried dyeing my hair like black once. I looked like I was like <laughs> ill, ill. Like, it was bad when now. I was like, Kylo. Like, like English people are laughing at me for looking too pale. Like that's bad. <laughs> and that's a joke I'm stealing from Fraser. <laughs> it's a great joke when someone says to like Niles, uh, it's Daphne. She goes, oh, you look all pale and clammy. And then Martin goes, from an English person, that's bad. <laughs> but yeah when you're too pale for england that's pretty pale but no i dyed my hair black and i just washed right out yeah. i look like a sheet of no pigmentation I, I did as well and even when i go blonde blonde like white blonde that washes me out does it yeah i haven't bleached my hair in forever if i was gonna do it i should have done it now yeah do it now dude hey if i had some hair i'd it's not that, it's I'd just the idea mine. that you take it in the summer and going all right it's a bit oh it's, a, it's so weird because there's very much, I mean, we can talk about gender all day long, but there are rules for if you're a man in business versus if you're a woman in business. Hey, I've had these. Like, I've had these. Women who show up arguments. with, like, even, 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 even in my profession, right? Women who show up with like, you know, they might have purple hair or something like that. Yep. That's considered a little bit more, okay. Yet, if you're, you know, I'm head of faculty, right? And all of a sudden you show up with, you've done something fun with your hair and all of a sudden it's, you need to look professional. Not everyone's ever pulled me aside, but there's definitely that pressure. Yeah, I had that in my workplace. I mean, you look at you know, for women in the in the, in the summer summertime, they have to wear all these flowy fabrics, yeah, and these light, you know <laughs> the shoulders are exposed or a nice short little light tops or things like that or things yeah. that I'm like, I don't really know where the line between t shirt and what you're wearing is. Yeah. Maybe there's one, but I don't understand it well enough to know. But it looks pretty t shirt adjacent. Yeah, and yet I'm like, yeah, we got to wear ties and suits. Yeah, yeah, and the ties not off. Yeah, do you yeah wear a tie. Yeah, and I'm like, all right. When I when I was purple, the amount of people because I had long hair anyway, so I was just like girl length hair, purple hair, green hair, like whatever. I was they were like, why would you do that? Why would you make yourself look like that? I'm like because it because it's nice and like well, it looks unprofessional for you and like literally until behind me there was a girl with neon pink hair and like but it looks fine on her. And I'm like oh okay, <laughs> it's just this really weird choice. I've been served by all manner of people at your former establishment, dude. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah. <laughs> my favorite is, because I change my hair a lot, don't I? Yep. I get a lot of people look at me and go, what did you do? Like, what? What? Yeah, I'm what? Not. And they go, your hair. I went, what about it? What about it? They went, it's pink. I went, what? What? The only thing I really got was when I shaved my head, because I kept forgetting. Yeah, you do. And people kept commenting, you and I'm do. like, oh, yeah, right, I've shaved my head. I don't think it worked. Some, some kids, it's weird. People were very marmite with that. Some people were like, "Oh, looks really good, sir." I'm like, "Oh, thanks a lot." I said, "I'm not looking at my kids." And some people were like, "Oof, not a good look." And I was like, "Okay." One of them was was a female was was a female colleague, and I went, oh, "I think if I went up to a female colleague after they made a change and said I don't like the way you look, I'm pretty sure I'd be an HR at the end of the day." No, yeah, I'm pretty sure I would. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah imagine yeah. female colleague comes by. I go, "What'd you do that for?" Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an HR. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weird again. Yep. Yeah. Just one of those. Uh, I think you with hair softens you more than without. Softens. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do, do, I, do I want to be you, soft? Well, when you, 
maybe because it's your teacher and you, you you're more direct when you when you look and talk to people <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so uh, when you had the the bald head yeah you were more scary to me than when you was had i hair. yeah yeah yeah, oh, wow. yeah. i'm not I'm not saying it didn't suit you. you ah. I just found oh, no. it a bit, bit more. You, you, you'd see, I haven't gone back to it. So, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It was no. more a shock when I saw it, but I mean, I just always went, yeah, this is in now. It was for a part, and yeah. really impressive. But it went, oh, girls back quick. I'm like, yeah, thank God. Your hair, long, long, yeah. looked, looked good on you. Oh, see, that's very Marmite, too. No, I thought it, it was It kept good. getting in my ears. That was my biggest problem yeah. with it. And I was getting ear infections all the time. Oh, Because okay. it would disturb yeah, yeah. and irritate the eardrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because of the curls. So maybe I need to start, when it gets to that length, then you start tying it up at night or something like that, so it doesn't happen. Or go for a mullet. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> like, there's things I can argue about professionally getting away with. I think, here's our head of English, and I walk in with a mullet. <laughs> Very, very modern day, sir. In a proper suit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also dyed as well. Black. Um, a black mullet. I, I like my. Uh, oh, you don't want that? No. no. I like my hair when it's uh, when it's bleached. I don't actually not when it's first bleached, but you give it like three, four weeks, so yeah, it's got like yeah, a yeah. touch of of my natural color. Yeah, yeah. Or at least what was my natural color uh, before I went all gray. In yeah. the uh, the sides are all gray. But like, sides, actually, the tops are actually pretty pretty decent. Um, my sides are all gray. Yeah. Uh, someone, oh, you went gray really. I was said by, I used to make, I think I've showed this story before. I used to sh- uh, make fun of a, a teacher I had at the Canadian equivalent of uh, A level. Mm-hmm. And he was in his very late 20s. And he was starting to get flecks of gray in his hair. And I'd go, oh, sir, you do a little bit of painting over the weekend. <laughs> got, some, uh, got some stuff in your hair there. And he went, as long as it stays on my head. I don't care. Same. <laughs> and I think I, I, I read something. Uh, oh, sorry, no, no, I heard it from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Audible Scoff by Hermes. <laughs> there you go, my for you. Um, He said, basically, if you have your hair at 30, you'll probably have your hair forever. Oh, if funny. you haven't started to consider, like, if you haven't started to significantly lose your hair by 30, oh, we're, you're okay. We're, so we're good, we're good you, then. you and I should be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it seems to be, you know, so I will take pigmentation. That's fine. Well, I started going, see this one, uh, maybe because I dye my hair all the time, right? You yeah. don't often see my natural color. But when I shave it, obviously, for the, the part I'm playing, yep. um, and it comes back natural, you see a lot of the gray. And people go, oh, my God, you're gray. And I'm like, well, oh, yeah, I was going gray when I was, yeah. like, you know, in my teens. Oh, really? I was yeah, 18 I was when I started going gray. Do you know that. what I mean? Oh, so, wow. I thought I was seeing it on my sides of my head, and then I went, no, I'm just crazy. But it, 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 would, take, it would take the die so much quicker than the rest of my head the bleach so much quicker than the rest of my head would yeah, yeah, yeah. so i was like so i really had a hard time distinguishing if i'd bleached it or not yet yeah and i was like oh so then when it started look you look down when you get your hair cut and you're like oh there's some gray in there and now it's like almost all gray i'm like oh so the, the length gives me the because it kind of covers over the sides when you grow it out and then it gives you the impression that you're not nearly as gray as you are so that's I'm, right. I'm bored with the bored look i'll, I'll tell you that Sorry? I'm bored with the bald. You're bored yourself with the bald look. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's just been too long. I, I want to grow it now. Yeah. <laughs> grow it while, while, you, while you can. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to some, uh, I was stopped at the, at the uh, I was at one of the pubs in the region uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, if, if I go to the one town where I used to teach in, yeah. it's just, I'm going to run to the former students for you. <laughs> now, they're, they're, they're well into their, <laughs> their 20s now, but yeah, they pull yeah. on me, sir. Oh, there you go. Hey, it is a small and, town, and, and they haven't gotten. Some of them haven't gotten any, any, any 
brighter and more tactful. Yeah. Because yeah. the one kid, I thought he looked great. He had like this ginger hair, but it was grown out long. I remember when he was like this little like eleven year old, twelve year old. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but he's grown into his, he's grown into his sort of uh, himself. He's become his better version of himself yeah, stylistically. Yeah. And I go, man, your hair looks great. And he goes, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. He goes, he said, actually, your hair's changed. He goes, yeah, he says, yours too. Not as much color as there used to be, sir. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks for, I want, thanks for twisting the knife, boys. Appreciate that. And I went, but I went, have fun with your hair. I said, you know, one in three. I made the stat up. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, one in three, you're going to go bald pretty early. And one kid goes, and there were three boys at the table. And I went, oh, he put, pushed back his hair to the little speaker. I went, there you go. There's your one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was already accepted. And I wasn't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I knew, I think I just knew one of the, th- I think they all went to the school, but only taught one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was like, and so they were, you know, outside of just giving me a bit of a rip. I mean, I made fun of the guy for having some gray in his hair. So yeah, exactly. That was we'll, fine. We'll do it. But outside of that, they were respectful and all, but they, you know, so they it still was, called you sir. They still called me sir. And that's, you know? like I said, that's, that's classes when you don't have to be told. Mm-hmm. When, when you're not forced to call it sir anymore, but you still choose to do it. Yeah, that's yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. So uh, where are we at here? Um, he gets Dying picked up by an older waitress without someone else, but it wasn't. Uh, and so we go to a sting and I thought, Oh, they found like, we, we got him. And they purposely yeah. keep it kind of vague. We got him. He was, ca- he shacked it up with someone. I'm like, wait, he's, he's shacked up with the waitress. Yeah. That was very quick. What? And so, um, they're doing this whole sting where they act drunk. And I just want a whole movie of, um, Tommy Lee Jones acting as like this drunken skinhead. <laughs> I want that thing. And he's got a rookie with him. Let's see that. And uh, I got, oh, the hit's not on Kimball. It's on Copeland from earlier. The other guy who takes yeah. the rookie and a gun. And so much for telling the kid to stick close to me because he's gone. And so the guy's trying to negotiate. I want a car out front. And, and the whole time, um, Gerard, Tommy Lee Jones is sort of going around the side and I want it. And he shoots him twice in the head. Yeah. And drops. We him. don't negotiate. And uh, Copeland's girlfriend screams twice, and Gerard just says, "Shut up!" And she does. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's, cause he's got authority, man. He's got authority. Yep. Yeah. The kid, um, he talks to the kid afterwards, Newman, and he goes, "You should have bargained with the guy because you could have missed." And this is where I first clued in his name was Newman. And he goes, "Can you hear what I'm saying now?" And the kid's like, "Yeah." He goes, "I don't bargain." <laughs> did, did you hear that? <laughs> But and to his credit, he didn't shout or anything. He just, I, I thought he was going to yell in his hair. I did. Yeah. And this is Gerard, the incorruptible hero. And it sets our stakes for the rest of the film. He's not going to cave, but we know yeah. that Kimball didn't do it. Yep. So where do you go from here? Yeah. 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 And the High whole stakes. movie, you don't hate Gerard. You don't you want understand. Him, you don't but, want him to catch him. Yeah. 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 But you don't hate Gerard. No, because he's firm, but fair. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't bargain speech was written by Tommy Lee Jones. Jones didn't like the way it was written in the script and thought it didn't sound natural enough for a conversation between two men, both coming down from an adrenaline rush, one of whom was shell shocked. Uh, director Andrew Davis agreed and let Jones reword the dialogue as he saw fit. Now we're back in Chicago. Kimball phones up his lawyer. He says, tell me where you are. And he goes, St. Louis. <laughs> Perfectly aware of it. Everybody would be listening to it later on. Gerard hangs up on a guy, giving him a hard time for Copeland being dead. Uh, his team's listening to the tape of the phone call, and he says, don't ever argue with the big dog. The big dog is always right. 
Rough, rough. Rough, rough indeed. Or I guess he could have said, in other words. Acknowledge me. That's right. I need uh. to do it. So, um, and then the one guy's listening goes, hey, isn't that an L? L meaning elevated train. Um, he says, what cities have an L? He says, St. Louis doesn't have an L. These guys know a lot about the train systems yeah. in various cities. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I guess unless you visit, I guess if you visited, maybe you'd remember. I'm trying to think of what I know about Canada. I know Toronto's got a subway. Canada. I know Montreal's got a subway. They call the Metro, which I think is the same as what it's called in Paris. Yep. Uh, that's, about as, that's about all I know. Hmm. I know New York's got a subway. I know London's got a, a subway, a tube. Tube, yeah. Yeah. All these different names. Yeah, for, it was essentially the same <laughs> service. Yeah, yeah. Um, they well, pl- I want to know, was it us that had the first subway tube stations and then everyone else followed, do you think? I knew this at one point. I want to say yes. Because, you know, we are what, what, Victorian, like 1860s, 1870s, I guess. I don't know. Something like that, I want to say. I don't know. If you want to look it up, Ethan, it'd be interesting fact. Yeah. It would be interesting, yeah. They play with the audio levels and isolate the guy reading the next stop. Now, I'm not saying this is impossible, <laughs> but I'm saying even with digital help, it's really hard. Yeah. So for 19... Uh, it is the U.S. Marshal's office, but it's 1993. Yeah. 30 years later, it'd be hard to do this then. Yeah. I'm not being funny. Like, we, we didn't even have phones, like, m- mobile phones back then. No, they got a satellite or... phone they're going to have yeah, up, yeah, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan... Mm. The first public railway in the world was the Lock, the Lake Lock Railroad. And, oh, no, no, uh, and no, no. We're not looking for a railroad. We're looking for subway system. Ah, okay. Because railroad, that's just a long-term rail between two cities. We're yeah. looking for something that's done in a city itself. Underground, yeah. Per- yeah, underground. Either way, the answer was going to be England. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 1863. The first ever rail system was in Yorkshire in... Does not say the year. But okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say old times. <laughs> King Arthur was doing yeah. his thing and, and there was a railroad in Yorkshire. In the old Caveman times. era times. We need Sean Bean to, to do a uh, to, to, oh. to do a to, to do a history lesson about Yorkshire. That'd be great. <laughs> it would be great. Um and then he dies at the end. They find out that Kimball's <laughs> literally only six he gets hit by the train at the end. Yeah. They find that he's only six blocks away. Gerard claims that he, I knew it was an elevated train the whole time. Yeah. They kind of, he's got a really good rapport of his team. He has, he has, he yeah. has. Cosmo says when he dies he wants to come back like Gerard and he goes, What's that? Handsome and happy? <laughs> he has some great lines. Yeah. And we go to Chicago and especially because Tommy Jones isn't your conventional movie star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not. No. Uh, according to Andrew Davis, it was Harrison Ford's idea to film in Chicago. Quote, originally, I wasn't, going to, I wasn't even going to try to come to Chicago, but I thought that the weather would be too cold and difficult for shooting. But Harrison, having seen several of my films prior shot in Chicago, suggested doing it here. Ford later explained, I grew up in Chicago, went to college in Wisconsin, and came back to take summer jobs for three years. I felt it was the best possible option as a location. We could get the grittiness. We could get the flash of the architecture, the charm of the lake. It has it all all it does to be fair it feels cold Mm. screenwriter jeb stewart said i felt that kimball had to solve a problem and be proactive to me the problem is really simple i didn't kill my wife and no one believes me the only way you can figure that out is to actually go back into the belly of the beast which in my telling of a story was going to be chicago and he says the weather was so cold and the crew filmed some of the scenes that tommy lee jones recalled that quote the batteries on the camera kept freezing whoa (laughs) chicago it's cold Windy City, isn't it? Windy City. Like, when yeah. I think about what it was like temperature-wise where I lived, 
we'd see the reports from the state sometimes on the evening news. Chicago is usually 10 degrees Celsius lower than we were. I was going to say, but in Canada, even though it's more snow, it's yep. more bright, isn't it? Uh, well, Canada's really big, as the song goes. Because uh, I, I so see, the I weather see. in my part of Canada there's nothing like the weather in like Vancouver, British Columbia. Oh, okay. Vancouver, British Columbia is like Seattle, where it just rains two hundred days a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you go oh, yeah, up the north, where I went to university, it's above Lake Huron. I think it is Huron. Huron sounds right. Uh, and as a result, um, it's drier but colder. Oh. So it's colder, but you don't get nearly as much snow yeah, yeah, yeah. as a result because it's it's in order to get that cold, the, the moisture level usually, the humidity has to be less because mm-hmm. you don't really get freezing temperatures with high humidity because it so, needs to be closer to zero for that. So places like um, uh, Chicago. Yep. Lake effects now, big time. Near lakes, lakes tend yeah. to be more like lakes. Are, Seattle, yeah. does so, Seattle have a lake? Uh, no, Seattle's got the Pacific Ocean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no. yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so because they seem to be very. That's rainy. why. That's why the West Coast of England is so is so rainy. Yeah, not, yeah, the, yeah. not the East Coast. No. So anybody who says England will always rain, so that's a very outdated stereotype uh, that really that has hits. to do more with the West Coast of England. Yeah, 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 the part yeah. we live in gets less moisture, I think it says, on average year than parts of Egypt. Yeah. So, really? like, yeah, yeah. So there's two stereotypes wow. the Egyptian stereotype and the English stereotype crashing into each other. But the West Coast, yeah, it's 100% legit. Like, in Ireland, Ireland, oh, <laughs> Ireland's 100% true. It's yeah. gray and rainy because yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's the first stop it's, yeah, of land. Yeah, yeah. So all that stuff builds, and, that's all, and the moisture kind of drops there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Whereas if you're by lakes, you get a lot of snow, so it tends to have more moisture, so it doesn't get as cold per se. Yeah, it's still cold. You know, it's still like beneath zero. Yeah, but to get really, really cold, minus ten, minus fifteen, you don't get much much snow with that. Yeah, but you get lake effect snow. So where my part of Canada is, it's like a peninsula that's right in the middle of like two Great Lakes. <laughs> So it's just both lakes just kind of just yeah. on, this, on this peninsula that we go up. <laughs> so my high school had the record for most snow days lost, most days lost to poor inclement, inclement weather wow. in the country. So much so that one year, if we had one more snow day, we would have to, by legal, legal definition, we would have to extend the school year by at least a, a, one day for one day. Any other days that we lost, that's oh nice. my god! Because it was we lost we lost like three to four weeks of school if you add it all up. Yeah, wow. two days here, three days. Like yeah, our, yeah, yeah. our exam schedule in February was when because Canadian school system you do semesters. Okay, yeah, should do one class every day from September to January. Then you examine it first week of February, and then you're yeah. done with those courses. Then you do a new set. From February to Rather June. Rather than several alongside each other, you do them For the whole year, you yeah, do yeah. concentrated and then examination. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. So that February exam window, they almost always put an extra half week to full week for overflow exams, which yeah. really just meant snow days. Snow days, yeah. Because <laughs> and t- half the time, they'd, they'd crash into the next week anyway, because you would miss that. I mean, when Hurricane Andrew happened back in 90... Might have been 94, might have been 93. It was definitely not 93. It might have been 94, 95. Wow. Like, we lost like a week. Wow. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Just because, yeah, it's a hurricane when it's on the East Coast, but then as it comes yeah, inland, yeah. it's still got to go. Like the wind and stuff still happening. Yeah. So when, you, so when you, when you might not be as fast as it was, but when you empower it with snow, that's a lot of snow you're dropping. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, oh, Chicago. Hey, it's the guy from earlier, but it's definitely not the bad guy. Meet Dr. Charles Nichols, played by Euron Crabbe. Um, he's been in things before. Not that I could, I didn't really look at his back uh, thing. I, I wondered if he's the uh, heir to the Krabby Patty's fortune. I did ask that. <laughs> Um, he was not the original guy. He was a replacement. And I think they even had to sh- reshoot a couple of shots, which meant they had to put a fake beard on Harrison Ford, he said. Oh, and he really? felt so bad because the beard looks a little bit sketchy. If you <laughs> go back and look at that scene. Oh. So um, not a whole lot of shots, but enough shots from that first sequence. And he's telling a squeegee kid he doesn't want to support him when Richard surprises him with a knock. Do they have squeegee kids over here? No. Oh, so I, no. A big oh, it's not a thing anymore, Ethan. Um, but around late nine when I was driving. Yeah. So late nineties, start of two thousands from my perspective, you'd have homeless guys come up to you, or at least presumed homeless. They pres- they presented themselves as homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bucket yeah. squeegee, and they'd go, do your and you give them a buck or two bucks. Yeah. And that was oh, how they made money for the day. That would probably happened back in the sixties, but not like, Oh really? For no. us it was like a nineties thing. Oh, no. That still oh, really? happens in London sometimes. Does oh. it? That must be because well, we yeah. cracked we, we cracked down on it and made it illegal. Yeah. Because we figure if you get 10 people i mean how many if you stop at an intersection how many cars are you going to see in that they'll have access to yeah, yeah, yeah. so every red light you may get i have seen it move you get two to three you get two to three cars you can stop every time a red, a red light starts what's that every 60 seconds yeah so mm. if you get like only 10 percent of them to sign up you're still making more money than the guy yeah yeah, yeah. Guy, guy with a decent paying factory job so the yeah. deal was there were some people who were you know theoretically posing and then the other option uh, is it also kind of presented a negative viewpoint of supporting the homeless full stop because there was this this sort of ideology that was developing in the in the masses that it was it was a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't help anybody because they're all scamming you. And and the thing is uh, you can't help it if someone starts washing your windshield. And you go no, 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 no. And no. sometimes they'll go no, it's okay and they just keep doing it. And you're like, "All right, I got no I've told you I got no money." Yeah. But no, it, it, yeah, it was a bit of a thing. Yeah. yeah. I do, I do, I do remember seeing it in movies, and I know that back in the sixties, they they no one million percent. I've had to go, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope, where I want to get here's a buck. Yeah, if I had a buck on me, yeah, if I had a buck on me, and I was like, I'm not going to get a coffee or anything like that, or my need for a coffee isn't greater than what I think you might need it for. But if you need it, all right, here's a buck or two. Yeah, go ahead. I'd go and do a bit of off roading. <laughs> Make it real dirty. Yeah. That'd be the day when no one would be there squeezing. (laughs) I got taken once. I'll share this story. I got taken once. Best, best scam I ever ran into. Go on. Low level scam. Low level scam. Yeah. Because everybody's prepared for the person who looks homeless trying to grift them. Did it involve cups? No. (laughs) So I go down. I'm I'm in Toronto. Yep. And I'm just hanging out. And this kid, very well-dressed kid stops me. I'm a student at the University of Toronto. I've forgotten money for the bus. Can you help me out? I just need to get to my class across town. Yeah, no, here's a couple of bucks, right? Best of luck. A couple of weeks later, I'm in Toronto. That stop at the same guy asking me for money. For my, or maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it's was like someone beside me. Yeah. But I was like, son of a Snikes. Yeah. This is his grift. Wow. <laughs> and because he looks... It's like one of those experiments where they send like like a, a little girl who looks dirty to go around asking people yeah, for money, yeah, yeah. and they make her look real, real nice and do the same the same gimmick. Yeah, and they they, they all take care of the uh, of, of the pretty little rich girl, but the one who looks homeless, they don't give her anything. Yeah, same idea, but in real placement. And because you're like, hey, he's a young kid, he's just trying to get to class. I'm like, genius. There was this <laughs> genius. Scam. There was this scam going around. I don't know if they still do it, but um, they'd ask you for twenty p towards the bus fare. Yep. 
right? So you'd go, oh, what's 20p? Yep. You'd open your wallet and then they'd take your wallet. Oh, oh. do you know what I mean? I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was a that was a thing. I don't know if it still is. It's very interesting. I wonder if our lack of cash dependency has re- reduced pickpocketing or events like that. Yeah, maybe. Or the Probably. fact that we all just have beep. Yeah, that's also yeah. a dangerous thing, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. You don't hear about phones getting lifted too much, but I'm sure it must happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Anything that's worth a value or something will get lifted. But the number of people who are just out on their phones willing and alien, I'm every now and then I'm like, it's a fairly expensive piece of kit I got in my hand. Yep. And we just walk around like like it's nothing. If I'm in the, I could grab it, go for a run. I'm never going to stop him. Nope. No. I got Apple Care <laughs> for the next few months. I will hunt you down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I will check head. every chicken coop, every outhouse. <laughs> so it's not, it's not, I guess I'm not knocking. It's not a squeegee kid. It's Richard. So he gives Richard all the money he has on him. And Gerard starts doing his own investigation. He's like, why does he kill his wife? Because he's going, why do you come back to Chicago? Mm-hmm. Why do you come back where everybody knows who you are you just wouldn't do that, that that's, what, that's what he's, he's, what he's yeah, asked himself yeah, yeah. Mm. so he calls the cops in and he goes why 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 do you do this and they go well his wife was uh, he'd be rich and he goes kimball's rich he's a heart surgeon they go there's the exact line yeah but she was more rich yeah that's <laughs> stupid. Right. stupid uh kimball meanwhile takes a real derelict place for an apartment we see this uh this woman of looks like Euro- european descent yep and her son there's a 12 year old bottle of scotch that the chicago cops have toasted her up for grabs uh if they can find kimball and so i guess the idea that Chicago pd is to go all out to get this guy not that you'd know it from anything else in the rest of the movie nope because no cop sees the guy he's literally standing outside is this his old place of work or is this a different hospital uh maybe must- it's a different hospital do you think it, mu- it must be it must be because not one person notices him i think if you worked with him beard yeah. or no beard i'm going hey how did you know where to go I'm guessing most hospitals are laid out fairly similarly. Oh, okay. Maybe. It does. When the guy's giving the speech at the end of the movie, the bad guy. Yeah. He says how the two hospitals in Chicago have worked together on this project. Uh, okay. So maybe that explains. Yeah, that, that explains it, yeah. Maybe he's been there. He's done a consult there or something like that, He seemed right? to know where he was going and yep. what he was doing. Um, so Kimball goes to the orthopedic area in the hospital and breaks into the storage ID with all the old arms and legs before stealing an ID. And no one stops him at all, do they? They just sort of see him walk back to my theory. If you act like you belong there, yeah. you'd be surprised what you can get away with. Yeah. Well, it's uh, like that thing that everyone says. You have like a hot, was it um, clipboard and uh, my thing? If you have a high, high vis vest, yeah, you a even a ladder, ladder and high vis vest. I'll you can go you what, everything man, anywhere. If somebody asked him a question, Cl- he, would, he, would, <laughs> he wouldn't have had a leg to start. Oh, jeez. Uh, <sighs> I'm sure he could give him a hand. <laughs> no arm, no foul. <laughs> All right. Gerard interviews Kimball, and we get a great old school photo of Harrison Ford on the wall. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he comes clean with the cops about seeing Richard that morning, but plays it cagey enough that we don't suspect him yet. Yeah, of course. At what point did you I start didn't. to suspect this guy, Ethan? Um, maybe it was the seat after. Okay, because I I didn't I didn't catch or at least remember the uh like the first scene. He I was know, in. clever. I was just like, oh, look at that little buddy. Look at him. He's just doing whatever. And then I went, oh, because yeah, Nichols says clicking. they'll never catch Kimball because he's too smart. Yeah, yeah. and they go. Is he smarter than you? He goes, yeah, he's smarter than me. Yeah. Uh, this guy had a German accent that was coming through like half the movie, but half the movie he was hiding it. Yeah. Odd. <laughs> like it was really, and they call them nickels. So I don't think the intents for the accent to be there. 
<laughs> or I should call him Klaus or something, wouldn't you? Or something, yeah. yeah. He's, he, that was the, the secret twist that they then decided to rewrite, which was he was actually the evil German man the whole time. That's how he fooled everyone. And we meet Dr. Kathy Wayland. You know who this is? Do you know who this yeah. is? Yeah. Yes. Who is it? That's Sophie Lennon from- It is Sophie Lennon. From Mrs. Maynard. It's Sue Sylvester. Yeah. 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 Uh, looking pretty good, actually. She looks young as well, yeah. doesn't she? Because uh, I felt as she ages, she's got a very distinctive face, but she I wouldn't is. call her a beautiful woman. But here I'd call her a beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't she also in a thing called Glee? That's Sue Sylvester. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. I've, n- I've never seen yeah. it. And she's also yeah. got a recurring role in uh, Criminal Minds. Uh, I've seen a few of them. Yeah. Uh, there was this kid with long hair. His name is Matthew Gray Goobler. Pretty much any woman of a certain a- of a certain age at a certain time had a crush on this. Oh, okay. Before before true crime podcast were a thing, everybody was into like criminal minds. It was all about serial killers <laughs> and the people who take them down. Yeah, yeah. And the one character had a mother who was going through Alzheimer's or dementia or something, and the mother was played by Jane Lynch. Oh, okay. So she sort of popped up everywhere. She is. Um, she's considered. A, she was considered as a love interest for Richard Kimball during production. I'd like to remind you: this is about him running away because someone's just killed his, his wife. wife. Yes. <laughs> However, the relationship remained platonic, as it would have looked bad for Dr. Kimball to take a new lover while avenging the death of his wife. In addition, it was thought the love scenes would have added considerable length to the film and may have ruined the pacing and tension of the story at that juncture. Talk about considerable length. She's also a very tall woman. She is. Yeah. Thankfully, Harrison Ford's also a tall man. She she looked taller than him, though. She's a very tall woman. Yeah. I was, I was part of the gig with him in, uh, in Glee with her and the other guy. She, she'd make fun of him for being short sometimes, uh, even though he's a pretty regular-sized dude, actually. Yeah. Um, she said that she believes that Richard is innocent. Uh, this is when the cops ask her later. And that if he came to her for help, she would help him, but that's not his. Oh, sorry. This is him be, her being introduced. If he came to me for – he's innocent, and if he came to me for help, I'd help him, but it's not his style to come to me for help. Yeah. Uh, Kimball dreams again. His dream gives him access to the stuff that um, his wife did before he got home. We see her dropping the rose petals. Yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't have seen this. You weren't home yet. No. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> so he's consistencies. He's clairvoyant in his dreams. You just go out to sleep more. <laughs> and he wakes up to Chicago CP, Chicago BD storming the house. And he thinks it's for him and goes to run. But it turns out it's the son of the landlord being taken down. And doesn't think for a moment, I might be in trouble here. <laughs> that night he cleans inside he, the, the, the badge he stole from a, a cleaner he cleans inside the prosthetics lab and some girl who paints the prosthetics is listening to headphones must be nice to listen to stuff at work yeah some of our listeners some of our listeners say but that's how i listen to us they listen to us as they work yeah i think josh might do it if, I, movie, if I, I was working in like um, a factory, if I had a factory or, job and they let you do it, yeah, 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 my old factory wouldn't let me do it. Let's do it because we we there's like forklifts and stuff you got to listen out for. So I don't know how you get away with it. But unless you're stationary, no one's coming near you. Yeah, uh, I, I love to do like the night shift. I think the te- I think the school would 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 frown on it if I was listening to podcasts or <laughs> during, <laughs> during you the listen to your own podcast. Hey, teaching. hey, go back to uh, <laughs> go back to work. I'm gonna put my headphones back on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant! Can we listen, listen to myself? No, no, like a good no point. you can't listen to it. Why do you? Why do you get to? Which we have to use my my, my favorite line. Going, I'm I, I, I'm the adult. I'm a teacher. There's many <laughs> things that are different between us. You swear at me. We're probably sending you into isolation for half a day. I swear at you. I'm probably going to get significantly reprimanded. <laughs> I can drink coffee, but most importantly, this is where I always go. 
I'm paid to be here. You're not. <laughs> we are different. Very different. Very different. Um, where are we at here? Uh, that oh, said already. Uh, meanwhile, Kimball sees a oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, Kimball does some research and finds out a short list of one-armed men. Uh, meanwhile, the son of a landlord rolls over on Kimball. They even got him a sandwich. Yeah, that was nice. Of them. Yeah, it's like a proper paid-for sandwich yeah. as well. Yep, fancy hoagie. It's in like yellow, like wax yeah. paper. Yep. <laughs> Kimball meanwhile sees a kid and knows instantly what's wrong with him. And uh, he's, he's sort of telling the doctor between his teeth, check the films, which I'm assuming is is doctor speak for X-ray. X-ray, yep. Yeah. Meet Dr. Mm. Ann Eastman. Do you recognize her? Uh, Julianne Moore? That's Julianne Moore. Yeah. Now, if you notice in the opening credits, her name's like third. Yeah. yeah I was just expecting her to be a lot bigger in this film. Originally, Julianne Moore's character had a much bigger role in the film, even after yeah. she exposes him briefly. Kimball was to have sought her out for help and eventually fall for her. Oh, uh, fuck. So this is two different women he wow. wanted to... Uh, these scenes were filmed and deleted from the final cut of the film. This oh. is the reason her name is still credited as one of the main stars of the picture. Because uh, she's <laughs> only in that brief moment, isn't she? She's got a couple scenes about it. Yeah, yeah. Jane Lynch is in it more, I think. Jeb's... Oh, she's in it for a greater... In the time that Julianne Moore is there, she probably has more run screen time on film, but yeah. but Jane Lynch has scenes that are further apart in the film, and therefore she feels it more of a presence throughout. Mate, what yeah. was that film we watched recently and did where she was a waitress? Benny and June. Yeah, I was going to say she was amazing. Yeah. I pulled that off. The yeah, well done, yeah, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Yes. That was bugging me. So I was like, big about Nope, there was no interest in that. <laughs> uh, Jeb Stewart said, Warner Brothers sent a mandate to me that said, we need a female character in this, and we need a love interest for Harrison Ford. And I said, you guys have been reading the script, right? The whole thing's about a man <laughs> trying to convince everybody in the audience he didn't kill his wife, that he loved his wife, and he adored his wife. He would never kill her. Now you want me to make him pop into bed when he's on the run with an actress just because you need a love interest? And they went, yeah, something like that. That would never work. You'd lose. I you'd love lose studios. Him. You'd lose interest in him. Director you'd, Andrew you'd want him to get caught. Director Andrew Davis said about three days into shooting, my dear producer Peter McGregor Scott said, "Andy, we can't do this." I said, "You're absolutely right. There's no way this guy's mourning over the death of his wife and can be with another woman in the movie." And we called in uh, the studio rep and said, "Just tell Julianne we're cutting those scenes." She wasn't very happy about that. I can imagine. Producer Keith Parrish says, I remember us talking with her, and she was so lovely about it because that's an awful conversation to have with an actor. But she was really gracious about it. Director Andrew Davis said, it wasn't that we didn't like her. It wasn't that she wasn't good. It was just going to destroy the movie. It would. Yeah, it would. Totally. You'd go, because you need to, there's nothing wrong with it. No, but you just lose. It's just a weird choice. You just lose that um, wanting him to get away then, don't you? It just complicates things. Like it's just totally. a, It's just unnecessary. Yeah. It's it's like, like if, um, if if a guy's wife dies today and he decides to sleep with a woman tomorrow, he's done nothing wrong. No, and it might even be a way that he's the worst part is the word fall for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's not a release sort of thing. But the idea of it, like all of a sudden his heart's open to love already. You judge him kind of as a human being. You didn't kill your wife, but you're a pretty bad husband. Where if he was in a vulnerable position and she took advantage of that vulnerable position. For a one-off, you sure. could forgive him. Could you forget that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like God. If if John Wick one ended with like John Wick going, ah, now it's time. Will you marry me, random woman? I've spoken to like one or two scenes or whatever. Like you go, John. What was this for then? What's the point of this? It's All dog. of this was about your wife. No, it's about which, his dog. Which, 
Yeah, but she symbolized through the dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. He I was going to say, it's like if he gets a different dog, but that's how the film is. Last I checked the movie, ends up getting a new dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she notices him uh, standing there looking like an orderly, and she says, wheel this kid down to an observation room, will you? And then as he, as he walks away, we have what's called an eyeline match. So we see her looking off into the middle distance. Yep. And then we see him holding up the x-ray to look at it. And then we go back to her going, hmm. So obviously we assume that what we see is what she's looking at. Those little gray cells are working their magic. Yep. Um, can I just say she looks really hot in this? She does. She's a beautiful woman. She is. Um, I've not seen her kind of, much since. I think at the time like, we all thought of her as a poor man's Rene Russo. Oh, Rene Russo. Really? But I think she's been much more omnipresent as she's gotten older, than, and Rene Russo's kind of gone down a bit. Yeah, I can see that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Rene Russo. I mean, I mean she's, she's, she's a, a much, no, no disrespect, she's a much finer actress than Rene Russo is. Rene oh, Russo yes. might have been a bigger star. Yes, yes, yes. I agree yeah. with that. I agree yeah. with that. I've not seen Julianne Moore in anything since, like, when was Kingsman 2 out? Was that, like, 2017 oh, or something? Yeah, I don't know what she's done. Maybe that's the last thing I've seen her in myself. Julianne she, Moore. I think she was in a film with um, Antonio Banderas <laughs> called Assassins or something with... Um, uh, Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. I love Assassins. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I don't think it's rated very highly, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, she did that. Was it it's Suburbicon? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that, well, that was, was that Matt Damon? Uh, I know it because it's uh, one of the Coens. Which one's the one about the three different women where Nicole Kidman wins her Oscar? Is that The Hours? The Hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ju- Julianne Moore should have won the Oscar for that. Yeah. Julianne Moore. But Nicole Kidman gets, gets all the shouty bits? Just because of the nose. I, I watched it when we did. Uh, <laughs> when we did the real round table on Nicole Kidman. Yeah. So I yeah. watched preparation for that. Julianne Moore gets robbed, man. She's, it's by far the better acting performance. Yeah. I only, I only have sort of ones. I can't remember. But she wasn't a big enough star yet. No. So does she ever, I think she wins something at some point. Mm. I will check. Thank you. Um, um, so then he changes the diagnosis when he's in the elevator and saves a kid by taking him down to the OR. She challenges him at looking at the film and calls for security. Um, he gets away. Uh, later, Gerard says, "Was he right, or what happened to the kid?" When he saved his life, and why? So again, him putting more, himself in harm's way to do the right thing. Yeah, why are more not more people saying, "Well, he did this, he did that." And then, as Tommy Lee Jones, you'd go, "Hmm." You, 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 want, you want to know why? What why? Because I think Tommy Lee, I think Tommy Lee Jones is the surrogate for, for the audience, and we need him to get there on his own. We oh. don't need someone to tell him. You know what I mean? Yeah, but because 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 we're willing him along. We're like, see what we see. Now we see what we see because we've we've got we've got access to all the information he doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. because we've been aligned with Harrison Ford for much of the film. Yeah, Yeah. he doesn't have that, but we want him. We're willing him almost like you shouting through a TV screen. Yeah, we want him to get where we are. (laughs) It's like watching half the reality shows. We're like, do do this thing because it'll be better for you. Do this thing. Um, so, um, I have a Julianne Moore update. Yeah. What's that? Nominated for five, uh, Oscar nominated for five, uh, films wins one. Good. Uh, do you want to hear the, the four that she doesn't win first? Quickly. Okay. The hours is one of them. Yeah. So going from, uh, earliest to latest, the, the, the final nomination is the one she wins. Okay. So, uh, supporting actress for Boogie Nights, then actress for end of the, the end of the affair, supporting for the hours, uh, best actress for Far From Heaven, and then she wins Best Actress uh, in 2015 for a film called Still Alice. Still Alice, so, yeah, it's amazing. Of the films you yeah. named, I've seen two of them. 
Yeah. I've seen The Hours and I've seen Boogie Nights. I've seen Boogie Nights, yeah. I had no idea she was nominated for Boogie Nights. No, I didn't. Strange film. Still Alice is good, though. Yeah. Um, Cosmo asks, why does he go into the lion's den? Why come here? Mm. And at the moment, they're literally bumped into by a guy with one arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the subtlest. No. <laughs> but all right. And they clue on to it. And meanwhile, Richard's phone on the five records of the people he has. Um, on the same Pat, we go to St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Gerard has a hard time with the word hinky. It's very much the way I feel about the word janky. Yeah. I, I was, I was getting visions of that. I, I thought that. Uh, Kimball's, uh, Kimball's gone in to meet the man who's in for armed robbery. Uh, everybody says it's pretty funny. It's very funny. <laughs> An armed robbery joke is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kimball instantly sees it's not him, and the guy says, hey. Hey, well, uh, talk. On, so I'm not like I have any, 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 nice. any entertainment here. And meanwhile, Kimball's like, I'm in the middle of a prison with my picture probably all over this place. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to <laughs> hang about. No. But the fact that he's only there for two seconds raises suspicion. Yeah. Gerard, as it turns out, is thinking, I bet she's going to go check this guy out, catches him with a passing glance. Every, again, this is super cop. Because every other cop, he's walked by. Yep. No issues. On St. Patrick's Day in Chicago, which is like a cop fest. Yep. Right? And there's a passing glance, and the foot chase is on. Kimball prevents Gerard from approaching him by saying to other people, Gerard, he's, the, he's, he's back there. He's got a gun. That was clever. So it stops him enough. That was clever. And he shoots at the bulletproof glass. And he gets his as foot the stuck. lockdown gets his foot stuck and looks at that eye to eye realization yeah, and yeah. pulls his foot out and uh, gets out. According to the director, Andrew Scott, Tommy Lee Jones originally argued that his character being concerned for the welfare of innocents around him would not fire after Kimball, such as the courthouse. It caused a brief delay in filming. Um, it's uh, The original notes of the director to convince Jones to do a descriptive correction to that. Jeb Stewart, screenwriter, says, I said, I'm just going to tell you the audience is seeing because we're cutting this right now. Less than five minutes ago, this is what he says to uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Less than five minutes ago, you just shot an African-American man at point-blank range, and yet this rich white doctor, you're not even going to pull your gun out? How does that work? What are the optics of that? (laughs) And then in my impatience, I just left the room, and I got in the cab and went back to the Four Seasons. Nice. Arnold (laughs) Coppelson called me later that day. I said, "Did did he not pull the gun out? He said, oh, he pulled the gun out. He shot and he shot and he shot and he shot. We didn't have enough bullets to do it. <laughs> Get out, Tommy. So, yeah, he got it. He got the memo. He got it. He got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's real life and there's making a movie and there's your character did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your character is one to play by the rules per se. Yeah. Um, I got my notes. Everybody loves a parade. The scene where Kimball's running through the St. Patrick's Day parade was not scripted. This was a later edition by Andrew Davis. Uh, he wanted to capture the parade and was granted permission from the mayor's office to film it. The entire sequence was shot with a stand, handheld steady cam without rehearsal. Fox and Jones went out in the crowd and did their thing with camera operators running around to try and keep up. So it looks smooth because it's a steady cam. So you've either got like a shoulder harness yeah. or some sort of rig that you're walking around with. I've got a very crude version of one of these at the school. Oh, cool. And I've bought my own version. I actually need to go in the school and grab it and assemble it because I want to use it for stuff I might use for, for, for my own stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, I used one for one of my projects a couple of years ago for the first time. And it really it really helps. It really helps to kind of allow you to have more mobility in shots and not have it look so amateurish. One thing I do want to ask, these parades that 
is in many films yep. and where the bad guys and the good guys, yep. you know, like um, Bond and all that. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Or Ferris Bueller, you know. <laughs> all these things, though, right? Yeah. Where they're running through yep. uh, the thing. Are they not barriers? Do they? Is there not police and people oh, stopping sure. people from. Majority of the time, people are just running through willy nilly. <clears throat> In yeah, films. I guess it just shows, like, if you are if you get to one of those wide things where, like, there's, like, a giant band coming through, that's easy to slip into. And no one ever seemed bothered beside them. So if someone's playing a trumpet or, you know, twirling a baton or something, no one ever seems bothered by these people going in between them. Yeah. I would. I'd be like, what the? What's going on here? <laughs> um, so... Uh, Ford and Jones just went into the crowd and did their thing with the camera operators running around trying to keep up. Ford observed that since his character was keeping a low profile, it meant he himself didn't stand out and lasted several minutes in the crowd before being recognized. Uh, Director Andrew Davis said, I couldn't let Tommy give up, and so I said, let's have him run into the parade and get lost in it. The city backed us to the hilt. I think Harrison Ford grabbed the hat from the garbage can on his own. That was good. And we had Steve St. John, the incredible steady cam operator, follow him. It was a real parade. We didn't restage anything. That's cool. The fact that he grabs the hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Perfect. He blends right in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love pipes in a parade, but Kimball does give Gerard the slip. And now the media is giving Gerard the grief, and Kimball's starting to be made out to be a little bit of a hero. Yeah, because he's saving the Why'd he come out? Why couldn't he catch him? And then what are you going to do next? He kept saying, no, no, no comment. No, no comment. comment. I can't comment on that. Because no. you can't. What are you going to I'm not going to tell you my game plan. No. Uh, I got my notes. Sometimes people just aren't home. Uh, Kimball phones to find him in the list, and because there's no answer, he just does a little casual breaking and entering. <laughs> Should I try again in an hour? No, I'm going to break in. Uh, the one armed man turns out to be an ex copper. And Kimball finds the old arm in a stash of photos, including Dr. Lenz from Chicago Memorial, who we met on the night in question. It's one of the women. Sorry, it's one of the men that his wife was having a conversation with. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Kimball phones Gerard. And at first they think it's a prank, and then they find out it's, it's the real deal. And goes, do you remember what I said to you in the tunnel? And he goes, yeah, I remember. And I still, you still don't care? I said, I still don't care. And so it's all designed to draw the cops into the house he's in. He stays just long enough for them to get a read. At which point, you could just kind of make the phone call. Do you remember what you said to me in the tunnel? And yeah. put the phone down and yeah. run away. Yeah. 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 He's not not going to run it. Nope. Oh, I need to keep him on longer. No, he, he's got you. <laughs> the U.S. Marshals meet Sykes in front of his place. Meet Sykes, played by Andreas Katsoulis. Uh, Gerard tackles Newman with tracking down the other people. I think he says, don't let him give you any shit about your ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kid who had the uh, the the ear blown off kind of earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also an athlete. That's uh, funny. Kimball phones Nichols, and we find out that Lenz is dead. But that Lens wanted Kimball dead. What do I mean by that? Lens is dead, but Lens wanted Kimball dead. I don't know. Uh, Gerard approaches Nichols. Nichols says, I've never seen Lens before in my life. Now, we know this is a lie now. Yes. Because they were both at that benefit. Yep. So, Ethan, I'm curious if your little Spidey sense was shaken by by, the, by this point or not. They should. This is, this is where I start to go, now something's hinky. <laughs> uh, Sykes receives a phone call, but we're not told who did it. Um, so uh, yeah, because we see him get a phone call in his house, the first time we've broken from that alignment. Now we get aligned to Sykes for the shortest amount of time. We're like, why? And why won't you show me who's on the other side of the phone, huh? Two fire trucks push up in front of Sykes's house, and he slips out the back with the distraction. 
Uh, Sue Sylvester is dropped in on by Indiana Jones, and she tells him the liver samples were all in the wrong place. This is where they start to kind of go with what's the motive for Mm, everything. Yeah. I think they kind of yada yada through a lot of it. (sighs) Sophie Lennon then figures out someone else must have been pulling the strings because Lenz is dead, and these were all signed on the day he dies. Yep. We also get confirmation that Nichols and Lenz did, in fact, know each other. So in the end game, we shift the alignment to Sykes on the phone to a mystery man. And we're told by Gerard that Kimball calls Sykes on the night in question at 7.30 p.m. And my brain goes, wait, what? From the car phone. And I didn't pick up. I forgot here for a moment. He let the car out. Yes, he did, didn't he? Because I'm like, yeah. why would Kimball phone Sykes? Yeah, he wouldn't. And, I, I, of course, I'm not thinking car phone. I'm not thinking no. car phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might have gone. He phoned from his car. But I still hadn't remembered he, 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 he lent the car out yet. Yes, 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 yes. Remember, yes. he gets a phone call on the way home. Yeah. So, um, someone spots Kimbo on the train, and we get a Neil Flynn cameo. Ethan, did you pick up on this? Are I you, did. Are you a fan of this? It's, I wasn't sure if you were or not. Oh, I love Scrubs. Oh, yeah, okay, this good. is the this is the janitor from Scrubs or the dad from the middle. If if you watch that show. Oh, gross. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, his character in Scrubs even has a whole episode where he denies that he was he acted in the movie The Fugitive. <laughs> So he goes, I'm not really proud of that. And so it's like, okay, hang on. So now everybody who exists in this film are actors in real life in the Scrubs universe. That's nuts. <laughs> and they're people who theoretically, the janitor knows Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nuts. Um, so uh, I've said, uh, meet the, the, the janitor, played by Neil Flynn. Uh, Sykes pulls a gun on Kimball, but the janitor eats a shot but then Kim by Sykes and then Kimball pulls the e-brake and beats up Sykes and handcuffs him to the train and smashes his head before exiting. And there's a lot of uh, restraint here because this is the man who killed your wife. Killed wife yeah. Mm. And you've got him now. <sighs> and he handcuffs him to the pole, but the, uh, Kimball dumps both guns in a post box on the way out. That mailman's going to be surprised. The next he day. is. Uh, it comes through on the radio, and it sounds like Kimball shot Neil Flynn. It does. Yeah. At no point did they go, we've also had a guy handcuffed to the subway car. We don't know what that's about. <laughs> he's uh, He's been handcuffed beside the cop who's dead. The right. But, but we don't think he did anything. <laughs> the right hand, not the other. Yeah, not the fourth. <laughs> Especially, if you're one of these Chicago cops, isn't the term one-armed man almost like a running joke? Yeah. yeah. Like the minute you go... We got a guy who's been handcuffed here. Kimball was here. He's got one arm. Yep. <laughs> Isn't there somebody listening to this somebody. going, going, especially one of the guys who's like, tell him to shoot him. Like, <laughs> like, weren't you in the room when he first said one armed man? Like, this should trigger something in his head. Something. It's too specific. There's a bit of, there's a bit of a fault there. It's too specific. Yeah. Uh, I've got my notes. They didn't have an ending. Jeb Stewart was trying to write the ending to the film still at this point. Oh, I could tell Jesus. they didn't have one. He says he's got to have a meeting with them all the next morning. This is a little thing. It was 2 a.m. hours before the meeting where I'm supposed to pitch the ending. And I don't know how the whole mystery wraps up. I turned off the light at about 2. And at 2.05, I turned it back on and it was all clear. It was like Faulkner said. It was a gift of the subconscious. I sat down and wrote the end of the movie. And everybody came in the next morning and read it. And everybody said, well, this is great. What took so long? Why didn't you give us this a month ago? This is so simple. Simple's a bit of a stretch. Mm. The only person that mattered to me, he said, who got it is Gerard. If Gerard doesn't get it, or if you as the audience member get it before Gerard, he doesn't win an Oscar. You've got to make it so that an aha moment is tying everything together at the right time. Yep. We cut the Charles Nichols. 
I've got my notes. Is he trying to mask his accent? Because half the time he's doing it, half the time he's yeah. not. Kimball walks in the Nichols conference, and it's one of I like a, I like any movie where someone's given a speech, yeah, and, and he's, he's the walking. bad guy, and the yeah. good guy comes in and just like challenges them in front of everybody. everybody. I love this in a movie. <laughs> I just do, me too, me too. especially when like the person walking in is like wanted or something like that. I just think this is great. The whole goes, room also gets to have like a gas, yeah, and, and they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. He goes, I know all about it. I can prove it. You switch the samples and the pathology reports. He's going, did you kill Lens as well? And meanwhile, they're like, oh, maybe we should talk over here. <laughs> we'll talk in another room. <laughs> and I've got two old guys get into a fist fight. It's not heat levels of slow, but it's pretty slow. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one who was going, oh, I've seen this film. <laughs> <laughs> and he asks, why Helen? I got my brackets. This is never answered. No. <laughs> if, it was, if, if, if it's about him, why do you kill yes. his wife? If anything, <gasps> it's a very convoluted. If if we frame him, then they can kill him, Here's and a, no one will think. But let's unpack this. Kill him. Let's unpack this. They've got a key to the house. Yep. Doesn't this give you? every opportunity from here on out yeah of course it does even if you run into the wife you just push her down you escape yep why bring the heat you can come back like a month later yeah plant things you know you've got access to his you can any number of things yep you can kill her when you want to plan to kill her rather than some like but why would you kill her there's no reason to kill her well, then you can, because they didn't go in there planning to kill her and frame him. That was not the plan. You can do that if you want later on. And you can do it in a way that plants, you know, in irrefutable evidence. And you're never going to go whatever. And it never comes back to you. You've got the gift of time. Yeah. We should, oh. we should write it. <laughs> Sounds like everybody else did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the guys on the ground are telling the chopper to shoot if they get a clean shot. And listen, who's the cops who should know the words one-armed man? Yeah. Yeah. Guy's been handcuffed to a subway car right beside the dead cop. (laughs) I'm not saying, you know, correlation means causation, but there's something there. I do like what Tommy Lee says in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kimbo Nichols fight through the ceiling of a building. Okay, so right before this, um... Tommy Lee Jones is like, get that chopper out of there. And he goes, why? Because I don't want to get shot. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's what Tommy Lee Jones is great. He just says the most matter of, he's the, he's the least movie star reaction to anything. He's just speaking as someone probably would speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kimball Nichols fights through the ceiling of the building. They land on an elevator. They should both be dead. They should be. Yeah. Um, especially Kimball, who lands on the ceiling of this thing. Yeah. I cannot wait to play the H game with you guys. <laughs> um, and they get off at the next floor, which is the laundry. And all principal players are there now. That includes all of Gerard's team, I believe. Or at least yeah. some of Gerard's some team. Of them, yeah. I know Cosmos, though. Cosmos definitely there. Yeah. Gerard tells Kimball that he knows that he's innocent and spells it out for him. He says, here's the here's what happened. I know all these things happened, which also tells the audience, in case you haven't been following along, here's <laughs> here's how the movie wraps up, which I'm, I'm kind of okay with. I'm okay with it. I'm okay I'm, with this. I'm okay. I'm okay. Because if you Cause, get it, you go, yes. And if you don't get it, you go, oh. 
because we're talking about liver samples getting like yeah. it's not the most sexy of like movie plots is it I, she I, can get your I, drug verified and make some money like it's a real only in america kind of story yeah because i know this ain't happening in canada or in germany or in britain no. because drugs aren't in, aren't, aren't, aren't in like compa- competition for each other to no. get oh it's <laughs> it's such a weird system i know like obviously like movies would be shown on tv but this is such a like cbs or itv4 oh the grandparents haven't really been paying attention because we've had 17 ad breaks let's jog them up to speed kind of thing and i appreciate that because this is such a cbs sunday like afternoon movie so what i got from this is that nichols phone sykes from the car yeah so but he doesn't kimber doesn't phone sykes nichols phone sykes yeah and he had your keys so that's why there were no four i went oh copies of the keys of course so he even you know, so that i that bit he needs to get there before we do he did he got there before i did i knew the i knew crab was the sorry that's the actor's name nichols was the bad guy mm. but exactly how the plan came off i wasn't 100 percent solid on no, it. same so um nichols goes to kill gerard but kimball with the save and before this um um Nichols like hit this this random like steel beam yeah. hanging from the ceiling that just exists for one reason so it can be at the head height of Cosmo and it can hit him in the head. Yeah, but he pushes it so gently. I'm not. He being pushes funny. it so gently, even whether it's so gently or not. That would have fucking hurt. No, that, 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 that would have caved. That would have caved it in. Yeah. yeah, that's no way you're bouncing back from that. Moment, no, right? no, no way. Um, so Nichols goes to save your kid Gerard, and you think I think you think Kimball's gonna take out. Uh, Nichols or Nichols is going to kill Kim. It, it's a weird. You don't know who's. It's it's, it's edited really well, so you don't really know mm. where they all are. Yeah. But you think all of them are sort of approaching each other at the same time. Yeah. And he goes, "They killed my wife." And he goes, "I know, but it's over now, and I'm glad. I need my rest." <laughs> and it's like my job's done. Like he's he's yeah. he's brilliant. Cosmo is then shown being put into an ambulance. More on that later. They walk out Kimball in cuffs, and as soon as they're in the car, Gerard takes him out of them. Probably puts him in cuffs to protect him from Chicago PD. Yeah. Who are still pretty trigger fingery, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I thought you didn't care. He goes, I don't. And then laughs. Don't tell anyone, okay? Bit cheesy. Bit cheesy. <laughs> I liked it, though. The car pulls away. And then instantly we get the credits. Like, this is how you ended movies in the 80s, kids. Yeah. yeah. I know it's a 90s movie, but this is how Die Hard ends. Get in the car, you leave the scene, pull back the shot, credits. Yeah. We're not giving you anything else past this. Nope. (laughs) There's no, like, resolution. There's no five months later kind of Well, today they'd, like, meet up for a coffee by a lake the next day. And they'd talk about it, and they'd leave with, like, and the focus would be on, like, some prop he left with him. And goes, I thought you were going to... And he opens it and goes, the note where you're like, maybe I care a little. And he sort of <laughs> smiled at the camera and then walk away, leave his own cup there. And then we go to the credits, like focus on the cup or something like that. Like That's how you do it now. Um, it's just the way we ended things then. I don't know. Yeah, now it's better. So uh, there we go. Wrap it up. Finish it. So little factor, Cosmo was supposed to die. But he should Yeah, that done. makes sense. He was scripted to die. The character of Cosmo was supposed to die, and he's only called Cosmo because he tells Tommy Lee Jones, call me Cosmo throughout. Don't call me, his surname's Renfro. Call Uh, me Cosmo, so it seems like that we're buddies. Yeah. And instantly, he becomes the, he's the one you remember. Yeah, of course he does. Oh, I'm drawn to him, yeah. The woman, the the, uh, black woman who plays Rose on Lost, there was uh, a thing where for a bit they were supposed to be uh, lovers. 
Uh, like, like in a relationship together, yeah, but, yeah, but they but they cut that in the end because they yeah. felt their personal lives shouldn't matter. Yep, agree. We don't want to know about that. We just want to just uh, their professional selves. Yeah. Um. So he was supposed to die, but Joe Pantoliano successfully lobbied for his character to be spared so he could appear in any potential sequels. Uh, he indeed got to reprise the role in U.S. Marshals, uh, which came out five years later. He's clever, isn't he? Celia Ward, who played Kimball's wife, wanted the same thing and said, how about I be in a coma instead of being killed? That was not honored. Uh, no, it's not nearly the same movie if she's in a coma. No. I didn't put my wife in the hospital. is isn't as good as I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> also, I don't really think you get lethal injection for that. No. Joe Pantoliano said, we shot it before CGI. I was thinking, I'm going to make it so they can't make me dead. So I just started moaning and making lots of noises on the ground. <laughs> Andy says, cut. And all of a sudden, I see those these pair of blue jeans walk up to me. And I look up and the leg, like I look up the leg like a close-up. And it reveals Harrison Ford staring down at me. He's shaking his head. I go, what? He goes, you should be dead. I said, what if, <laughs> I said, what if there's a sequel, Harrison? He laughed. And then he looked down at me and said, listen, there's not going to be any sequel because i won't be in it and i said well fuck you who needs you we'll just chase another 20 million dollar asshole through the woods <laughs> get on him and he's not in u.s marshals, he says harrison he? ford was on the floor laughing <laughs> yeah but to be fair you know what the problem with u.s marshals is there's no well, yeah there's not enough star power yes it's a good movie there's yeah, not enough yeah. star power who, who's the, like, it's wesley snipes isn't it for fuck's sake so but maybe at the time it was bigger but wesley snipes says the star power hasn't like it, he has that's that, 98 you, right you look back you don't think of wesley snipes as, as a huge deal and at the time he probably was yeah he probably was to yeah be fair, yeah it, that's five years so that is like 1990 so is that that is that pre or post blade uh, pre blade pre oh. <sighs> blade was not a big thing i know Did I just say that blade was not a big thing i like blade though blade doesn't get big till blade good, three but... comes out and that was shit <laughs> blade three is oh, no it's, uh, i haven't seen any of them but that was the big one as far as yeah, i remember from the had, things he had to do that movie because he was contractually obliged to he didn't it is to, what eventually he? gives us deadpool so i guess yeah good for blade three anyway uh steven joel brown um I don't know who he is. Says he's a producer. Says August sixth proved to be a wonderful date. It was late in the summer, but it worked. The marketing by Warner's was second to none. We had a royal premiere in London that Princess Diana attended. Oh. We took it to the Venice Film Festival. Harrison's face was all over Paris in a giant wanted ad. So it was quite a ride. We record this on August sixth, the uh, exact thirty year anniversary. That's nuts. of that premiere. Yeah, mental. We're in the endgame now. We are in the endgame now. Liam, a random word that's not arrow, if you would, please. Okay. Um, arm. Arm. Yeah. There's lots of options there, folks. What you got? <laughs> well, there's going to be some choices, I'm sure. Yeah, lots of... I, I like it when it's almost simple, because it gives people so much scope to go... Like a variation, to, to, yeah. To, to go through. So you can... As opposed to just typing in, you can tell some people are now starting to type in, Whatever the word is, Muppets, whatever the word is, wrestling, whatever the word is, friends. <laughs> Whoever types in arm totally Muppets happens. loses this week. <laughs> must be, must be. Well, if you think about Muppets, I mean, an arm could be quite, could be quite interesting there. Um, so there we go. Uh, random words there. Uh, the money, money, money. I think I've got this right. I just want to verify it. So one second here. Uh, don't you be looking anything up, Ethan? You cheaty little cheaters in there. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look here. It is. Do I have? I'm it? offended. Shouldn't be offended at all. I've been calling you a cheat for many a time now. Don't You're just getting offended. Still I was right. Okay, forty-four million dollar budget. Ooh, I was going to say it was a forty million. Mm. How what is that? 
93, I'm 93, 40 that's, millions. That's quite a bit. It's not, it's not huge, but it's not small. No. No. So $44 million budget. What's the take home? Liam. 44 million. I remember it being quite big. So I'm going to say 180. Ethan. Ooh. I'm going to go 260. Yeah, Ethan's still sharp over $100 million. Wow. Uh, 369 million. This is huge. Yeah. This is absolutely huge. I remember it being huge. So about eight times its budget. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, seven nominations. It only wins the one. And we know which one that was. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Also nominated for, I have a guess? Uh, special effects? Uh, no. Because really, I mean, it's all practical, isn't it? So, yeah, it's great. I mean, you can have special effects, practical but effects they didn't. Yeah, the practical yeah. effects isn't a category. Uh, but yeah. Okay. But no, they didn't go with that. Uh, it can't be for script because that was all ad lib. Can you imagine it? if it was? <laughs> no, can't be screenplay. Um, sound editing? Yeah, sound ed- sound effects editing. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is pretty much what sound editing is. I think that's what they call it now. Yeah. Uh, visual effects? No, it's kind of the same as special effects. Oh, uh, okay. Um, uh, Ethan, feel free to jump in, buddy. Oh no! I was just checking something because we were talking about the like how much it made. I had a, like an interesting revelation. Just editing in general, yes. Um, really? Yeah, you're gonna find out. I, I think I've got a little just, fact. They cut up. a lot of things, didn't they? So to edit there's it, a lot of editing in this film. Edit it, yeah. well, wouldn't you? Um, I'm guessing there's nothing. It can't be score. Yes. Oh, after I, I crap on the opening sequence, I think the rest of the score is okay. But that opening sequence is rough. Yeah, yeah. it's just so generic. Yeah. As are the titles. Like the titles are crap. The titles too. are crap. <laughs> I said that from. T- oh. I hate that inverted part. I I just look. I wanted to see what three. You said about three sixty, right? Um, three six nine. Three six nine. Yeah, I wanted to see what that is in like uh, if like with inflation. Granted, that's very. It's still very different, but uh, yeah. because like we can't economies of scale because movies didn't bring yeah. what they brought. But yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, that's seven hundred and eighty million dollars in now money. Wow! Actually, not many movies made that this year. Wow! Yeah, that's better well, than all the Marvel films this year, I believe, so far. Yeah, I think the Guardians like, is around there. Guardians, Guardians might be north of eight. Six, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. my, I, there's only like four movies this year that have made like not even that. Maybe three that have made a billion. Okay, by three you mean one? Then yes. <laughs> Super Mario World number one. Nothing else has made a billion. Oh, but Barbie hit a billion. Uh, oh, has, has Barbie hit it today? I said Barbie I hit say, it today. My next yeah. sentence was going to be Barbie will. Wow. Because because I'm in a fantasy box office and I have Barbie. Yeah, that's not. And Kev from the podcast that wouldn't die had Super Mario. Oh, there we go. So wow. I've been sitting there going. Cause we each have like six movies each, and I'm like, I need. I need Barbie to hit big, and Barbie hit big. Yeah, hit, hit that big. And, and I'm going. I'm going. I'm winning this thing. Like I'm. I'm winning. Carlo doesn't think I am because my last film was Wonka. Now Wonka is only going to take home about two fifty. Is my guess. Oh, okay. So Wonka yeah. was a miss. I shouldn't have gone for it because everything else I've hit has been minimum five hundred mil. Oh, that's good. Whereas Kev, he's Mario's done well, but everything else on his dock has mm. been kind of mediocre. Mm. He's got I, the Marvels, and he's got. Something. Oh, he's got Aquaman too. I don't think either one of those is going to hit huge. I really don't. Mar- I don't. I think Marvel is going to make like maybe 150 mil a bit. Because fun fact that everyone found oh, out. I think you need- make like four or five, but I don't think it's going to oh, make. Oh, I, I don't because okay. uh, you need to watch two separate TV shows to understand the plot. Fair enough. Because turns out Secret Invasion is like 
uh, the Marvels is a sequel to Secret Invasion, but to also understand the Marvels, you might need to watch Miss. Oh, it's so it's so. I'm trying to figure out what the um. So the Flash kind of gave us comic book movie that is a bust. Oh, yeah. What does that do money wise? And somewhere around three hundred mil. I think it's just south. I think it's around 269, 270, I think I could be wrong. It's making back a lot now that it's digital, but still, that's not equated at any. It, I'm talking box office, right? I think yeah. Keen was shafted there. So that seems to be the one thing about pop pop culture pastor. We're, I'm not going to give it away here, but is I pretty much got some spoilers on a few things. I'm like, guys, guys, <laughs> you're killing me. Yeah, like I haven't seen yeah. all these things, and you just told me like all these things are still like like. In the last 12 months, I've hit cinemas. I'm like, well, I don't have to do any. I, I know I know a big plot point in Secret Invasion. I know a big, I'm like, you just gave it all away. Yeah. So I'd say, fellas, fellas, come on. A little restraint, please. Yeah, yeah. Flash was 268 mil. What I say, um, like 269, 270? Something like that, yeah. Ooh. To be fair, I still don't really want to see it because, like, there's some stuff that I just find. So I think I'm going to win this yeah. in a landslide. Yeah. yeah I, I think I am. Yeah. Wonk is not going to be good. going to do shit. Yeah. Wonk is not going to be good. But I think Aquaman 2, A, there's going to be such a, a a militancy against what's. Because is Amber Heard in it? She's barely uh, in it, but I think she's in it. But she's still in it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think to be fair, I, I, like at least online, at least online opinion swayed. But I, I just don't care. And about look that at the flash. Enough, yeah. Look, I, I was a big believer in no, no, the the, the marketer hypocrites. I'm mm. on record of saying no, no, people are going to go see this film, and they didn't. Mm. It's now, all, also, the CGI looks crap. So it yeah, was like CGI shit. There, there's some there's but some even unethical Michael choices Keaton there yeah. in ba- oh, as Batman coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. heavily being featured in the in the promo. Oh, we joked oh, about that it was the also Super Bowl. The problem, yeah. so we said, "Hey, excited. Michael Keaton's in it. Hey, Michael Keaton's in it. Hey, Michael Keaton's in it." And I think it's also. I think it's also because there's the uh, there's James Gunn's DC universe, which granted, I'm excited for Superman. I love Superman as a character. I think it's a great casting, if but that film's gonna flop. I don't flop. understand this, right? If you want to make a new new universe, right? And I get rid of um, Henry Cavill. And, get rid of uh, everybody, but every- everybody but Gal Gadot. Why? Oh yeah, it's so stupid. Her. We're gonna have, we're gonna have Wonder Woman three because Wonder Woman two did so well. I like her as Wonder Woman. Don't get me wrong. I think she's really bad. If, as if, you, if you're gonna hit a reset, hit a reset. Be a reset, exactly. Yeah, the problem is because here's the here's here's where where Marvel's gonna do the exact same thing. Yeah, ready for this? Secret uh, was it? Secret Wars and shit. No, the secret's gonna it's gonna be you're redoing the X Men. Yeah, you bring. Can you resist bringing back Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? He, we know he's gonna be in Deadpool three. Yeah, they were filming that. They were filming that like really close to us. Yeah, it's been shut down because of the strike, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was just a one-off, though. Well, we thought he was done as well, didn't we? I mean, to be fair, M- Mangold said he wasn't yeah, happy Ron about that. But yeah. Ryan Reynolds can be a bit of a persuasive guy, can't he? Yeah, I mean, they're also buddies. The yeah. last time they were in a film together, they they both thought they got it got poorly done. So I guess this is their sent the chance of retribution. I mean, heck, we kind of did. I mean, we we got Patrick Stewart in the MCU for all five seconds, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, I think it's, it's over. Yeah, it's way over a year old now. So if you didn't know that, that's on you. What's <laughs> um, the box office for Oppenheimer then? In comparison it, to it, it's just lost five hundred, I think. Half a bill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, okay. for, for every every two for every dollar that uh, Barbie's making, Oppenheimer's making fifty cents. I thought because of the Barbenheimer thing, I thought everyone was going to see matching. Nah, it's an R rated movie, so and that's would, already going to limit would, your audience. Would that have been still half a mil? Sorry, half a million, half a bill, bill, half a billion. Would that have been still the same if they hadn't had the Barbenheimer effect? Do you think? Um, <gasps> I think Barbenheimer 
it's hard because what it's done is it's been so much free marketing yeah. From, yeah. from social media. So I don't think people are going and seeing both. I think Ethan's the exception as yeah. far as that goes. But also, I wanted to see both anyway. So like I, either way, they were getting but I money. But I think as far as like market awareness, yeah, I think Barbenheimer has helped Oppenheimer get people's ears. Oh, now, it's yeah. hard because in the States and Canada, movies are much more heavily marketed than oh, they yeah. are over here. I can say that with, oh, with okay. pretty much full assuredness. Yeah. Uh, because every channel has to go to commercial, whereas in the UK, that's not the case. No, that's true. So if you're watching the BBC, yeah. you're not going to commercial. No. So, yeah. so if I make a commercial that's a commercial length, a 30-second trailer for or ad for, for, for a movie, but it only gets shown on 60% of the TV viewing audience's channels, that's not nearly as enticing as why making one of them doing it for a hundred percent of channels. It might be different, yeah. might be different uh, programs where we're running, but we can still run the same ad. And the yeah. BBC is like the most, one of the most watched channels in this country. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Most of our film advertising for the BBC, YouTube. it's, it's, yeah. it's YouTube. And if you're watching like the BBC and don't get ads, it's because you watch the Graham Norton show, and maybe maybe he'll have someone on that like th- that, this is like that's our we, Jimmy Kimmel, our Jimmy Fallon. That's what we call b- yeah. below the line marketing when you have stars yeah. of a movie on and they talk about their movie. Yeah, so that's sort of what you get indirect. Yeah, like and they might throw to a scene, but it's not yeah. the same thing as oh no, I'm gonna oh you know whatever it is is on commercial break. Oh look, there's an Oppenheimer movie out. <laughs> yeah, and you just came over and over and over and over again, right? Oh, it's just buses. There's a Barbie taxi in London that just is bright pink, and you go, "Oh, it's a Bob, it's a Barbie movie because it's driving around London." Wow! Or the Hi- Doctor Who TARDIS. Wait, did you just say? Wow! <laughs> yeah. Heinz tweeted something out. I think they're yeah, late. I think they're late to the party. They are late to the party. Yeah. Because um, I even uh, posted a GIF in response. It was like it's over. But I would like you missed it because there's like a Barbie Kenshop. Yeah, yeah, and they want to do barbecue sauce, barbecue, yeah. and there'll be pink versions of both. I'm still getting them. They've missed it. They've totally they missed the window. This, this, this is what happens when you spend so much time having to like when you don't realize something like a bit before, and you can go, "Oh, can we talk to like just, the 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 people about the licensing stuff?" Oh, well, that's by Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped my notes on the uh, on the road, and it, I think it was heavy enough, but apparently it was. Wow. Um, but the thing is, I still want the corporate. Uh, what? Why are the corporations getting involved on this? Oh, I hate it. it like kind it's this of ruins public it. groundswell, and then when high, it's like when like when like older people, like my mom tried to use like young person language. I'm like, okay, it's clearly yeah. not cool anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if my yeah. mom's using it, yeah, yeah. it's past. Yep. And like so, Doctor Who yeah. did some Barbie. Doctor Who did some Barbie promotion. Be- well, that with, makes like, sense because Shooty was in it. Yeah, Shooty's in there, and he's the current, well, like incumbent Doctor. Yep. You, you, you know what I mean? I do. Like he's a Doctor that we're seeing soon. Now we still haven't finished the Oscar nominations, so I'm going to finish them up here. Uh, <laughs> we've got best sound. Yep. Uh, we've got best cinematography. Uh, best picture. Okay. Really? I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised with the best picture, yeah. That's, yeah. Not that, that's not that great. Given Ford's limited window of availability, Davis had only 10 weeks to edit, mix, and finish the film between the last day of shooting and when it opened in theaters. To meet their schedule, producer Peter McGregor Scott set up seven editing suites at Warner Hollywood Studios, had a team of editors cutting around the clock as they each worked on different scenes. The studio and producers were extremely happy with the cut and said, don't change a thing. 
its running time at this point was two hours and 11 minutes. Mm. We saw it around two hours, three minutes or 158, some other couple minutes before uh, under two hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Davis then proceeded to make another 1,800 edits. <laughs> for pacing, tightening up scenes that need to be stronger, etc. Each editor would be nominated, recognized for their work on the film with an Academy Award nomination. As of 2017, it holds the record for the biggest number of film editors nominated for the Oscars, with all six wow. editors receiving a nomination. Usually only one or two, three at most, are nominated. Wow. So rather than I, now each that you share it, it's it's the editing for the fugitive, but it names all six of them so they can each go around and say, I'm an uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an Oscar nominated editor. Yeah. So, do you know what this lost to for best picture? Uh, what year is this? Nineteen ninety three. Give me the this is the ninety four uh, Oscars. So, right. Give me give me the lineup, and I'll tell you who won. Okay, so we have. Hang on, ninety remi- three and the ninety four. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, yeah. This is Shakespeare in Love. This is Schindler's List. Ah, uh... nineteen ninety three. So it's the ninety four Oscars because obviously the film comes out in ninety three. So up, what's it up against? It's against Schindler's List, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. Uh, hmm. Why am I thinking? Oh, I'm confused it with 98. I'm sorry. Saving Private Ryan's 25th anniversary. That's, that's my mistake. <laughs> I thought this came out the same year, for, which it didn't. Because this is the time of Philadelphia, and, and like, it goes a league of their own, Philadelphia, Sleepless yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, around yeah. that time, yeah. So yeah, I'm five years too early. Whoops. <laughs> oh, there's the Tina Turner movie that comes out later. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones reportedly told Joe Pantoliano, it's like anyone's going to win any awards for this film. However, it was eventually nominated for seven Academy Awards, three Golden Globes, with Jones himself ironically winning both the Academy Award and Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor in this film. How many scenes are Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in together in this film? Three. Four. Four. Uh, Hey! Who would you cast as who? uh, You'd be Kimball. I'd be Kimball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this because you want to be Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to be Tommy Lee Jones. He should be Cosmo. Ethan's of course, I'm, Co- Ethan's of course I'm Cosmo. He's definitely Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Tommy. Yeah. Oh, who's the murdered wife? Megan. Uh, yep. <laughs> Georgia is. Is she the... Sue or is she Georgia? Julianne. Can be Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd be good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, no. Oh, I still want to be Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, I'm Tommy. I'm more direct. I'm you more said that. You I'm said more, I'm more direct. I'm more Tommy. To be fair, Cosmo's whole thing is he's always sticking, like sticking next to um to him, so he could try and get some more airtime and screen time. Yeah. So who's yeah. Ethan more likely to be sticking next to me or you? You. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you can be. You can be. Uh, you can be the uh, the sheriff who thinks they're all caught. Oh, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're not you're not the, you, you're not the baddie. You can be the one armed man. No, because I'm not the I'm not killing type. It's a fictional character. You're not actually, <laughs> we're not saying who are you most like as a human being. Oh, I'm Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll split it the first half of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but no one, no one acknowledges the change either. Yeah, <laughs> get a new shirt. Yeah, whoever's wearing like the red hat is just, it's, just like, it's like it's like when you go see. I went and saw years ago. I went and saw this like uh, university group. Um, um, my uh, wife at the time, her, her she was a friend of one of the actors in, in, in the troupe, 
Yeah. And uh, so we went ahead and we watched it. And uh, it was like, depending on the scenes, the, the, the characters, the actors playing the characters would be different. Yep. So someone would play Prospero in Act One, but they play something else in Act. So you had to watch like who had the hat, who had the key um, props, you know, who was who. Confusing is all get out because I'm like, you want to shut down? Give the other person back the hat. Yeah, give the hat. They were better. <laughs> someone with George's face blindness as well would just be very confused. I think she'd be actually really quite good because actually, just put on the hat. A, yeah, a, a key prop. Yeah, she. Yeah. it's actually that would be better for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Muppet the movie. Oh, Kimball's got to be... No. No, it's, it doesn't need to be Tommy. It needs to be Tommy, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee's, needs Tommy's to be the, the human. Yeah. The Tommy human. Lee's the human? Yeah. Because I thought it was a chance for Ethan to have Sam the Eagle finally in a role. No. Sam the You're Eagle. You're right. You're right. Sam it's Eagle, Eagle time. Oh, no, no, no. Eagle no, no, time. No. I want us to search every doghouse, hen house, hen house. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. House, it's the law. <laughs> or you go the opposite direction and you make Gonzo Tommy. I want to search at every... I think I do something. I like didn't Peggy. kill my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Kimball is Kermit. Just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it does make sense. Doctor Richard Kermit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a frog. A frog. No one gets around that fall, but he's a frog, sir. <laughs> oh, that's, he's in the sewers. That's true. He's in the sewers. We, we've got. Um, we got a frog. <laughs> I think um, the guy who betrays him, who like um, at the end, I think that needs to be fuzzy. Yeah, I, I'm okay with Fozzie yeah. being the buddy. Evil Fozzie, yeah. Evil Fozzie pushes a beam across and it hits. <laughs> Joe, if, if, okay, oh, Scooter, Scooter, sco- yeah. uh, Cosmo. That's good. Uh, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did this film have a villain problem? Uh, in the sense that they didn't know who was going to be until the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, Joe, I, I didn't include it, but there's this, a bit where Joe Pantoliano says, We're all in the four seasons. None of us knew who the bad guy is at this point. <laughs> like, even know, I forget like the, the like how does it all wrap up. They don't even know who the villain is. Yeah, and they're in like three quarters of the way through the movie. <laughs> like, they would get pages the day they showed up. Like this film's such a mess. It is. Um, so I think there's a villain problem in the sense that I think they write themselves out of a total problem. But you kind of have to have those two scenes where Harrison Ford walks in and explains it to us, and then one more yeah. Tommy Lee Jones really lets it clear for us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there is a sense of that. Whose story is it? Well, it's obvious. It's the fugitive story. It's the yeah. Kimball. Um. Oh, something we haven't done for a while because I think I've deleted it for some reason. What should this film have been called? It should have been called On the Run. Um, I will not stop until I found him. Um, I don't care. Hunt that doctor. Hunt that doctor. <laughs> I will find him. And I will hunt him down. The littlest hobo too. <laughs> Dr. Kimball Boogaloo. Um, the Scrubs prequel. Huh? The Scrubs oh, prequel. prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Beards off. I can do it all on my own. I'm not a one-armed man. <laughs> you know Scrubs. That's pretty good. Um, what is the story here? Well, it's quite, I didn't kill my wife. I did not kill my wife. I need wife. to prove who did. Yeah. So I need to be free and bring the killer to justice. And I did not have sexual relations with that doctor. You went there. I was going to O.J. Simpson. I'm like, the common joke is that O.J.'s convinced the real murderers oh, yes, are golfers. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he spent all his time on the golf course after oh. he was freed. After what fa- year was, was, was that again? That's 94? 90, yeah. Feels right? Yeah, feels right. 
Yeah, was, 94, was, 95 for sure. I was yeah. still at school. Yeah, I remember I was home. I pulled a sickie. Ooh. And it just happened to be the day that they read the verdict. I wasn't planning on it, but I, so I got to watch the verdict live on CNN. Ooh. Do you know, I didn't even know who OJ I was kind of rooting was. for OJ to be innocent. And it's weird because it's the, really the birth of reality TV as far as like the real life court drama, true crime, if you will. Yeah. kind of starts with OJ. Because well, that see, got. I can see why you did, because that's like saying David Beckham has um, done something. Yeah, imagine David Beckham went and killed someone today. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what, that was how big OJ Simpson OJ was. OJ Simpson he is was, a Hall of Famer. Like, yes. he is an elite athlete. He was a, he was a funny guy in... Um, he was having a breakthrough in movies. In, in movies. Yep. He was, he was, you know, he was going to be the Terminator. Was he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. he was headlined to be um, Terminator. So there's lots of stuff that he was doing. And, you know, he had a couple comic comedic movies, one opposite uh, Martin Short. It was called Pure Luck or Dumb Luck or something like that. Something, yeah. Uh, he, he had a burgeon. He wasn't a great actor, but he was he was, he was was a likable character. Yeah. And then this happened. And then that happened. We only know now, in hindsight, all these things that's happened. I remember watching it. The Chase. I remember watching I it live. That. I was on my couch. I, I was didn't, like, I didn't really know who O.J. Simpson like, was then. No, I did I. I was like, this, this is quite boring, isn't it? Yeah. Because I was really going slow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where's the... Because movies have taught me a police chase. Is like, <laughs> yeah, that was not a police chase. And we're just watching a car drive from right to left and yeah. like a bunch of co- cop cars behind it. Yeah. yeah weird. Weird. Um, oh, I've got which film been called. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Uh, what's this right here? Musical, musical inspiration. Songs that should have been on the soundtrack. Uh, it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. That was good, yeah. Uh, I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> duck, 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 Ox on duck, the duck, run. Beat. <laughs> huh? I fought the Ox law and the, the law won. Yeah. yeah. Well, look. I did it, yeah. I don't know about that. I shot the sheriff. I didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> um, no woman, no cry. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. you. That's if it did the original edit. You could yeah, do that one. Yeah. So there we are. Um, role of women. Uh, they. Both, oh, it's a bit difficult. Thing is, they're in positions of uh, high status, but there's not much screen time for them. I'm going to say there's two characters of any real importance in this film. Yeah. That's it. Lynch and Moore. I'm not even including... Oh, sorry, I mean overall in the movie. Yeah. And not even the villain. No. <laughs> it's Ford, it's Tommy Lee Jones. Only two characters that really matter in this yeah. film. Yeah. Um, the, scene, guess- the scene with Sue Sylvester, um, Sophie Lennon. Yeah. Chain Lynch. That could have been a guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially once they went, we're not going to go down that road. Yeah. So I give yeah. them credit for that. If anything, we see more women and the women who we see who are doctors are moral. Yep. Even mm-hmm. when um, there's a scene between uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Julianne Moore and she's real. She's like, guys go home. I want to go home. I'm yeah. tired. I want to go home. She's hardworking. She notices things. She's very, she's good honorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just trying to do the right thing. Trying to do the right thing. Um, so yeah the guy's wife gets killed um i don't think it's a case of it's not a case of frigid in the usual concept where someone gets killed and he's out to try and you know avenge her name this isn't john wick no no he's out trying to he's been wrongly accused of his wife's murder yeah and he just won the right yeah. guy behind okay bars. now as part of that process avenging her not through your own means but bringing him to justice yeah yeah um, I wouldn't even say it's like dying is the character. Like 
what's the word I'm looking at? Is the plot device? The plot device is more the framing than she's been murdered. I think Celia, yeah, I yeah. think it's a framing device. I, Celia yeah. Ward is really good in this. Yeah. She yeah. has agency. I will wait up for you. She lays up the, the, the rose petals. Is it a yeah. bit of a fit? But it's just a really, really happy marriage, and she's as proactive with this as he is. Mm-hmm. She's wealthier than he is. Now, part of that's his, his motive, but I'm like. She's not some weird depend- a real tragedy. Yeah, she's not some weird person yeah. who's dependent on him fully. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, and then I think um, the woman who's on Tommy Lee Jones's team, she's got quite a few funny lines in there. Yeah, and is constantly, you know, she's not going to let anybody sort of push her off and not be part of the group. She's still part of the group. Um, originally, I believe the plan was it was going to be Tommy Lee Jones and like one other person, but he said, "No, no, we need a team." And he's like, "All ages, all races, we need a team." Mm-hmm. and but that was tommy lee or whatever that was another writer i forget but um and and she's she's fantastic and she's strong and she's all those things even if she kept losing being on screen to joe pantaleano because he's like <laughs> it's just not enough screen time is it that's all huh it's just not enough screen time so only two characters that matter and cosmos yeah. just being a little a little sneaky guy getting yeah, himself he's, he's a little ma- stinker he's maximizing i'm gonna make a sandwich in the background <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I stay close enough, they'll give me the mic. That's <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, I'm okay with that role. I mean, if you made the movie today, they would recast. At the very least, Cosmo would would, would be a woman, <laughs> which wasn't even a character to start with. What Cosmo? Yeah. What do you mean it wasn't character? Well, he was a little bit character, wasn't he? He made himself bigger than what yeah. He was. But I mean, like that, his number two yeah. would have to be. Mm. A woman. The sheriff couldn't be a woman. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't do the sheriff who gets proven wrong. That couldn't be a woman. And also, um, you couldn't have the Tommy Lee part. <sighs> you, I mean, we could, but could. It, it just could. Could the fugitive themselves be a woman? The only thing a woman hunting a guy is different to a man hunting a guy, isn't it? I think. Tommy Lee Jones and the I, I think Gerard and the Fugitive have to both be the same gender. Yeah, for it to work. Yeah, uh, I think there's a whole different dynamic if you make Gerard a woman, um, but you can still have. But there's almost a camaraderie between the two of them, and I think that's. I don't want to pigeonhole anything. I'm just going if we were to remake yeah. this movie. I yeah, think yeah, I think yeah. you have to do. I I think it works better with two men. Um, because you're also dealing with you're also dealing with concepts of physical strength. Yes. And when he murders his wife, you know, say what you will. When a woman, ninety percent of women, you know, enter into a partnership with a man, they're generally signing up for someone who is stronger than them. And maybe something not something that gets thought of enough is just the idea that when a woman, you know, has any sort of a long term romantic cohabitation relationship with a man they're generally put in a situation where if things were to go to its very worst scenario they are more vulnerable than their partner yeah and and, and i think uh, that's an interesting and look at that scene in the in the sewer bit pull the gun imagine pulling the gun on a woman well that's why i think they would have to be the, the, the have same to be, gender have to be the same wouldn't they? i think it'd be very i think it'd be very challenging for if a woman is the fugitive to go i didn't kill my husband assuming again i'm assuming a heteronormative thing and you could say i didn't mm. kill my wife but let me, let's just let's just play with the idea we're just, we're just gonna flip it i didn't kill my husband and her to go i don't care that's a very different thing in that situation yeah because women genuinely do care 
So you can still do it with a really strong acting performance, but I think it's a, I think it's a much more complicated story oh, to navigate your way through. But you're right, both genders it have to be. Both I, I think you have to see them men. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I think. So yeah, there we go. Interesting yeah, yeah. conversation. Yeah. Uh, best character. I, I think we're going to be in agreement here, but yeah, I'm going Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, I think Ethan's going to go Cosmo. So I will say Tommy Lee Jones, of course. Ethan, without a shadow. You fool! It's Tommy Lee Jones as well. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, if I named the number two, I probably wouldn't name Cosmo. Yeah, because he made me laugh. He did. He did. <laughs> me. He humanizes uh, Gerard. Yeah. He yeah. He keeps him grounded in, in a way that it's not like a yuck 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 thing, but he yeah. gives him some moments of levity. You know, Harrison Ford. He's not bad in this, but he's he, he's a movie star. He don't stand Ever? out though, does he? No. He's a he movie star. He's best when he's opposite Celia Ward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's even really good in the brief moments he's opposite Tommy Lee Jones. But again, Tommy's the one who pumps. It's hard. It's hard to do a movie screen. when you're doing it by yourself. Ask yeah. Tom Hanks. He's done it a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, some people can do it. Some people can't. I'm not sure Harrison Ford can. Mm, he's better with other people. He's better opposite other people who can yeah. help sort of shoulder the, the acting load. Yeah, yeah. Best moment. Best element. Uh. The Tommy Lee speech. Penthouse, Fox House. Yeah, that's what gripped me. Apartment House, yeah. Because it's like that, um, it's the same thing with Taken, isn't it? I will find yeah, you. It's, will, one those, it's one of those iconic speeches. Down and I will kill you. Have you, you, know, have you ever that's heard? That's when you know when that's on. Isn't it? Have you ever heard? Yes, uh, I have. Have you? Yeah. As Kermit the Frog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. McFarlane. What's his? Fr- oh, Seth McFarlane. Seth McFarlane. That's Kermit it. the Frog doing the Taken speech. Yeah, he does it on... Um, Graham Norton. Graham Norton. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ethan. Oh, I'm going to go for the train. The trains, just all of the train stuff. Because that, that's just, it's amazing. I know the green screen of Lil Harrison Ford is, is ah, right. like silly, but like it's 93. I don't really care. Just the practical thing of destroying the train. It looks fantastic. And I feel urgency and threat at it. And it's done so well. And it kind of like see to me for the rest of the film that went, Oh, I'm in, if if this is what they're doing here, where are we going now? Uh, I'm going to go on mine. I'm actually surprised I get to, get to use this. It's the dive. Yeah. I didn't shoot Dive's my good. wife. I don't care. Dive Boom. off the cliff. Because yeah. it's that midpoint of the movie where you're like, shoot, where are they going now? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And all of a sudden, He's going bang to right. we, we gave you an act two confrontation between them, but he gets away in a way that's, it's this big. And you're not going to follow him, are you? No. You wouldn't do that unless you had to, would you? No, and it almost mythologizes both of them and the fact that he's going to keep running and the fact that he's going to keep chasing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really great moment. And for yeah. me, I love the speech. I love the speech. The, I, the, I you, you take that and then you take it to, I don't care. Yeah. Three words, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And both men just being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a great, here's a great bit of acting and then we're going to put a giant crazy stunt. <laughs> that feels organic. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Epic. Epic indeed. Epic indeed, yeah. Uh, a grumble. Uh, why kill the wife in the first place uh, when they're after Kimball himself? Oh, you mean like the actual store, if you're the, the, the murders? Yeah, it made, yeah. it made no sense. To me no, it makes no sense at all. If your problem's Richard, take out Richard. Yeah. The, the Directly. Only, the only thing I think the reason they had to kill her was because, you know, he has to go on the run for something, doesn't he? He has to be accused if, of something. Let's still go in here. If you're going in there that time of night, you got to kill both of them. Of course you have. You can't leave her alone. You've got a key. Yeah. Find some time when he's home and she's not. Yeah. You'd, you'd been watching the place, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just go in there willy-nilly, would you? 
if little buddy is coming back from doing surgery, he's going to be tired anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't know he's at surgery is the problem. They think he's going home that mm. night after the party, right? Yeah. So that's the problem. But why do it? Well, that's, there's no reason to kill her. It just seems really... It, they got rid of... And the key thing is they had the car for the phone call. And maybe once you phoned him, you can't call him off. What, um... Why did he borrow the car in the first place? He borrows the car to make the call on the, on, on, yeah, on the car phone. What, to, to Kimball. Why, why, why does he borrow the car? We're not told. He just borrows the car. Yes, that's it. I so, assume it's like a valet type thing. There must have been a, some certain reason why... A he... valet type thing? Yeah. What are you talking about? Like... He's like the guy. He, you well, know, no, he throws his colleagues not parking the car for him and no. saying, "Here's a car." I'm sir. dumb. I'm <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I hate myself. Keys. This guy's. This guy's a keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you need a sidekick. The reason why he borrowed the car. It's interesting. We didn't talk about like there's this kid who's a uh, uh, Nichols. There's a kid who's like uh, a posh kid who's like uh, doing a car valet thing, legit, and he gives him a little bit of extra money for his tip, and then he won't do it for the guy who's squeegeeing. So there's a clear class warfare thing going on there yeah, yeah, yeah. but no he, he ain't parking cars no so he borrows it for some sort of legitimate reason there but we're not, told. we're not told no, no it's, it's 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 very sloppy it is very sloppy so yeah grumble is the like right. you're not taking that car to like help move your apartment out it's like he's got a pickup truck and you're like thanks for the truck i was able to move that mattress nicely no no or fridge or something though guys we broke in this film yeah well, <laughs> um was that your grumble yeah yeah ethan um, here's my impression of uh, the writer. Guys, how do we end the film? This this film has so much time. It's a two hour and ten minute film. I genuinely think you could probably cut like 15 minutes. Yeah. So much happens, but nothing of substance happens either. By the time you get to the end of Act 2 and the beginning of Act 3, fuck all happens that's <laughs> worth, worth like substance. And I went... Why have we still got like forty minutes left? I, this is this is. I'm turning on you a little bit. I think they're trying to be. I think they're trying to be faithful. Although Ford never saw the TV series, as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. He stayed away from it. But I think they're trying to be faithful to the concept of a television show where he'd go around and do good. Yeah. So we see the bit where he helps the yeah, uh, guy the, on the gurney, and then he helps the kid, kid and then yeah. these little moments where he intervenes and drops in like a guardian angel, despite the fact it's going to bring him extra heat. Yeah. But that takes time. But I'm kind of like, we're all kind of on his side already. Of course you are, because yeah. he's helping. Although I would say, the bit with the kid, if I had a second like best key moment, it's the whole sequence with the kid and, and, and uh, Julianne Moore. I think that's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. I love that sequence. Because he's putting himself in harm's way. Yeah, he is. And he yeah. just can't help but do the right thing. Yeah, love yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, it's nice. Um, my grumble, I mean, it's the writing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You talk focused on like, what's the deal with the murder? Why do you do it in the first place? And it's also the way it's wrapped up. It's just very, everybody, we're going to talk to you. Here's how the, here's how it happened. <laughs> it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a whodunit. Yeah. Where he comes and goes, I've yeah. solved the murder. Well, you know, it is whodunit in a sense, but it's not the typical, like I'm a detective, but it's, here's how it happens. Um, it's just yada, yada, yada. Get the bad guy who I guess gets arrested. They just hit him in the leg, don't they? Yeah. And then get in the car, and one last joke, and off we go. And it's, you can feel, it almost feels like a Tom Cruise movie in the sense that, you remember the big key, key set pieces, the train? Yeah, the jump. The jump. The speech. The speech. Yeah. And the story that ties these things around is very loose. Mm. Very loose, because we want the cool scenes. Yeah. 
and when we got there so i guess that'd be a thing so i mean i'm really surprised this gets nominated for best picture i think yeah, there's, I'm surprised. i think oh i do have a as as um oh what's his name josh next favorite movie yeah it says like you tend to like movies that are often nominated for best of the script so i'm like yeah i i, I do but yeah i mean after this this degree here uh let's go ahead and look at is this anybody's best role ever tommy lee jones Mm. oh see i think he's better in no country for old men no he's better than this i've not seen that i I love i love no country for old men but he's better i was shocked when you said that yeah he's better he's also very good in lincoln so oh i still i need to see lincoln oh he's excellent lincoln yeah i just i just like tommy lee jones as an actor yeah as far as as uh, he's also very good double jeopardy yeah that's good ashley judd yeah yeah, that's good Good movie. He's, you know what? He's actually kind of he's good. At, he's one of the better parts of Captain America One. I want to see him in more war films. He's very good in Captain America One. Yeah, uh, but he also is acting in a completely different movie. Let's go ahead. We'll do the Age Game, and then I will pitch to Ethan for some critics. Age Game, Age Game. Let's all. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? play the age game we don't have a we, we can't send in the megan it's three and a half hours in <laughs> there's only three of us we had we had a weird 20 minutes we're going after that scottish football podcast yeah. today <laughs> we did have like a weird 20 minute tangent we just talking about box two, stuff. two and a half hours we can get there let's go yeah. uh, so first Jeez. we have harrison food i'm going as slow as i can now 93 uh, is that the age you want to go with no 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 i'm trying to do the math in my head <laughs> 58 53 ian gets that he's 51 oh, yeah. then we have tommy lee jones i'll go first this time oh 51 52 i think he's well, hang on what was harrison 53 yeah i think he's younger than harrison 52 he's 47 you. I was so that is another in. Like, then we have how many? How many are we going? Are we going? Are we doing five? Uh, yeah, we have Ooh. three more. If I win one more of an X three, uh, you're yeah. up first on this one. Jeez. Then we have Joe Pantaleone Cosmo. 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 Thirty-seven. Thirty-two. He's forty-two. Shut wow. up! I know. I was going to say like he ages terribly between this and the Matrix. He looks good though. Wow. I know. Uh, I don't feel so we- bad that I'm only two years older than the guy in this because <laughs> he looks pretty young in this. He does. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Andreas uh, Katsoulis. This is the one arm man. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> 46. 52. He is. 47. Wow. We have a comeback. We have a comeback. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Now, come on, come on, see, come. I've been doing a better job writing this <laughs> feud than the guy did writing the movie. <laughs> now, finally, we have Jerowin Crab or the, the big bad guy whose name Nichols. I forgot. Nichols. Oh. Dun dun. Hit me in the back of a chair, why don't you? Dun dun. <sighs> I can feel the tension. 47. No, I want to say a bit older. 50. 
that's Liam's because he's 49. <laughs> one year. One year. Off. What one year. Comeback. What a comeback. Five to the 48, you got to tie it I had a bit, I had a bit of a fear for a second that I was going to have to like break out a, another one for like Julianne Moore or Wow, Jay good Lynch. job, you. Good what job, you. A comeback. Everybody's around the same age in this film. I know. It's just a load of old nuts. people chasing each other. How old is he? He was 40, 49? 49, Jeez, yeah. look at that. Jeez, uh, Tommy Lee never really aged well, did he? <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and do the critics. Not, is that correct? Was it really that high? Oh, was like, yeah, it must be that high. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, The Fugitive. Wow. Yeah. I mean, remember, if, all that means is it got at least a 6 out of 10 from, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I'm going to fix that right now. So, Ethan, good, bad, and the Ebs, what you got? So we have Richard Roper, who says, directed with surgeon-like precision by Chicago native Andrew Davies. <laughs> it might be a l- little bit of a uh, home ground uh, love there. Then we have Jay Boyer from the Orlando Sentinel, and he says, While there are actors in this film, there isn't much room for acting. The rapid editing and the near absence of dialogue reduces the actors uh, to action figures with colorful labels pasted on their foreheads but then gives it three out of five. Uh, and then, <laughs> finally, we have Roger Ebert. Ebs. And he says, Davies paints with bold visual strokes so that the movie rises above its action film origins and becomes operatic. Ooh, he gave that Hi- hyperbole much. I know yeah. it's Chicago's own as well for Roger Ebert. Yeah. Three out of four. Oh, feels like he, his language was stronger than yeah, a three out of four. Did, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like I said, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.8 on IMDb. So even so the masses consider this to be a really strong film as well. Wow. So almost a double qualifier. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at what our friends of the podcast uh, felt. Before I read that out, I put out a fleece as I'm known to do. Usually I say this to give Georgia time to look it up. Uh, what do you got, Ethan? Sorry, yellow button. It was four out of four. It was the uh, the, the the first one that was three out of four. Sorry. That's a little bit of proof for the English teacher in me. Me going, that, that language is pretty, pretty positive yeah. for a three and a four. So there we go. Because uh, Ebes can definitely write. That's all I got to yeah. say about that. Uh, is it a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? 53% call this a great film. 29% a good film. Uh, 16% okay, 2% poor. I kind of do, I'm going to look at it, doing a metric where I add the great and goods together in future things to see kind of how people felt of it as a positive, like our own Rotten Tomatoes, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 82% consider it good or better. So that's a pretty strong, strong response here. Uh, let's look at what our friends of the podcast had to say about this. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start with uh, it's Reverend Bruce. Hey. Who says, I love this movie. One of the most rewatchable movies ever made. Right from the beginning, the thrill of a chase never stops till the end. Harrison Ford is at the top of his game, and Tommy Lee Jones gives a legendary performance. The filming on location in Chicago, a great American city, is remarkable. My favorite scene is the chase through the St. Patrick's Day parade. If you saw Indiana Jones the Dial of Destiny, did you notice that Indy runs through another St. Patrick's Day parade in New York City? Yeah. Slight spoiler. Just a couple of grumbles about The Fugitive. One, Richard Kimball was railroaded into a guilty verdict in a death sentence. This is unrealistic. 
an American rich white man, would never get this in Illinois. Secondly, Celia Ward, Richard Kimball's wife. She is beautiful and sexy, and we needed more of her. I would, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. What happened to her career? The only other time I've seen her is in 2014's Gone Girl, where she was obviously cast as the talk show host, interviewing Ben Affleck because he was also suspected of killing his female spouse. Seems we should have made more of Celia Ward in the last 30 years. Yeah, it sounds like she was kind of locked into a contract on Sisters. Yeah, and it might have taken away kind of for, her prime say, say what you will for, for, for the window for actresses especially at that time seemed to be much shorter than yeah. it was for actors yep look at the fact she's playing opposite harrison for do we do seal award in the age game no we how did, did not. We not do seal award in the age game Ethan, <laughs> find out how old she was would, would okay. you because he was 53 53 52 51 51 Oh, yeah, you guess fifty. You guess fifty-three, oh, but you were closest yeah, with fifty-one. Yeah, there we are. So I'm going to guess she's like thirty-five. Mm. No, this is this is non this is non-binding. You still got the win. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and I won't say what he gave it. Uh, we then have uh, another one here from. Uh, Dirk, but his friends call him Diggler. Remember seeing this in the theater? I had asked this girl out who I felt was way out of my league. Great film. Enjoyed that evening very much. No, we didn't marry. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, oh, did you guys want that age? Please. Uh, what were your guesses again? I said 35, Liam didn't say anything. Uh, 29. 37. Yeah, wow. we are. Yeah. So 14 years. It's about as good as you can get in Hollywood without people starting to go, oh, yeah. even back then. Even back then. Yeah. Um, what do we have here? We have Nate the Great, who says, Ethan must love this. And Indiana Jones, because Harrison Ford does a Han Solo impression in everything he does. <laughs> uh, everything after a new Fuck. hope. Just a little more serious here. Plenty of one-liners and competent authority figures, and the fight at the end is so comical and slow. We did mention heat. Yeah. Two old farts fighting and falling down like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And when Richard jumps off the dam, he was 100% would have died. Tommy Lee Jones was tremendous. I'll give it that. And that's what we have there so there we are so um oh i'm just gonna do that there uh then we go ahead and we look at what our uh friends of the podcast had to say not friends of the podcast our Fulgian fandom had to say about this let's start with ed from the film effect who says i remember so much about this film working although this is another one that i need to rewatch soon it's been many years since my last viewing it's not a perfect film but it will always be a great film in my eyes carlo from the movie loot says such a great action thriller both leads are excellent and the set pieces are great it's one of my favorites so if there's any hater and then he responds with i don't care i uh, <laughs> Gerard in a gift nice. form. Uh, off Radar, it's a movie podcast. I think it's Vern says, Ford and Jones ooze screen presence in this film and escalated above mediocrity into a highly enjoyable watch. For some reason, Harrison Ford shaving off his beard is one of my favorite beard trims on film. There's a list for you. Yeah. Not quite matching of Robin Williams in Jumanji. Oh, James. Thanks, James. Uh, making sure it's not an extra note you made. Nope, just a James. And finally, Sir Gives a Damn, also known as Mr. Mikey Wood, but we call him... Fred says, one of the best television to film adaptations up there with the Mission Impossible series. Thrilling, well cast with a strong underlying mystery beyond the one-armed man hunt. Thank you, everybody, for going ahead. If you want to get ahead and continue to, to sort of reach out with us and have your thoughts read out, that's on Twitter or X, whatever they're going to call it these days, at Best Film Ever Pod. Uh, one last critic, Ooh. or one last group of critics. Throughout all the chaos and setbacks, few people thought they were making something timeless. 
Joe Pantaleona, Pantaleano, who played Cosmo, said, we were lucky. Look, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I think everybody thought this was going to be a real dud, except for Andy Davis. <laughs> Andrew Davis said, Tommy thought this was going to end his career. Wow. Daniel Roebuck says, Harrison Ford said in front of me when we were in the water, so I could attest that he said it. He goes, oh, man, this is going to be my Hudson Hawk. <laughs> that was a terrible movie. Tommy Lee Jones says, I remember being in the giant basement of that hotel, surrounded by hanging bags of laundry. I was standing there speaking out to Harrison's character and there was nothing there except for big bags of laundry I remember thinking in the back of my mind I'll never work again this is never going to work and the best thing I can do is be as clear concise and coherent as possible deliver these lines as cleanly and dutifully as possible and maybe I'll get another job one day somewhere down the line and Jeb Stewart the uh, screenwriter said and I have to tell you you may not hear it from other people but I remember laughing about it with Harrison a lot we really didn't think we were going to work again after this movie <laughs> So there we are. <laughs> yeah. If you like this film or episode, you will like it's about the great chase heist movie, uh, chase on the run from cops kind of movies. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. Yeah. Excellent yeah. choice. Well done. Uh, you might like that. Logan Lucky. Uh, that's, uh, I, I said heist. Heist isn't the movie I should have said because oh, okay. it's not really a heist movie, no. is it? Being on on the run kind of movie. Uh, the Pianist. Oh. Second half of the Pianist. Oh. It's very much this kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first half's not. Nope. But the second half, it, it, it's a weird tonal shift in that film. It is. And that needed it. I'd really like to talk about that. I've come to the point, I think I've reached the point now where I can talk about it. Yeah? Yeah. Oof. I'm not pitching that because next week's film. That's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough call. <laughs> it's a tough watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think having seen it, I'll be okay. Yeah, I think second time Yeah, it's redeeming. Yeah. I am nervous to watch this, oh, but equally dude, excited. It's, it's, it's a hard first watch, yeah. Mm. That's the only time I've ever turned around to Ian and said, I don't know if I can finish this. I well, can't. you kind of said Rosemary's Baby as well. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> Yeah, but that was for different reasons. Yeah, was. That was because that was a shit movie. <laughs> we had, it's on the poster. We have to watch it. <laughs> uh, there we are. Uh, time for our ratings. Our ratings. What are we giving this? Let's start with Liam. Okay. I'm going to give this what I want from each and every seven and a half of you is a hard target search of every gas station, <laughs> residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, doghouse in the area out of ten. There we go. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Ethan, um, I had a number in my head while watching this, just going, you know what? No, this is this is doing really, really well. And then I got like forty minutes before the end, and my rating dropped a whole point. So I am going seven um, beard trims out of ten. Wow! All right, <clears throat> um. <sighs> The writing's not good. It's crap. <sighs> some of the lines in it is uh, memorable. It's a film with some really iconic moments. Yeah, yeah. And I'm left going. Maybe it's a good thing to get out of Dodge as soon as they can. As soon as the film's over, just cut. <laughs> yeah. cut. yeah, We don't need a denouement. Just no. get out. Get out. Get the fuck out. Um, because the strength of this film is more in the chase than it is in why are we running and why are we? Why did someone? Get, don't ask questions. Yeah, just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that enough, you can distract people away from what's going on. In the middle of this, you have you have character development, even if you don't have story development that works. From both, from both, this is a missed opportunity. I would like there to be, I would like there a chance for Julianne Moore's role to be bigger, but not be a love interest. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's so hard because it really is about Harrison Ford's ability as a movie star to make you at least care about his character. I did. Even if he's not great. I did. Because of the way we know, 
Way Kid Brothers. And, and, and even in the flashback scenes with his wife, there was chemistry there. There was chemistry oh, in the car. Using it, yeah. So I cared about the relationship, which means I care. I cared about him not getting there. Plus, I knew he was innocent. All yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm with him. And I care and I want to see him do good. And the scenes where he can't help but do the right thing. Those are good at making sure that I'm not just aligned to him, but I have allegiance to him. Yep. And then you have the incorruptible Tommy Lee Jones on the other side of it. Which is and then great. what's going to happen when the immovable, when the, what was it? The immovable, when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yeah. When those two things crash, what's the impact? Who moves? And it turns out it doesn't have to come to that because they figure out what's going to happen. Um, but it's not the problem is the story doesn't hold up. So, but it's got it's got two great set pieces. The trains number two in my book. The dive off the th- that's an all time movie moment. Good diving off the thing. So I'm going to give it eight database hits when searching for who the guilty suspect is <laughs> out of ten. Well done. Uh, the voice of the people is Liam, ever so slightly over Ethan, seven point three three. Oh, okay. So if we put this in the washing machine, it's going to come in at somewhere just south of 7.5. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a generally yeah, yeah. positive thing. And it's not is a it, bad it's a solid movie. film. So it's, it's, it's not a bad movie. No, 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 no. Not a bad movie. Uh, you really shouldn't unpick it too much. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, can, this if, is a summer blockbuster type film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Late summer, as the case would be. But yeah. uh, no, it's, it, it's a good one as far as that goes. So there we are so uh coming up later this week we've got uh i'm hoping i'll get larry hankin and the media madness both out <laughs> that's what i'm hoping for cool. that's my goal so i can say we're 100 percent caught up on that stuff have you done the see it skip at oppenheimer oh that's out oh that's out. Oh, cool. you, we, you missed the whole thing the, the numbers for oppenheimer and barbie cedar skip it's are both insane really yeah doing really well wow uh be- better than i'll tell you what oppenheimer's has already passed robin hood Wow. And our our Tuesdays, like our Cedar Skippets never pass the um the threshold the of, main review. Yeah, yeah, the main yeah. review is always the big one for the week. And this is not the case with Oppenheimer. It's been fantastic. And Barbie, uh week one was okay. Week two's been been outstanding. Oh, I think people are cool. seeing it and then coming back and checking it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what happened last week, but what's gonna happen this week? I suppose I should film Liam. Ooh. Because we need something to put on the on the reaction video. Reaction. So here we are. I'm recording Liam here. There we are. So next week we're going to be joined by friend of the podcast Hermes for an hey, episode Hermes. here. Always great. So it is always great. Yeah. He brought us uh, a little while ago. Ones, he? Uh, Whiplash was controversial. Yeah. <laughs> um, he brought us a film with a lot of story holes in it. In Logan Lucky. Yes. That I picked apart and went, shouldn't they be? And he, to, his, to his credit, he admitted when he was, when he went out, I exposed yeah, a flaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're doing that. Uh, we've done that previously. He's taking us back to the racetrack, Ooh. but back a little bit further. We're talking about, I've said to you, Liam, on our theater skip it, he might be the greatest actor working today. We're talking about Matt Damon. Yeah. We're talking about. Oh, I forget who played Batman. What's his name? Ben Affleck. Affleck? No, not Affleck. The one Bale? in Nolan's Mon- Mon- movies. Uh, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. We're talking about Le Mans 66, Woo! also known as Ford oh, yeah! versus Ferrari. Oh, great movie, I've wanted to see this film <laughs> for so long. <laughs> All right. So Love it. Love there it. we go. So um, that's what we're doing next week. So I said I was excited to go on we the track one more that, time with him. I think a bunch of us went to see that. Yeah. I think I went. I think you went. I think George went. I think Ellie went. Oh, it was a good movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. That was a good movie. That was before we did. We were doing the theater skip it format. I'm not even sure if we had a podcast yet. If we did, it was in its infancy. 
Yeah. I think it was like that's like 2018, 2019. It, it, really? Well, keep in mind, 2019. We started the pod, yeah, we started the pod just before the pandemic. So, then our first one after the pandemic, our first year to skip it was when the movies came back. Oh, that oh, was yeah. Bill and Ted face the music? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is James Mangold. There we go. Nice. There we go. I'm looking. For, Ethan's, uh, Ethan's having a moment. And there's going to be I a like debate. James you have a poll. <laughs> Sorry. Ferrari versus Ford. Or Ford, Ford versus, versus Ferrari. Ferrari or I believe is a U.S. title only. And Lamont. So it's gonna be, I'm going to have to comment with both and put a slash in. Yeah. I'll probably, because North American audience leads, I'll probably do Ford versus Ferrari slash Lamont 66. Really? Yes, because also because of our download numbers. Uh, the U.S. market's the biggest market. Listen, to that. I, I'm struggling, but I'm making the choice. Choices I got to make when I'm thinking about numbers. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, I turn like a studio executive because <laughs> yeah. I think the correct answer is Le Mans 66. I do. I do. I do. But as far as what it was probably originally titled, I wonder why you wouldn't call it Ford versus. That'd be interesting. We'll see if that comes up. Yeah. So looking forward. And Hermes is always a great time um, yeah, to have. Anytime he shows up, it's always a good conversation. I appreciate that he challenges. Which I do like. I appreciate yeah. any questions. I appreciate any supports. I appreciate that, that you can you can actually move him off a point. <laughs> you can audible scoff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Don't listen to him. All those things can can happen. So uh, yeah. So he's just one of our friends of the podcast. Other members of our friends of the podcast, our Patreon backers, include, you're here, you can help me this time, because Ethan, the lag was killing us at the start. So uh, let's see if we do any better this time. Okay. We want to thank Julene. All right. Hermes. Come on. James DeGuzman. Lena Overholzer. Get that hat on. Anson Ian Davies. Yeah. Chris Peterson. That's what I'm talking about. Randall Silva. Hell yeah. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. The Yeetmeister. Reverend Bruce. All right. Nate the Great. That's what I'm talking about. Andy Dixon. <laughs> yeah. Holly Callen. Come on. Cheesy. With a fish on a bike. Richard. Woo. The cool cat himself. Ryan Kukets. Dirk, but his friends call him. Diggler. Very good. And AJ from Nova Scotia. Oh, yeah, Canada. Canada. All right. And then uh, if you want to find out how you can be just like, uh, how you can help the podcast, like all those wonderful people, it's patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. DJ so, five is the magic number. Yeah, he did oh, that. His internet was yeah. better by that point. Oh, good. We struggled. Uh, but thank you. It's never a struggle uh, talking great films with great people and to a great audience. So thank you, everybody out there, for listening. If you want to interact with us on Twitter, that's at Best Film Ever Pod. I'll continue to say Twitter, even if it says X on my phone. <laughs> X marks the spot, I suppose. But please join us next week when we go around the track a few more times with a good friend of the podcast, Hermes Oslander, yeah. in Ford versus Ferrari, that we might argue is more accurately called Le Mans 66. Yeah. For best film ever, I've been Ian. I've been Liam. And I've been Ethan. And if there's anything we learned this week from Tommy Lee Jones, it's don't ever argue with the big dog. The big dog is always right. Ian is always <laughs> right. We'll catch you on the flippity flap. Big dog, yeah. Flip flop. <laughs>